Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 15.17. I have just realized that my first line in the actual podcast should have been this part. So just mentally transpose those two things. Vamos. Jim Harbaugh is no longer the head coach for the University of Michigan Wolverines, and I've been on too many message boards where there are crabby old men being like, ah, everything's terrible again. No, it's not. It's not. And I thought being at Yoast on Friday when they announced Sharon Moore was the head coach was a nice little moment. People were excited about the future of this program, uh, and there was a thank you Harbaugh chant that broke out. Like, mm-hmm. This is not Michigan parting on bad terms with Jim Harbaugh. We understand he wants to win a Super Bowl. He can't do that at Michigan. He can only arm wrestle Kathy Lee Gifford. And so we send our golden child back into the arms of the Lee. He was the most dad of all of our football dads. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're we're going to talk about this. We have four segments lined up. We have uh, all the weird Harbaugh stuff, which we felt we couldn't let this era elapse without sort of documenting. And then last time when Beeline retired, we were going to put together like a top 10 moments and we couldn't fit it in. And so we made it a top 20 uh, and we were going to do that again, but we couldn't fit it in again. So we got a top 25. It's the AP poll people. Uh, so we're going to do the top 10 as the last segment, 25 through 11 as segment three. Mm-hmm. Uh, honorable mentions and just stuff we didn't fit in the top 25, but still want to talk about as segment two. And this is the weird stuff segment because <laughs> um, that that needed its own. I mean, <laughs> I I put out a tweet that was like I because I I knew I wasn't going to remember everything, and I was like, all right, so please inform me of all the weird stuff you remember from the Harbaugh era. And oh my God, the people have provided. <laughs> so there's a few things we're going to start with that aren't don't really count because they're not Michigan stuff. There's the the coaching tape video where he's describing how you take a snap from the center, uh-huh. and he just keeps telling you, you put your knuckle, or your thumb on the guy's asshole. He says it like four times. But and, I think he say butthole. No, no, he did oh. not. He did not. He, he also had the straightest of all faces on while he said. <laughs> yeah. He also threw a football that hit a projector in that video. Yes. yes. That is yeah. also on there. He, like he broke an overhead projector. Uh, some people sent me the screenshot of Harbaugh and his dad at Judge Judy, but that was pre pre Michigan. And then, of course, there's the Mahmoud Ahmadinejad tweet that Michigan will return to glory, inshallah, which <laughs> which became the basis of my game column after the 2021 Ohio State game. Thank you, Mahmoud, but that's not a Harbaugh weird thing. Uh, a couple it of things. kind of is. <laughs> Kind of is. Are we are we still on pre Michigan? Because I got go. I got one that they left out. 
Uh, this he's at Dominic's. He was like in the NFL at the time. He comes and eats at Dominic's, and like some two female students are like, "Hey, you want to throw the football with us?" This is oh, I have this on my list. I didn't realize it was pre-Michigan. I think it was. Pre-Michigan. Oh yeah, this yeah. was not when he was here. This okay. was, I think, a long time ago. I think it was like either in the NFL or just retired from the NFL. Yeah, so it was like twenty something years ago. Yeah, and this is actually a story on our our site. Right, right. So one of our readers says that. Uh, he starts throwing the ball with them, and then he's like chucking it at NFL speed at these girls. Their hands are hurting, and he's like correcting their positions, making sure their hands are in the right spot. He's, he's coaching them up, and they're they're they, one of them I think was just like done, and the other one was just hanging in. They all in they all ended up injured from the speed of the football. Right, says Stephen Arcas in 2017. I, you think Coed three would be like I'm I'm good. <laughs> I, I, you. You guys can go ahead. Like I, I'm, I'm going to be done with this one. Uh, all right. So yeah, that's that's your. Uh, that's my. I, I didn't. Well, yeah, I did, it was on the list. I, I'm wanting to see if I can remember anything weird that like the entire fan base was not able to come up with, it, or at least your entire Twitter population well, was not able to come. We'll up with. see. Yeah. So first of all, we have the uh, Quinn Nordine sleepover. This was early in the uh, Harbaugh era. When he was doing signing with the stars, right. and he was really out there with satellite camps and just doing everything to have a media buzz about him. Didn't he also go on like a go kart ride with was it Aubrey Solomon's brother yes. or yes. something? Yes. So it's yes. just, I mean, it feels like this is just like recruiting shenanigans. Yeah, the general recruiting shenanigans. I mentioned uh, signing with the stars, which led to one of the strangest things you'll ever see, which was Jim Leland. Dabbing with Migos. <laughs> this was when dabbing yes. was a thing. And you've got like, you know, Captain Cigarette here with uh-huh. these rappers. And he just goes like, oh, I'm going to dab. So someone sent me a gif of it. And it is uh, absolutely, absolutely. So is this wild. where we're talking about recruiting stuff? Because satellite camps is like. Well, we can't go from. We got to mention that Harbaugh gets on stage with the Migos and gets drenched with water. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the Sklars are hosting this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't Derek Jeter sitting there and like. Yes, Derek yes. Jeter was there. <laughs> yes. Was Ric Flair there? Ric Flair's just been around. No, it's like Derek Jeter Tom, and Lou was Brady Holtz. there. Tom Brady. Lou Holtz? Why was Lou Holtz there? And, and Brandon Peters all sitting on the same couch. <laughs> Lou Holtz. I mean, I guess, I guess the whole like. How many of these were there? Were there two or three renditions? There, was, there were there were only two, and the second one was way more tame than the first. Yeah, one. this was, it was sixteen, and, right? That was and their Jason big. Jason Clark like couldn't make it the, at, like the last minute, so Randy had to do it on his own. Oh God, How, yeah, that's like <laughs> I can't even imagine. You start was, looking around on the, stage, you're like, yeah. where am and I? This thing was like like half organized. And no one really knew what they were supposed to say when they got up there, especially the recruits who were like, hey, uh, I'm sitting next to Derek Jeter. What do I do? <laughs> and I, Jim Leland fires up a cigarette at Hill Auditorium. It's, 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 no one knows any clue what they're doing there. Um, and they have a couple of call-ins and like that. And, and Randy had like no preparation. And then the whole time backstage, everyone's waiting to hear about Rashawn Gary. Yeah, with her going to get his letter right. of intent. <laughs> right. And uh, I mean, was that in doubt? Yes, it was in doubt because yeah. he didn't he didn't actually send it in until like four p.m. or something. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I love that the Harbaugh era kind of starts and ends with Lou Holtz. <laughs> like we flipped him. Like he came to signing it with the Stars, and ever ever since then he's like, "Oh, I'm a Michigan man now." Uh-huh. And it came down to <laughs> Ryan Day screaming for an 86 year old man who said something accurate. 
And Michigan proves once again that they're the tougher team. So, yeah. Didn't Saturday. Holtz get mentioned on game day or the McAfee show, like, at the end of the season again? Like, because obviously in the postgame presser for the Ohio State-Notre Dame game, but then at the end of the season, they brought him up again. So he's just always been ever-present, even throughout he's Michigan's so, magical such a year. weird guy to turn because, you know, Michigan hated that guy. Hated that yeah. guy. Yeah, but, like, when you when you have those battles and then you get older, like him and Harbaugh. I know, but, like, like imagine Brian Kelly coming back in 20 years and we're like, hey, Brian Kelly, we're okay with you. Well, Didn't he defend Michigan this year in the sign gate thing? Oh, no. He did. Yeah. Oh, no. He's ang- he was angling for the job. Though. He's the, <laughs> he was he's the next Lou Holtz. <laughs> he is. All right, we have now reached the uh, sartorial portion of the Jim Harbaugh weirdness. First of all, he jumped off a diving board in khakis and a hat for some reason at Canada Manatorium. There were there was a lot of diving for a while. It became a thing when you committed that you jump into a pool. That was the Oliver Martin, right? <laughs> he jumped into a pool for Oliver Martin. Yeah, the guy I, who him, him and him and Oliver Martin jumped into. I don't know if it was here or where it was, but they both jumped into a pool when he. Most when he of the anyway. weird recruiting stories are guys that we didn't get or guys who like didn't came do and didn't do anything. Yeah. 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 Uh, there was the roasted pants incident. Yes. That made uh, Patrick famous. Patrick briefly famous. Patrick comes up on this list a couple times, by the way. Yes. Uh, there was the ceremonial Wrigley first pitch where he brought his own cleats and glove. Yeah. And he was asked about this in uh, uh, an interview. And he said, doesn't everybody do that? And he was informed, <laughs> no, nobody has ever done that before. Um, he, he also wore cleats to the grave walk before the 15 yes. Ohio State game. And there's a picture of uh, – a Turnley picture that got posted to Twitter mm-hmm. of him wearing cleats on an airplane. Well, as as one does. As one does. Um, when he met the Pope, yeah, he gave him a Michigan helmet, which I think is, is not that weird. But he also gave him a pair of Jordans. Yeah. <laughs> and – and and the Pope is very now the Pope has not been seeing wearing them and I I've, I've heard via like other Michigan reporters that like people who cover the Pope have been watching out for the Jordans. I can't tell if you're kidding or not. I'm not. Like, <laughs> they He's were probably kidding. Someone was told by like people who cover the Vatican that like there's been a lookout if 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 it ever happens they want okay they want to get the shot. Uh, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes. He, sort of related, he threw his first pitch at uh, the Tigers game in khakis with a belt. Uh, <laughs> where do you think he bought those khakis? I think he bought them at Target. Or uh, Walmart. Or Walmart. Right, I, where he was seen with a photo of, of a stack of just like the same pants. I want to yeah. quickly discuss like Jim Harbaugh's sartorial debut at Michigan because he, he comes in. He's already got the khakis thing going, right? Yeah. He is the one who says, I'll only sign with you if we fix Michigan's yellow, which was – a thing that only a That's Michigan not a fan weird w- thing. That's a beautiful thing. Like, uh, well, well right, it's so a weird thing to like need as part of a contract. Well, yes, I mean <laughs> that's like the concert writer that uh, with the M and M's to me, uh-huh. where it's like if you're serious, like I need you to fix the uniforms to prove to me that this is no longer Dave Brandon's university. Ex- well, I think it's a great. I mean, there's a couple things that are Harbaugh great things when you look at it. And it's like actually smart, but also he got the he got the Jordan thing right like he switches us from adidas jordan brand he gets yeah. the jordan brand well that was hackett but and then they have the event on state street to celebrate the beginning of the jordan era and he shows up in khaki and sweatshirt yeah but you you have to remember for the first was it basically until 2020 he that was the only thing he wore to games 
I know. Now, like, he's sort of branched out, and he has uh, clearly someone that's saying, oh, try this polo, try this sweatshirt. But back then, it was just the khakis that were always khaki, and then it was the same, like, what do you call it, crew neck sweatshirt with the M in the middle? And it, tr- it went right. from Adidas to Nike, but basically nothing else changed. I, I just thought it was funny he shows up in a hooded gray sweatshirt to, like, you know, the, the, the great Nikening of, of Michigan, and it's like... This is supposed to be our fashion icon, and that was our. And he just like, wears the most dad thing possible. And then to prove it in the Amazon documentary, you get the shot of his closet, and it's just khakis on the bottom and that same sweatshirt, and there's about fifty of them on the top. <laughs> well, and you're and like, then, oh, well, yep, there it is. The year after he was hired, every other kid on Halloween was dressed up as Jim Harbaugh. Yes, headset khakis, Michigan polo. It was, it was probably a godsend for parents because just like, oh, this one's easy. Knock this one out of the park. Who, oh, yeah. who did he say that he gave a tribute to with his glasses? Do you remember? Oh, my God. <laughs> We're going to play this one. Okay. You know, there's really three people. The I got my eyes checked out a couple weeks ago, and they said I needed to go to glasses full time. So uh, as of Tuesday, I'm now a full time glasses person. And uh, this style in particular is a, uh, a tip of the cap, a nod to. Uh, Woody Hayes to uh, Michael Douglas in the movie Falling Down, <laughs> and uh, also uh, also a tip of the cap to Malcolm X in honor of those three men. So uh, we mentioned the uh, Harbaugh Pope encounter, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is which is a strange thing in and of itself. I can't remember anyone else actually meeting the Pope. Um, but another thing on that trip is that there's this photo of Jim Harbaugh. Like drinking out of a public fountain in Rome, <laughs> which is... I would not recommend. I that I I don't think the Romans recommended even doing that in the in the Roman times. They they knew to get their water from other places. Isn't that where they had Don Brown fight the OC in a like a Roman battle, like a. You had the offense and defense on each side, and they put the OC and then DC, and they made them like yes. fight in this. Yeah, it was little... like American gladiator thing on the. Well, not American, but yeah, <laughs> it was a gladiator encounter, I guess, <laughs> between the. I think Don Brown won, and they picked him up. And was it Drevno? Did he fight? He might have. I think might so, have fought yeah. Drevno. Oh god! And like Marty Smith was on the trip with them. Uh, I think it was the other trip that when they did uh, Paris. He put out a tweet where, like, he chose, like, this one. He wrote, I'm, a, I'm not a food critic, merely a blunt instrument who only knows football. But in my opinion, this restaurant is the best. And it was Anahakuali in Paris. Okay. Just a random Mexican restaurant. Is Mexican? <laughs> <laughs> well, then they, al- they also this, went like, to like South game. Africa and went on a safari. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, like, this undertone of... Uh... So the thing that I, I had on my list, we haven't touched the things, is, like, I thought... The coolest thing. And I mean, those are neat things. But when you're talking about coming to Michigan and being a part of the culture here, he took them on a tour of the state. And that's something that I think is gets lost. Because if you come to a university and you spend a few years here, like there is something to be said for sort of the flagship university and what it represents and the people that pay the taxes and all that kind of thing. And he took all the players up and they went around on a big tour of like the entire peninsula and they helped out in smaller towns and did stuff and like to me that's just like a really cool thing that you can really feel like you connect to the community not just the city of ann arbor or whatever but like the entire state i mean he's he's a very earnest person in some ways and but who else comes up with that no and and like we're not gonna talk about 
uh, Jim Harbaugh's politics in detail, but they were very heterodox. Yes. Because he was a you know, devout Catholic, and he actually acted like it. And that's very strange. Go figure. Um, <laughs> but back to uh, the other stuff. I got a tweet from a guy named Eric Strickland, who's a defensive coordinator at Stockbridge High School. Said he was at the Michigan Clinic two years ago, dinner time. Harbaugh came up behind me in the buffet line, grabbed a fistful of hot meatballs barehanded, smiles me, said, love these things, and walked away. <laughs> that must have been his second plate of them. <laughs> I, I, like no napkin or anything? No, just, just went glonk. There's, there's no way that like he that was his first trip through the line. He must have gone back I, I, because he liked the meatballs so much. He's I like, I'm going to go get myself some meatballs. Uh, speaking of Harbaugh Twitter, uh, during his early tenure at Michigan, when he was being very out there in the media, he had a Twitter. Yes. And there were some glorious moments, uh, none more glorious than this, uh, sent to me by Michael Proppy, uh, former student body president here. Coach Harbaugh, March 30th, 2015. Disappointed with fourth place finish for UMish student body president. Competitive juices flowing. Hat in the ring for 2016 and will campaign with enthusiasm unknown to mankind. He was in fourth place because of write-in votes. And um, <laughs> Harbaugh was. And Proppy, when yeah. he sent this to me, said that uh, he would actually have been eligible really? to be student body president if he was elected. I don't know why. Don't you have to be part of the student body to be a student body president? You just have to have, have enrolled at the university or graduated or something. Was he taking a class? Was he finishing his career? Uh, maybe. He probably yeah. is always taking a class, Seth. Um, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, this ties in with your state of Michigan stuff. Like his genuine enthusiasm for that song, which I think had Cornelius Wasn't Johnson. Wasn't CJ wearing the shirt yes. at a press conference? Yes. <laughs> it's just, I mean, Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, someone sent me a picture of Jim Harbaugh birthing a cow, I guess a calf. Well, he also he like, was just like helping birth the well, cow. Well, the cow gave birth to the calf. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Recently, he just acquired chickens, right? And his right, and there's, about... there's the whole like arc. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's because he starts by telling Wilton Spate that you can't eat chicken because it's a nervous yeah. bird. <laughs> but he rescinded that statement recently. <laughs> yes, uh, and he he remembered that he had the crazy take yes. that you can't eat chicken because it's like I I I I take that all back. I'm I apologize to the chickens. Well, he was so happy that the chickens were happy to see him when he'd come to feed them. And take care of them. Someone asked on the message board recently if California allows chickens in your backyard or if you have to leave them. Leave them. Well, probably uh, depends where you live. Yeah. And also then who you know. I think I think he can probably... He'll probably be all right. He's yeah. probably going to be the only person with like an expensive house in LA that has chickens in the backyard. Uh, so Tom Brady and Jim Harbaugh played catch ahead of uh, a Michigan game. Oh, I was, he he made that was comment. one of the ones I was hoping that the kids would miss. That the kids would miss why? <laughs> because that was just such a niche moment for for us. Because like that, they were so on point. Do you remember like how they like, like got competitive? Like well, how yeah, while but, they were throwing. And then afterward, he said it was a thrill, and it was up there with playing catch with his dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he mentioned that like if Brady ever wanted to, I think be the coach, he would be his quarterbacks coach or his OC or something. Like he would cede his job if Brady wanted it. So so weird. I mean, I I just remember the quality of that game of catch is probably unparalleled. <laughs> Here's a <laughs> football quote. history. Yes. Let's play a little catch, Tom. He throws a good ball. That ball almost catches itself the way he throws it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's good if you're Tom Brady, I guess. <laughs> um, there was a brief period where he was playing piccolo uh, with the Michigan marching band. I 
don't really know if he was any good at it. I'm guessing no. We have reached the Peru section. Here we go. The Peruvian section of Jim Harbaugh. So this comes in two phases. Wait, wait. Do we have to take our shirts off for this? Uh, no. But he goes on a mission trip to Peru. Yeah. There, he meets a priest who assumes that he's Catholic. Well, he the, who knows that he's Catholic and so mm-hmm. assumes that he's a Notre Dame fan. He says, are you a Notre Dame fan? And Jim Harbaugh says to a Peruvian priest, actually, I'm in the Notre Dame ass-kicking business. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. And while in Purdue, I mean Purdue, while in Peru, he invents some sort of football offshoot game you can play without pads, which he proceeds to play at a satellite camp. <clears throat> shirtless. Well, they in, had to be shirts and skins. Yeah, in khakis, skins. not in, in gym khakis. shorts. <laughs> and there's this picture of him like reaching up to catch a ball that rival fans would dunk on Michigan with for years by like here's Jim Harbaugh shirtless reaching up to catch a ball. We made a shirt for that thing. Why, why would okay. here's Urban Meyer holding up the championship trophy. Uh-huh. And then when Michigan started to win championships, we photoshopped that shit right onto Jim Harbaugh's <laughs> torso. <laughs> so we have we have concluded the Peru ball section of this. <laughs> Can we segment. talk about uh, the team viewing of the solar eclipse or the whichever eclipse it was in 2016 where he gets the team together? Because we did this at my office where we got, you know, the special yeah, glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he gets all of the players together at the they have a lunch and then they go outside and they view the eclipse together. I mean, I mean that's a good. I mean, it's a good experience. He's like he—he's he's just football dad. Yeah, like, we're gonna have an experience, guys. Let's go to the. This is science. Yeah. Have have, have they mentioned the dad rock? If we're on the football oh, dad man. piece, go 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 go. All right, because I mean, first there's the Jim Minnick story about meeting Harbaugh when they were roommates, and like Jim immediately goes upstairs, gets into his record collection, starts like ripping stuff out of his record collection, like doors, nope. Nope, now listen to Beatles here. We're now listening to Jethro Tull here. Where's your who? How come you don't have any who? <laughs> so, and then he gets them to start playing dad rock in the stadium for a while. Do you, I think it was like oh, a, yeah. you know, 15 or That 15, was like 16. the first year or two. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. like Bob Seger. Yeah. <laughs> like all of a sudden we're all listening to, and, and we're <sighs> cool with it because everyone knows it's coming from Harbaugh. <sighs> I've got another tweet from Wayne Gretzky. Uh, oh, it's Gretzky. I get you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> At DC Go Blue, I met him at an alumni event in New York City shortly after he was hired, and he asked me if I was snapping necks and cashing checks. (laughs) (laughs) What did he did he say? Yes, I don't know. We didn't. We didn't. I didn't didn't reply. I didn't get the whole life story here. Uh, A person on Twitter who goes by Random CPA, who is an anonymous CPA. Noted that he quoted the Federalist Papers at one point. Nice. It was pointed out by a magazine reporter that America First is a Trump slogan right now. And Jim Harbaugh says, I wasn't aware of that. As Madison said in Federalist 51, justice is the end of government, the end of civil society. It ever has been and ever will be pursued until it be obtained, until liberty be lost in the pursuit. What? (laughs) Just... Just spouted that. Didn't read just, it. No, didn't he, that's the quote. He's just like, oh, don't you remember in Federalist Fifty One? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and he quotes Madison. He's usually not the one that people quote no, usually, uh, yeah. in the Federalist. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's 
It's a good quote. I, I, yeah. I, I have to imagine that he like he. This was when he was doing his like political thing for the legal services. Yes. Yeah. I have to imagine that that was something that was recently impressed upon him by someone else. Why? Are you? Have you no, not? No. Have you, have you not been? Papers? Have you not been in this segment? All the things that you has, has anyone in this room read the Federalist Papers? Don't say yes. Of course I have. Oh, I've read parts of them. I I have a history degree from the University of Michigan. I <laughs> literally have to. Oh, we missed one sartorial thing. He wore a glove to a Cubs World Series game like he was a ten year old. You mentioned that. Yeah, that he, was a different one. Oh. Different, a <laughs> different Cubs game where he wore his glove. Yeah. Um, uh, we've reached the rap segment. So there's here we the, go. Who's got it better than us? <laughs> video where he's like in a car inside Glick. Yep. And it's not very good. Uh, we've mentioned Migos before. Also, apparently, there was a Little Dicky concert. I'm sorry, Lil Dicky. Lil. Lil Dicky. Lil Dicky. Lil Dicky concert that he opened with the national anthem? What, what is, I don't. What I is, don't. This, I don't remember this. That's how you start a football game, and Jim Harbaugh <laughs> makes it a football game. <laughs> We have we have reached the end of the rap. No, section. we have not. We have not. No, we have not. He recreated a Drake album cover. What? And Michelle Obama retweeted it. What? Yes. What? Yes. Is this? Is I'll, this... I'll put it. I'll have to put it up on the in, in in the comments or something. Does the thing where he is walking around with Caesar? Ruiz it's the one a... where like Drake was sitting up on a on a, like a scoreboard and like you see him like in the distance and Jim Harbaugh recreates it wearing his khakis sitting on top of the Michigan scoreboard and like they darken the stadium and they put the picture out like he just he recreated the Drake album cover. Is this similar to when he? Was walking around with Caesar Ruiz as a recruit and had that little like pipe sticking the, out the, of the side of his mouth, where he looked like yeah, he was, he was <laughs> like going a, for a like spinach. a pirate or something or Popeye. <laughs> and then, well, the funny thing they're showing it's all the New Jersey recruits, right? And and Harbaugh and they flash it over Harbaugh, and Harbaugh's got like a mean mug going on. <laughs> and then it flashes over to Tim Drevino, and he's just like the smiliest, nicest guy. <laughs> uh, here's Sharon Moore talking about the first time he met Jim Harbaugh. But I do remember the interview like it was yesterday. It was me, it was Coach, it was Don Brown, it was Pep, it was Jack Harbaugh, it was Jay Harbaugh. And the first thing I did is I took off my jacket, I took a chair out, and I showed how to run block. And I, obviously, you guys know Coach. I mean, he was right there. He got up. He pulled, he tightened his belt. He wanted me to run block him. He pulled another guy. He's like, yeah, go, go ahead and base drive him, down block him. I'm like, I'm going to knock him out if I do that. Um, so it was, it was phenomenal. It was like a five hour meeting. And uh, then we went into film and uh, he's like, yeah, you want to spend the night? I was like, coach, I came with a suit. He's like, yeah, we'll go downstairs, get you some gear. It'd be great. I was like, sure. <laughs> so I spent the night and then got the job the next day. So uh, it was awesome. Uh, but yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. Oh, I, I forgot to mention that um, when we talked about the record of the Inf- Edmund Fitzgerald, he was on a national radio show on ESPN and he called the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald a six minute long song about the death of 29 people, a real toe tapper. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I remember toe tapper. <laughs> He I, mean, always- I mean, now you almost have to bring up the whiteboard, right? Oh, my God, the whiteboard. I okay. did a post on the whiteboard. Yeah. Like, I broke, I have it pulled up. I mean, I, I broke down every single thing he had on the whiteboard, and I use one of them constantly. Some of those are really great. Yeah. They're, 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 yeah. they're, they're, they're like epic dad things. So, whenever my kids say, I'm bored, I say, when you are bored, bored you you're are boring. boring. <laughs> yes. I use that one, too. <laughs> Some other good ones for dads are, oh, that's as helpful, helpful as you get, is it? <laughs> uh, 
he mentioned I, soup sandwich. Yep. I actually I I know it's trite, but I use who's got it better than us with my kids. Well, it, that's yeah. fine, but it's, yeah. that one's not weird. It's just no. like a call and response thing. It's yeah. very effective. Um, he also burns David Brandon in this one. Okay, <laughs> that's not surprising. As, as he says, a sign of high integrity is not being worried about being foiled. <laughs> that's true. It's, it's, yeah, no lie, no lies detected. There, there's a lot of good ones. We'll all have to link the quote board into the into the thing so everyone can relive this. Uh, another Harbaugh tweet forwarded to me by Nathan Bethel. History has documented many air quotes secret orders that have brought our country great shame. <laughs> I, I, he was. Uh, I have no idea why he tweeted this because it's a reply to one of his own tweets. Where there's a guy who's named John Craven who has like a wall of sports memorabilia. And then he follows it up with that. Huh. <laughs> Do you remember what age it would when this was? It was like, 2016. So well, it was back when he was on Twitter a when lot. When he was more. tweeting, yeah. Yeah. So I, I have I have no idea why that was even an option. Oh. I mean, my favorite moments of the Twitter age were when he would interact with other coaches. Like the Georgia coach and oh yeah, Richt? yeah. Well, or was it or was, no, it, or was no, it Kirby? No, it was Kirby. It was Kirby at that time. Yeah, the, they uh, anytime someone made a well, he had the satellite camps and that tweaked a lot of noses. I mean, that's a big thing. We should talk about that for a second because like that not only it was starting to change the recruiting game, mm-hmm. but it also started to bring to light other coaches and their lack of interest in working hard. I mean, that was the whole like. Ference and yeah. and Kelly thing where they're like, well, we can't we can't allow this because now then we all have to have satellite camps, and then it triggers all of the southern coaches or at least some of the SEC or ACC coaches who you know Michigan is now coming down, and I mean they got a bunch of recruits out of that for like two or three years, yeah, and yeah. and got some players that you know would would have I mean and the other thing is it also like was good for kids. Like, he's doing good things and like allowing people to be noticed where they may not have been invited to other camps. It, it was a it was a, like. Very Harbaugh thing to do to like upset the way things are the going. The apple cart, upset the apple cart, yeah. and do it in a way that makes <clears throat> Michigan look like we're the ones who care about the kids and the players and the coaches because the high school coaches loved it the most. Oh well, sure, yeah. And the kids were like, "Oh, I have an opportunity to go to Michigan and like get them to see me." Like they love that. And the reason the SEC didn't like it is, you know, Q Freeze had it because of his kids, but you know, it wasn't just the working hard. It was they we well, don't. We have a great system here where the right. coaches tell us who the players are and we go get them and Michigan never has a shot at them. And that was I mean that that was central to the brilliance of Harbaugh. Right. Yeah. Uh also central to the br- brilliance of Harbaugh is getting into refs faces. Uh, yes. <clears throat> There's a a gif from the Purdue Big 10 Championship game <laughs> where they had a ref cam. And <laughs> yes. It's like a timeout on the field. And it's just Jim Harbaugh staring daggers at this guy from like one inch from his yes. face. If you need to see this now, I think it's actually the um, image that the Chargers are using as their main Twitter handle. <laughs> so it's not hard to find at this moment. Uh, there was the Lonsman period where he was asked. There was a Big Ten commercial like, what would you do if you weren't? You know, a, a football, football coach. coach. And people right. were saying, like, teacher, and Ryan Day said sex criminal. And Jim Harbaugh says, a lawnsman, <laughs> which is not a real thing. It's not a word. And then Pat Forty has, like, an interview with him about this. And he's like, oh, yeah, I mow my own lawn. 
I have a lot of respect for people who take care of their lawns. <laughs> He's the richest person in America who mows his own lawn. Well, he, he buys his yeah. pants at Walmart, Brian. He buys his pants at Walmart. The one time I went to Home Depot, the first person I saw at Home Depot was Jim Harbaugh. You were not the only person who's seen him at, at Home Depot. No. It's what, like a very common Was he occurrence. volunteering for a shift there? No. But someone said that he was at he they were at Home Depot and Jim Harbaugh was at Home Depot and he was looking for like an organizer for axes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Screech is apparently his cousin, which I think we've mentioned before. Um, there's the infamous laser tag story. Yes. Where, where he's just... Wait, isn't that a before Harbaugh? Is that? That's before yeah, that Michigan. Was de- yeah, yeah, that was definitely before. Yeah, where... <clears throat> I mean, you might as well tell the story where he... Well, he just he just has a child who he's just shooting over and over again. He finds the again. 10-year-old and just... Yeah, did, yeah and it racked up the entire score. He Some, beat somebody, everybody by 26 Somebody points. made a joke that that child at that time, because it was a long time ago, was Ryan Day. <laughs> Uh, here's Jim Harbaugh on uh, trick-or-treat advice. I've tried to advise them to get two costumes to be go-getters. <laughs> you can hit the neighborhood in one costume and better to j- to jog and run from house to house. Then you can get more candy than anyone else. Then you come home and make a quick change into a second costume and go hit those same houses again. Harbaugh admitted this was the same strategy he used as a youth. <laughs> <laughs> there's There's got to be people in Ann Arbor who saw this. Right? Sure, yeah. Are we yeah. under the helpful Harbaugh point sure. portion yet? Whatever so you got. The, the other thing is, is he was driving down 94 and helped a lady oh. change a tire. Oh, and then like the there, during storm? the ice storm. And then yeah, the second the part storm. of that is the ice storm where he's helping the – he not only is he helping the cop clear fallen trees, but he's at home, gets in his truck and drives around – thinking that there's going to be somebody or a tree that needs to be moved. So he's it's this isn't by accident of him driving home. This is him like thinking, hmm, you know what? I bet some trees are down and there's going to be some people pulling them out of the way. They probably need some help right now. I didn't know that. I didn't know he like joined the neighborhood yeah, he was watch at, for trees. He, well, he was at home. Yeah, it wasn't like an, I'm driving home and, oh, I better help this guy pull this tree over. It okay. was like, a you know what? It's 830 and the news isn't on yet, so I better go clear some trees. <laughs> Uh, Just shoveled my own walk. Let's go back to uh, Coach Harbaugh tweet. Happy Easter. God bless you and yours. Tip for finding Easter eggs. Think like an egg. Where would you hide if you were an egg? And then there's a giant winged helmet egg. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he made that graphic? No, I do not think he made that graphic because it came out that he types literally everything in Excel. Yes. He does not use a word processor. In, including his idea for a college football playoff. Well, which, that's appropriate for Excel. <laughs> that's what, which, but it was like the most Jim Harbaugh could work for him go blog moment. <laughs> because I'm sure every one of us before they had the 12-team playoff had an Excel, at least one. I probably have multiple. Version of their playoff and of their you know Big Ten realignment. I have if college football was European Champions League. Oh, I have that, too. Uh, Harbaugh used to eat cereal with Gatorade because he was out of milk, and it has electrolytes, which is what plants crave. He also, in that milk commercial, put eggs in his kid's cereal. What? Do you remember they shot a commercial with him for milk? Yeah. Where he's, like, like, Fairlife or something? Yeah, where he's, like, looking in the mirror and, like, putting on his pads and, like, popping his chest Because he does the quarterback. Oh, that's on my list, too. The punching of the quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this is around the time he was punching the quarterbacks, but he punches himself, and then he, there's a big cut to him with the cereal for all of his kids, and he has nine children. Not all of them still need cereal made for them, but he's putting whole eggs just 
opening it up and putting them in the cereal. <laughs> Protein. Uh, here's another quote after the Judge Judy taping. I've never seen her adjudicate one improperly. She is so smart. She is so good. I can sit there and watch those cases all day. I really could. It's fun to watch somebody that does their job well. And I could watch Judge Judy do cases all day. I could watch people play football that do their job really well. People that direct traffic, I get a real kick out of watching people that are good at directing traffic do it. I've done it for hours. (laughs) I mean, wasn't he, didn't he, when he was like, Fake suspended earlier this year. He ran the chains yeah, for he his ran kids. The yeah. chains. <laughs> it's like you imagine showing up and it's like there's Jim Harbaugh he, saying, "Nope, you're four inches short. It's fourth down. Are you guys going or what?" He's done that before. He did that. I or think he did that early in his career. Yeah, yeah, in his career. Yeah, when he was doing the satellite camps, yeah. I think one of the places he he was at a football game. Well, that's that's different though, right? Like that's we are there for a reason. This is just like I'll just go. I'm well. If my you're kids running, if you're the coach running a satellite camp, usually you're there talking to other coaches or like no. coaching some of the kids or, or recruiting a little bit. You're usually not the guy on the chains, unless you're Jim Harbaugh. Unless you're Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> uh, back to uh, Dad, Jim Harbaugh, his weird acronyms. Like, bet means bring everyone together, and dog means discipline athlete with grit. There's more of them. There's Ted. I, 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 want, I wanted Harbaugh to, like, give us the acronym for Lank. <laughs> like uh, Reese Davis? Yes. yes. Uh, where Pat McAfee is starting to sweat bullets next to him? Yeah. There, I mean, if, when he started giving out the weird helmet stickers, yeah. there, like, his acronyms are all over the, those things. There was the COVID mask, which we won't talk anymore about. And then, of course, this year... What did the team start doing? They started singing for he's a jolly good fellow <laughs> after games. Like what? That's, that's half Harbaugh and half just who these guys are. <laughs> yes, that's true. But I that's I, just the culture he created. Yeah, but I mean he ultimately did turn the entire team into Jim Harbaugh's. Well, or he saw it in other people and brought them all or, together, like one of his acronyms. I I <laughs> I do want to point out that like he begins his career saying there will be no hugs. And at the end of his career, there are many, many there hugs. There are many hugs. Yeah. All right. I, I did sort of order this in that I have a top three. <laughs> all right. We're not there yet, though. Okay. Because <laughs> unless you want to do like me go through all the ones that you guys have missed. All right. I'm going to do my top three and then whatever we missed, we missed. <clears throat> Here's Jim Harbaugh on Urban Meyer drinking 1% milk. We refuse to drink the candy ass skim milk or the 1%. We refuse. We won't have any of that. <clears throat> I thought about because I got here early today at venue. I thought about like ordering a bunch of whole milk for us and be like, "Okay, guys, <laughs> let's do this." Harbaugh cast. And then there's this quote: "If worms had machine guns, then birds wouldn't be scared of them. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't." And then my number one is accusing Jameis Winston of being a sex addict <laughs> <laughs> on television. He knew he was going to be on television, uh-huh. and he was like, hey, Jameis, you got a sex problem? You got a sex thing? You a sex addict? Didn't Winston come here to train before the draft? Yes. Look around at the facility and say, man, I kind of wish I would have come and here. And they, they were – Jed Fish is in the room for this for some goddamn – and, you know, Jameis had like a crab leg incident where he like yeah. left he the public with crab, crab legs, yeah. and he's like, I'm Jameis Winston. I don't have to pay for anything, which is a reasonable thing to think. Um, <laughs> but not in that case. And they're, like, grilling him about the crab legs. Actually, let's just play it. You know, I mean, if you don't want to go any, I mean, I screwed up. I f***ed up. Yeah, quick. F***ed up, learn from it. You know? Serious as, you know, be serious as a heart attack. You know? I understand it. I know it. Yeah, how am I supposed to handle it, like, if, if I just got him for free? 
I just say, just did say I just messed up. If somebody gave them to you for free? Yeah. So what happened? So explain that to me. Explain that to me. You got them for free. Explain that to me. Would you even go? I would put it, keep it in a tight, tidy box. Tidy box. Came in, got some crab legs, left. You know, people in the store reported that I didn't pay for it. And they were right. I didn't pay for them, and I f***ed up. I should not be. I should not have been taking anything, taking anything for free. Okay. I've learned, learned from that. Out, tidy box. And they may grill you on. You know, you what? You got a sex addiction? You got a problem with sex? Sex? You, you addicted to sex? A sex addiction or something? No, sir. All right. What did I miss? You missed a very important aspect of Jim Harbaugh. Okay. Jim Harbaugh, war dad. Oh God, yes. <laughs> Because there's, there's, there's a lot on here. He got in a fight with the students over showing the movie Sniper. <laughs> yes. He visited Omaha Beach on the France trip. Yes. Of course he did. Yep. He, um, I, I have a personal thing. The one conversation I've ever had with Jim Harbaugh, and it's the only thing he remembers me for, is that I informed him that Vic Heiliger was the brother of Moose Heiliger from Brand, Band of Brothers, and this blew his mind. <laughs> Vic Heiliger being Michigan's past hockey coach. He was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Um, he took the kids to the – after Donovan Edwards made the yeah, comment, they yeah, went yeah. to the Holocaust Museum near me. And he was probably like, oh, man, cool. I get the excuse to take these guys to the Holocaust. <laughs> I get to go and do World War but So I know the docents there because, of course. Um, and he was, like, obsessed with the Warsaw Uprising and was like oh, – yeah. finally, like, they, they, could, they, they ran out of information that they had about the Warsaw <laughs> Uprising. And they took him to the gift shop and got him a book on it. <laughs> I mean, it, I've watched, there's, I forget what the movie is called, but I've watched a movie on the Warsaw Uprising that is just unbelievable. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, so Jim Harbaugh, War Dad, he is, he is one of the most epic of all time. Uh, I have a whole bunch of uh, little ones, like when he, I think it was Karan Higdon he gave the, the belt lift to when he was sitting on the ground after getting the wind knocked out of him and he goes and kind of opens the. Oh, oh, God, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is. Wait, doctor? There is, yeah. <laughs> Yep, it's like that's that doesn't seem like something I would want to have happen to me. <laughs> right. Um, you know, you mentioned the refs, but there was his demonstrations of like how a punter was outside the tackle box. Oh yes, his his like his one man show of refereeing malfeasances. Yeah. Um, his college football innovations. He had like uh, I mean, his realignment we talked about. He came up with the one time transfer rule. He did. Like that was him. That was that was his idea. I mean, he's been pushing revenue sharing for a while. Yes, yeah. he has. Uh, intent to deceive. <laughs> um, we had uh, Judy, the Ted Lasso connection, which came about again because then yeah. he, they they based Ted Ted Lasso like they went and met with him. Jason Sudeikis went and met with Jim Harbaugh really? to come up with the character. And once he had the character, and like the, the show had been on for a while, Harbaugh quotes. Uh, one of the Ted, Ted Lasso, Lasso saying a Harbaugh thing. Yeah, it was. It wasn't. A, it was like a Ted Lasso trying to like take Harbaugh to the next level. Oh, okay, and then Harbaugh brought that one back. Um, we got the whole milk. We got the dad bod. His Paramus relationship. Okay, I don't know if that's a greatness or an or yeah. a, like it was. But he's he, not really weird. He's just trying to get recruits. Yeah, but and he, a coach. He, he's and yeah, but and he, what, Gary. he spoke at their graduation ceremony. Oh, that's that is weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, in your list of quotes, uh, there was a lot of them from the press conferences. I know. I, I couldn't, I just picked the top ones cause there's so many. All right. So my favorite quote is strap on the iron, strap on the iron jock and kick the ball through the uprights. <laughs> what he tells his kicker when they're not missing, when they're missing a field goal. Okay. Strap on the iron jock. 
Um, and then there's a couple presser events we have. To, right, so this calling out Alejandro. That was actually going to be in the next segment. But okay. All right. We'll we'll save it we for that one. We can use it now. Yeah. We're you know this. I'm sure this made Alejandro's life. Well, that was when he saw him at the airport. Saw him at the airport, and he calls him out in the press conference afterwards. Like, I appreciate your hustle. Yeah. And that that picture is the picture that we use for known friends and trusted agents. Yes. He's literally He's, pointing out Alejandro. Yes. In every game column since he was hired. Um, I think. Probably the most Harbaugh moment in a presser was when he stopped the presser to talk to Nick Baumgartner about his dog. <laughs> Do you remember that? I have the I have the lines. Like he, he's like I, I kind of forgot your question. Baumgartner asked him a question. He's like yeah. I I kind of forgot your question. I was thinking about your dog. Do you have a dog? He's like I do. He's like it's a big dog, right? He's like how do you? Know? We should just put it in there. Sure. Uh, back to what Dan asked about the run game, everything together that you feel like it's now all working in concert orchestrated the way you, I mean, not the way you want it, of course, better, but do you feel like it's it's there as much as it's been at all to this point? Uh, I kind of forgot your question. Uh, so thinking, of, thinking about your dog. Do you have a dog? I do have a dog. Why do you guys... It's a big dog, right? Yeah. How do you know this? I was, I was, you were, you were, no, you were, you were, you were commenting on a, a running play. It was a um, pin and pull scheme and you were, I think you were taping it on your TV. With your phone, and I could hear a dog barking in the background. It sounded like a big dog. Okay. I couldn't look at it without asking that. Uh, without asking that question. What's his name? Biff. Excellent. How old? Sound like a good strong dog. Ten, eleven. Wow, it's good age. Yeah. Question. Yeah, and then there was um. This, so he talked about Freddie P. Soft, and I think a couple times he mentioned Freddie P. Soft. So then someone asked him to describe who is Freddie P. Soft. And here's his description. He's a four-inch guy that wears a cape and a hat with a plume in it. And he's just tall enough to, to talk right into your ear and tell you, you don't have to practice today. What are you working so hard? Get over there in the shade. You don't have to attack with enthusiasm unknown to mankind today. Take a break. Take a knee. Yeah, he's not a guy you want around. Want to get him off your shoulder as fast as possible. All right. Do you have anything else to add? I mean, the one quote, when things were the bleakest and the darkest and everyone was doubting at the media day in 21, he just said, we're going to beat Ohio State or die trying. And that was the encapsulation of, to me, the next three years. All right. We are going to take a break and come back with the honorable mentions that did not make our top 25. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner, Founder and President at Peak Wealth Management. 
check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning? Or do you need to play catch-up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry-up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota, or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. Hi, I'm Pete Cavarilla, owner of Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning. Now that the temperatures are dropping in Michigan, you can count on our vast network of service technicians to keep your heating system up and running. We offer 24-7 emergency service and have advanced scouting on all makes and models. So if you find yourself without heat or hot water or want a free estimate on a new system, call or text us at 734-238-3698 or book an appointment at Sharon'sHeating.com. Hey, fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lender. For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you, and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender. Who's got it better than us? Nobody! 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 To the field from the tailgate parties. Let's go blue, yeah, the home team. This the big house, Michigan Wolverines. If it ain't real, it ain't right. If you can't take a hit, take a hike. The legendary Big Ten champ said right. Bo Beckler motivated the might. Force so strong, it's on Saturday nights. Howard, Woodson, Brady took it to heights. Let's ball, hell to the victors, that's above all. I got one question, tell them hardball. Seth, Randy, Jason, I need takes hotter than I'm very sorry about this. The San Francisco 49ers in the second half. No! Oh, through the yeah. heart. Uh, off that helmet. They didn't even do anything. Okay. It was just the Lions That's dropping okay. passes. Hey, 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 hey. 
I this is good news for 2026 Lions fans. Agreed. Good news. Mm-hmm. Amen. You Amen. Just gotta, you got to go through the process. That's right. right. You know, we went through the process. The Lions at their beginning of the process. They have Aiden Hutchinson, who's not going anywhere, and it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Agreed. 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 Seth, give me your hottest take. Jim Harbaugh had to grow up, and he did. <laughs> when? When he like got to Michigan, he was kind of a goof. Like some of his ideas <laughs> were just completely off the wall. He had like all these. He was like a. He was like a like a football coach. That's what he was. He was just like I'm trying to be football coach, dad guy, and right. and like you know his sayings are all kind of like it. it we loved them because it was Harbaugh, but it was corny. And it's like, oh, we're going in the submarine. What? And like, wait, like, like, was was he's a jolly good fellow, not corny? Like, it was it no, no, jolly good fellow was corny. more real though. He had to, he had to grow <laughs> oh, up into the jolly good fellow. He grew okay. up into he, he was, wait, he was so not track. that. He was there will be no hugs guy. Remember? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah he yeah, was yeah. like, you gotta catch up early to catch the worm with a machine gun on a thing and you're like what what are we talking about and then he grew up into something yes. that made sense so yeah okay yeah so th- this is I, I this is a great hot take yeah because <laughs> i think it's true yes <laughs> like but it's also like so childish. we watched yeah. jim, we watched jim harbaugh grow up over yeah. the course of this nine-year career when he went from 51 to 60 right so yeah. so it's so true brian because <laughs> harbaugh is not like regular people he just isn't like it's the reason that he could be a head coach for he can be a coach for so long and not I want to say Bobby Petrino, the situation, or Rick Petino, or anybody who rhymes with a Nino who did something bad with a woman. Because he's just so weird that, like, when we all grew up in our 20s to 30s, he's growing up from his 50s to 60s. Like, you know what I mean? His growing well, process is later. He's a football guy, right? He's a football I mean, he never had to grow up. He was a first-round draft pick. He was like, you know, he got to play football his whole life. He, he was in the NFL. Yeah. And then, like, he, right. at Stanford, he had to, like, run a program, but it was Stanford. Like, And he came to right. us like such a, you know, look, I'm going to make the show and, and I'm going to make this whole big thing. And then like by the end... He was he was a very different person. He was like he, they put the microphone near him. Be like, talk to this guy over here, right? Or when he made his hiring choices, it wasn't about getting like the hottest name or the coolest person. It was like I'm going to hire this young person and have them grow into the job and tell me what to do. Like he had to do a. He turned his offense over to Josh Gaddis, which turned out not to be a smart move, but was a much right. but was a mature move after the you know horrible situation where he had four different offensive coordinators trying to decide things. He grew up in front of us. Wait, Josh Gaddis's best speed in space move is when he left the program. <laughs> he left pretty fast in a very short space. <laughs> All right. Enough talk about Rick Patino. Randy, give me your hottest take. Uh, Oh, my God. Jim Harbaugh left Michigan, and because he loved the way Army played us so much in that game a few years ago, he now allows our offense with Alex Orgy to basically be Army. <laughs> this is, well, I think this is, down, this this is the hottest, dumbest take ever, that deep down inside, he was like, there's no way Army's going to play us tough. And then they played us so tough, and he's like, 
how do I, I mean, I can't do it with my current thing. How do I allow us to be army for one year? And so it's like, I have to go and I have to go at the right time when we have a quarterback that could be like a running quarterback and we have Alex Orgy and we're going to do it. We're going to, I agree. Iran, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that is what we, we, we've advanced so far. We've got, we will go back into the stone age of offenses right now. I mean, if we triple, triple option with our defense, and I'm willing to watch that for one year. Well, I mean, football is this grand circle where it's like, okay, we're going to go shotgun, we're going to go RPOs, and then all of a sudden you're watching this man ball in the NFC Championship game and then the college football championship game. It's just a never-ending cycle of life, and I think we're back there. Like Nebraska yep. 1995 is going to be the new hotness, and Alex Orgy is going to pilot us there. Is that okay. your hot take? Is that one scorching, dude? But no, that is not my hot take. You got a better one. That's pretty good. That's pretty Jason, good. Jason, give me your hottest take. Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan has made Tony Petiti so mad he's going to go to San Diego and try to suspend him. <laughs> I got, wait, he's not even in San Diego. Or sorry, wherever. <laughs> but that's you guys how literally dumb. live in that's LA. How that's, that's how like, jump. That's, that's how, that's how many fans this this franchise has, Brian. <laughs> so I so let me tell you something. I'm a Clippers fan in LA, which is not a popular thing to be, but I have been for 20 years. So don't get in my face. I like okay. Corey Maggette, those old teams, yeah. and I do think there is a tiny like vibe of Clippersism with the. I think that, by the way, I think the Chargers should have not moved up to L.A. They should have gone to Orange County. They should have called them the Southern California Chargers. Then people from San Diego could have still claimed them as their own. People from L.A., if you liked them, you could have driven down to Orange County. Orange County would have been psyched that they had a team. I think it was a mistake. That's how dumb I think Tony Petiti is. He's going to go to San Diego to try and suspend Jim Harbaugh. But, I mean, is there is there a moment? Like, I have a real question about this. Like, are there unresolved things that they're going to try to take out on the program, like that they can't take out on Harbaugh? Like, how does that work at this point if that guy's well, gone? I mean, it felt very personal about Harbaugh. So, with Harbaugh totally. leaving, it feels like most of the heat is leaving. I mean, the literal president of the NCAA publicly stated Michigan won it quote fair and square. So it right. just feels like like the, it's there's going to be some sort of punishment where they pay a fine and they have some sort of minor stuff. But that's that's where it's going to end, except yeah. on message boards where Michigan State fans and Ohio State fans swear up and down that yeah. Jim Harbaugh was basically Satan, except worse. But nobody else is going to care about this for the rest of time. Agreed. Okay, good. Agreed. Great. All right. Here's my hot take. Michigan is better off with Jim Harbaugh leaving now. Wow, that's hot. That's hot, but not that hot. I mean, if you compare it to two years ago, it's not that. You're right. He is better off with that leaving now. I I just mean, like, better off with Sharon Moore moving forward than Jim Harbaugh moving forward. Now, this is the hot take segment, and I'm stretching it to its liberal extreme here. Right. But. Let's hear it. You have a guy in Sharon Moore who came in and became much more prominent as Michigan became a better football team. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's the offensive coordinator. He was the offensive line coach for a couple of Joe Moore award-winning lines. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the program loves the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. And he's 37. Yep. He's mm-hmm. black. He's the first mm-hmm. black head coach in the history of Michigan football. Mm-hmm. He yep. wept publicly after mm-hmm. 
beating Penn State. That's going to resonate with moms. Jim Harbaugh is 60. I think he's got five, six, seven years left in him of being a real high-level elite just football grew up. coach. <laughs> You're talking about his yeah. that's that's true. But you know, if I was Jim Harbaugh was interviewed today, he said that like I love Michigan, but I want to win the Lombardi Trophy. And I wish he had said something along the lines of like, and I felt like I was leaving the program in the best possible position because Sharon Moore is that dude. And we've heard from Trevor Keegan, we've heard from all kinds of people that Moore is the kind of guy who leads people. And I feel like this transition, it's going to be fine. The defense is going to be really good. we got some questions on offense. It's fine. But I am excited for the prospect of dying while Sharon Moore is still the head coach at Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's so that amazing. Yeah, but I also think, Brian, to add to what you're saying, I think – the reason Nick Saban left football, why he wouldn't spend a few more years, is that it's changed so much, left college football. It's changed so much that, like, I don't think you can coach the way he coached in the last 20 years. Like, I think you need a new type of person to coach this type of football with guys transferring all the time and trying to keep your roster. And, of course, NIL is a problem, but, like, making sure the culture is good. And I think, like you said, Sharon, and you guys have said on this podcast numerous times, Sharon Moore came and the culture got better. Like Jim Harbaugh has been Jim Harbaugh, and maybe he did grow up and mature and allow other people to help make the culture better. But Jim Harbaugh is not a I love you man type of a guy, and Sharon Moore is. And this whole season was about love and loving each other. And so you have to see his handprints all over it. So I think – I think this is a hot take, but I don't know how hot it is because I think Sharon Moore is the guy to take us through into the quote-unquote new football. Yeah, that's a great point. And honestly, uh, this is coming later in the podcast. We're taping this after we tape the whole podcast. But we touch on that love stuff over and over again. Like that's that's really – that's that's a great perspective, and I, I respect the hell out of it. Um, <clears throat> I hope you guys listen to our previous podcast because we told you guys how much we love you, and we do. Oh, I, um, I loved it. Go ahead, Jay. Go ahead, Jay. You I, I love so so. We got to experience both the Rose Bowl and hanging in between the Rose Bowl and the national championship and the national championship with you guys, and it was. It made it so much more special for us. We felt like we were informed. You guys kept us grounded. Seth, especially, who was sitting next to us, kept us grounded whenever we wanted to fly off the handle and go to a dark place. You know, it just, what what it basically was like, was like we had the log in our back pocket and then we got to walk around and see what (laughs) everybody in that, in that hotel lobby and everybody in that city in Houston who was wearing Michigan, like nearly every one of them came up to you guys and said, this podcast is really important and really special to me. And we understand why, because it is to us as well as listeners and as contributors. I mean, we're the most minor contributors to this podcast, but we still, we still feel like we contribute, and I. But I do think that there's, there's this feeling that you guys went on this unbelievable journey. The last hour, I've told like five other people who aren't even Michigan fans. I'm like, listen to this hour of podcasting, and then you will understand why Michigan, as a fan base, is better than your fan base. Why Michigan winning this thing was a better thing that Michigan won than any of the other four teams in the finals, and why Mich- why a, a team like Ohio State will never even approach 
Michigan because Michigan roots with their hearts and their heads. And this podcast somehow finds a way to bridge the gap between the heart of the fan and the head of the fan. And by doing that, it's the whole fan. And that's why this experience has been so special for us because we were like bleeding heart fans with not using any element of our head at all. We needed someone to connect those two things and put a, a device that would make those two things go on the same track. And MGO blog did it. You guys personally did it for us. And, you know, it was a very, very special thing to hear you guys outpour your emotions connected to your lives. And we feel the same way. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, go ahead. Brian. No, no. Well, I'm just glad that you, you guys aren't mad about catching one of the strays of all time. Oh. <laughs> when, when Seth was talking about his his deathly ill and then he mentioned the barbers, and oh, yeah. the whole room erupted. In I, laughter. I laugh. I laugh. You no, know, we're we're comedians. We're comedians. If, if, if we can get a laugh, we don't care where it comes from. If someone's laughing at us, we're like, great. If someone calls, we're like, we found was... it. It was so great. I know you. I know what Seth meant, but it was so funny in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> like bringing us up in that moment brought a, got it made people laugh is kind of what we're all about too. I just love that in the spirit of the love that this team has now, especially moving forward. I think you guys. There's a lot of love in this podcast, love for the team, love for each other, love for your fans that we got to see personally and love for us like Jay and I feel it. And so I just want to say we appreciate it because not only did we like hang out on New Year's Eve together and went to the Rosewell together the next day, you talked very beautifully about that tour of the road we got to go on the tour with you guys the rose like we got to do a lot of stuff and then hang I, it out worked out well for me too if you recall i got, I got some incredible tickets to the rose well i got to like come out and hang out with you guys at like you know uh, an amazing new year's party like this this this, this is a good life it was really wonderful and a wonderful ride to go on with you guys like the will that we may never go on ever again but the fact that we went on it and got on to go on it together and in this moment and we got to be a part of you guys covering it too is just the coolest thing ever and i will if you want us to share like the one because i was at the original signing of the stars i don't know if you talked about it on the we did. Uh, yeah yeah i I, mean, didn't, I didn't remember we, we we brought it up and we brought up that you were the I, only brother there we didn't remember exactly yeah, why i was so i was supposed to i was supposed to be there with him but then i booked uh the lead in a pilot in a tv pilot that never aired but it, i was really proud of booking this thing and i i had to be on set that week and so i couldn't leave and so i like was streaming it on jeter site and i was like so nervous for randy as if i was doing it myself because i'm like he's doing jokes that we've never done before and yeah, you know the thing he's was out like there half planned, right yeah. Oh, uh, but also like there were moments where I'm sitting on the couch and like Ric Flair is up speaking. <laughs> like, like after Migos. I'm like <laughs> Mayor Hawthorne. Anyway, so like I'm looking at the teleprompter because only I can see it. Like, you know, it's the audience can't see it. And Ric Flair is nowhere near what he is supposed to say. Like the prompter person I imagine in the truck is just like, okay, keep going, keep going, like, get it up, get it up, get it. And he's so far off topic. And I have a little IFB in my ear, which is the truck production truck, which is telling me to tell Ric Flair to wrap it up. <laughs> I'm like, you, you want me to he's going to put me in a figure four letter. This is pretty hard to check Ric Flair. 
I was like, yeah, I cannot tell Rick Flair to stop. <laughs> so there's like a break in the action of what he's saying. He's collecting his thoughts. And I literally am like, Rick Flair, everybody, Rick Flair, <laughs> Rick Flair. And I was like, I cannot believe I got in there. I cannot believe I wrapped his ass up. I cannot believe like we're going to move on with the show, which is going to be so long. All the while we're waiting for like Rashawn Gary. I'm like, yeah. at he's looking at me. I'm like, and he's looking back at me like we don't know anything yet. We get back in the back after the whole thing. And it's just I'm standing in the back with Harbaugh. I'm like, what's the story? And he's like, we got him. It was so great. That was like in at Hill behind the thing. And they like we just heard that we got him. But I wrap up with Ric Flair. Is and- it wait, was it like the, the Obama gif where they killed Osama Bin Laden? He just kicked the door down. Yeah, kind of. (laughs) So I, so I go, so I like get flared. I finish him, and I'm like, oh my god, this is we got him. He's done. And then like, like the Undertaker when he like pops up out of the (laughs) car. John Harbaugh, who is sitting on the couch, is like, Rick, why don't you come on on the couch and sit with us and talk a little bit more. He ran it like you're kidding me. You cannot I, honestly. I, be I cannot believe this, but like the fact that that was just a thing, and then the next year Jay actually did it with us at Chrysler, and I'll remember we had. So, <laughs> this is the best. So we're at Chrysler Arena, and we made a joke about. We said like we were here many years ago, and I remember we were here in 1993, and a two-year-old as we were walking in the arena to watch Duke we play. Duke, Duke play the Fab Five. We we're like we camped out, so this place means a lot to us. We slept out on the concrete in freezing temperatures to get here and and have seats for the Fab Five. That's what we told everybody. And then go ahead. Jeff. And I said when we walked in the arena, I'll never forget that a two-year-old Grayson Allen tried to trip me. But it later would come back to haunt me in the show because that was the year that we got like seven defensive backs, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we every time we would introduce one, they'd come up and sit on the couch and we'd have to move down the couch a little bit. And what they didn't tell me or what I didn't realize is we keep moving down the couch because no group had this many recruits in it was that the end piece of the couch had no arm. And so I just keep moving down without any knowledge of what's underneath me when I go to sit down. And we have six defensive backs on the on the couch. And then I go to sit to talk to all these and Don Brown and the defensive back. And I just I just whiff and just sit on air and fall completely off the couch just in front of 6,000 people or 8,000 people, just completely wipe out. And I, I'm like, this is the biggest mistake in front of so many people. Like, I can't believe it. And I just bounced up and I'm like, that's why you don't make a joke about Grayson Allen. He will trip you, even if he's not he'll here. Figure, he'll figuratively he'll trip you. Trip you, even if you're he'll not here. You. But I mean, that was, I felt like Jerry Lewis. I was like doing a pratfall on accident in front of six or seven. But it was a blast. And it's just amazing that we got to be a part of that too. I mean, we just, how lucky are we that we got to witness all of this? You know, I think about like when LeBron <clears throat> came to Miami and he caught so much grief because he's like, we're not going to win one. We're not going to win two. Remember he did that? I got to win three, four, five. See, he and Dwayne Wade. I mean, if you think about it, he went to four finals with them, one, two. I think he went to 11 and won four. It's ridiculous. He was close to winning as many as he said he was going to win. It's hard to fulfill those prophecies. And so for... Jim Harbaugh to say, I'm going to, we're going to win the big 10. We're going to go to the playoffs. We're going to win the 
we're going to win an NCAA championship. I was like, he fulfilled it and we lived through it. And so it's all worth it. It all is worth it because we did it. The whole journey. Yeah. I mean, this is in the future in the podcast, but uh, we spent some time talking again about how this is just, uh, we can't imagine how sports would feel any better than this. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think also, I think some of it also comes with the maturity of what, of our lives and what preceded it for us. Like, the depths of where we were to get to here. Randy and I talk about this all the time. Like they're comedian friends of ours. So you're like, how's it going? They're like, great. I'm in this pilot. I'm doing this thing and that thing. I'm like, I can't even talk to you. Shut the F up. I don't want to hear a word. Like if you come to me and say, I just had a horrible two months, but something just came through. I'd be like, tell me everything. I want to hear your whole story. Like, I'm sorry about the hard times, but the good time must feel really good right now. Like I can't, talk to people who are like, I got on this show and then I got this movie and then my career took off. I have nothing to say to you. And it, it is the whole Bill Self thing. You know, when you win all the time and you, all you do is win championships, anything less is a total disappointment. And I think for this team, the 20 years, the two decades that preceded what just happened are part of the story of what just happened. And us getting our butts kicked by our rivals and us having to deal with that year in and year out you know, where sports was this place where we went to just deposit all of our feelings and escape the hardships of our lives and COVID and, you know, recessions and all the crap that we lived through and housing market crashes, all the things that came in, in the last 20 years. We'd go to sports to try to make us feel better. And as Michigan fans, it made us feel worse. And so we endured a lot, really hard, hard stuff. And then, you know, certainly rooting for these teams. But, you know, the fact that this was the end of that, run is really really made it that much sweeter and made it really special for us and i think that's part of the story yeah and it felt like a little bit of like a and if you read any books about summoning everest i we think like doing comedy is like summoning everest and brian who has done comedy for you understand listen you can go out there and think okay all the conditions are perfect and then you know, like off in the distance of Everest, there's like a wispy cloud. Like that's the bachelorette party that gets seated when you're there. And you're like, okay, we're all going to die. You know what I mean? Like the wispy cloud comes along. Like conditions have to be perfect. Well, a lot of times with Everest, people try and summit and they can't, they get close, but they can't get there. So they go back down like to camp two or base camp and then make another run to go back up there. And then they go back down because they couldn't make it up there because the, that's what we did the last two years before we got to the top. Like we made our runs, got up there. We're like, okay, we got to go back down and we got to figure this out. And then we go back up. And we're like, all right, we got to go back down and figure this out one more time. And then we went to the top, which so few schools get a chance to do that just awesome and i'm so happy that we were able to do it with you guys i mean this is just incredible so thank you and and thank you guys too uh if you can't get enough sklar brothers hit up their reboot of cheap seats on ufc fight pass called the nosebleeds they are touring constantly hit up their website um coming it's to been detroit. A, it's been yeah, we'll be detroit. detroit yeah hey we're going to be in detroit at mark ridley's comedy castle the first place we ever got paid to do comedy and that's february 29th march 1st and march 2nd we would love to see mgo bloggers out there come up to us afterwards maybe we'll even make like an mgo blog sklar's poster that we'll, we will be there yes. i am looking forward to it thank you guys so much it's been a wonderful ride thank you thank you boys love you all right so i have a big long list of all the stuff that i remembered after going after all those games i'm sure i forgot a bunch of stuff but that's what we have you two guys for and apparently this is alphabetic now i don't know why it is <laughs> except for like the first no it's not did you hit the 
like a yeah, range I did, I, button. Yeah, I did something, but except for the first one, which is good shit, Jed. Uh, two point conversion where you know he, Michigan gets it after some motioning and tight end stuff, and you can see Harbaugh saying good shit, Jed. That's like a little bit of the a little kind of sad because you're like because he ends up picking Harbaugh over over. Jed later on in, in the career, and, and now you look at where Jed is, and you're kind of like, man, it would have been nice to have him at Michigan a few more years. You mean Drevno? Did I say yeah? Yeah, He's well, he, he, he picks he picks Drevno over Jed. Yeah. And I didn't think that was a pick. I think Jed was going to be – Jed was here while he was his contract was running out. Yeah. And, mm. you know, it, it was going to go from the NFL paying Jed to Michigan was going to have to pay Jed. Mm. So. Okay. In yeah. any case, good shit, Jed. Yeah. Uh, the butt zone, which was the area of the field that only Jake Butt could. That, that, specifically that gorgeous touchdown against Utah. Utah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. Especially when they, they were down and out in that game, and that brought him back into it. Yeah, and, and it was just like, it was the first moment. There were many moments in the Harbaugh era where you're like, okay, this is going to work. But that was the first moment of like, okay, this, is, this feels like a different team. Also, we're going to have like tight ends for the next decade. They did. A couple of army things, the worst game plan known to mankind, but the overtime sack that more or less sealed it because that's an option team, which is like the kind of the announcement of Aiden Hutchinson. And then uh, Barrett passing to Dax Hill on the punt. Uh Uh-huh. Part of like a fun subplot for Barrett for the first few years of his career here where he was the special teams ace. He had uh, run up the middle for a conversion. And then against Maryland, he had the throwback to Donovan uh, Edwards, Donovan Edwards yeah. for the touchdown when we were already up. Like Yeah, the run up the middle was the 21 Washington game. Yeah. I, You know, You'll, no one remembers he had a big return against Minnesota in 2020 as well. Yeah. A return? Yeah. Well, they, the, the they, fumble. No, they kicked it to it the It was Jonathan back. Jeter hits him. and No, no. Oh, I'm, not, Je- I'm not talking about the fumble return at the beginning of the game. I'm talking about a kick, uh, a punt return where they kicked it to the up back. Um, and oh, you're right. Yeah, and he brings it back. And, and that was the, that was like not Braden McGregor. It was J- it was like a guy who was a mobile quarterback in high school. Right, right. And he starts, and we're like, oh yeah, that's right. This guy could have been a running back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just wrote down Ben Mason. I mean, <laughs> did, did you capitalize it, please? <laughs> yes. You, okay, good. Do you remember when he hurdled a guy after a swing pass? Um, I mean, like, and he talked in all caps, and he was he was old murder face. He was the best prospecting name ever. Uh-huh. They they got him as a linebacker. Yeah, out they, of Jacksonville, I think. And they converted him to uh, defensive tackle out of desperation. Oh my goodness! Yeah. But just and the picture of Ben Mason where he's just bleeding everywhere, right? And, like he's bleeding in one spot and he's got a bandage in another spot and. It's kind of like the, the string of fullbacks, right? Because he gets Huma, and then it, it goes to Khalid Hill, yeah. and then Khalid Hill leaves, and you're like, well, who now? And then Bench Mason shows up. Yes, sir. Uh, calling the same read twice for Patterson versus Illinois. <laughs> this one's a kind of a sad one, but it was the court was wide open, and he's like, keep the ball, Shay. And yeah. Shay kept the ball. Yeah. The Colston touchdown against Ohio State, Colston Loveland touchdown uh, against Ohio State, where it's like, Lathan Ransom, you have been deleted. The Corum touchdown versus Washington in 2021. Where he just hits the Jets. That it was So that one in my mind is paired with Hassan Haskins making the same exact cut on the same play. Because afterwards, you and I are having the podcast, and I was doing the UFR charting for the first time. And you're like, this is insane. Your running back should not be grading out like this. You are too nice yeah. to our running backs. And I was like, no, sir. No, this running back, is, these guys are for real. Yeah, but that, I, that, I do remember that being just like, come on. I yeah. mean, we're going to have a lot more Quorum moments, but that was sort of like the major announcement of Quorum. Because like he plays a little in 20, and you're kind of like, ooh, we kind of like this guy. And then that was his like, 
whoa. Remember the, the first play of Denard when he yeah. drops the ball, runs the sideline, mm-hmm. and then runs away, and you're just like, he's fast. And that was Corum like, this guy has next level speed. And and that play, I think, was also set up by the fact that Hassan Haskins was the other back. Yes. Yeah. So, the thunder lightning. Right. So you're like, oh, my God, I got to go tackle this guy. He's 220 pounds. He's huge, and he's just going to run me over. So I got to really get up in the box before he gets his, his head of steam and, like, get my head down. And when you're playing Blake Corum, that's just, like, six. Whoop. Yeah. I, I mean, there are a lot of moments from that game, but the meta, the meta part of that game where Michigan just – not going to throw the ball because Washington is not going to bring their safeties. And that, was, that happens a couple more times in that season when, like, I think Iowa and Michigan State both left their safeties back in 2022. But this is the first one where, like, people just didn't know how to deal with this offensive line. And Michigan's like, no, we're going to run it again. Okay, we'll run counter again. You know what? We're going to run counter again. So the funny thing to me is I remember going home after that game and you're really excited and all that stuff. And I get texts from people and they're like, well, that was great, but... We're probably going to have to throw it against Ohio State. And the funny part is like, maybe we don't. (laughs) That's... I remember being like in the third quarter, like, oh, man, they're not letting their quarterback throw the ball on third and ten, and it's not going to matter in this game, but we're not going to beat Ohio State doing this. Well, and they did. <laughs> maybe they only threw it four times in the second half of the 21 game. Uh, there was the BYU game, which had a couple of the most impressive individual plays in the Harbaugh era. There was the catch from Amara Darbo. I mean, Fuller uh, got it, too. And Fuller yeah. has like the iconic picture, which they put up in Shembeck. In Shembeck. Yeah. So congratulations to Brian for that one. And then the Devion Smith run where he's just <laughs> teleports, goes into the pile and comes out the other side. <laughs> like he, he, it's, it was the most Devion Smith run because the, the design of the play was a gap block play and the gap was wide open. Did Devion Smith go in that? No. 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 What happened when he got to the secondary? Well, he punched every single defender in the face four times and scored. And spun. Yeah. He had a spin move in there too. Well, there's, I mean, there's an opportunity to catch up with him afterwards, too, because once Devian Smith is in the clear and there's 20 yards between him and the defensive back, the defensive back still can catch up with him because he's Devian Smith. Easily. Yes. But and he, he does. He can't, but what he can't are you going to do, do when he does? <laughs> what are you going to do now? Side note, he's still playing in, like, those offshoot football leagues. Oh, yeah. He's uh-huh. clearly, yeah. He's going to be 45 and he's going to be foreman out of retirement. Uh, Donovan Edwards kind of announces himself with 170 yards receiving against Maryland, including a wheel route that goes for 70 yards against a linebacker who is obviously dead as soon as the wheel route develops where it's just like i'm not gonna do this guys and that's that's where they i mean because he comes in and as um like a running back but they have two running backs and quorum is you know basically his year especially if you count the covid year and so he uses himself or they use him in ways of other ways like kick returns i mean that was we already mentioned that and then you start throwing the ball to him and that was the thing over the year that we still have of like, hey, we can line this, split this guy out, and he's as dangerous as anyone else. Uh, another Edwards thing, his touchdown run against Purdue in the Big Ten Championship game, <laughs> mm-hmm. probably the best run of his career. Yeah. Where he's like juking a guy in the backfield, solving through arm tackles, just like I, I thought like, okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. Donovan Edwards has like leveled up. It didn't really work out that way until the well, national it was, championship. It was coming off the Ohio State yeah. two touchdowns, and that safety appears in the in the, in the gap, and you're like, okay, now he's going to get him at least. Mm-hmm. And, and they're they're going to go to the playoff game, and you're like, well, we don't have Blake. And then you see that run, and you're like, well, we got done. Yep. Uh, he's down there somewhere. Kalel <laughs> Mullings with the pop pass. 
to Luke Schoonmaker on a play that would have been an easy walking touchdown if it was just regular play action. We don't do regular play action. No. Did not, era. Didn't Mullings say that he definitely didn't see him? Yeah, that's yeah. what the quote was. He's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, he's down there somewhere. He's like, he could not see what was going on at all, but we had to fit Kalel in here somehow. So there we go. Uh, Higdon goes for 200 and Evans 191 against the minute uh, in 2017. After that game is delayed out for like lightning. Yeah. Oh, and, and like no one wants to go to that game because it's 2017. Everyone's getting kind of grumpy about football and then they delay it forever. And it's like, yeah. okay, do I want to sit in another rain game after yeah. the ones we've had? <laughs> uh, my next one, I just wrote down J.U. Chesson. I particularly love the fact that every Jehu Chesson quote was, made him sound like he was a thousand years old. He was Mike Sainristil before Mike Sainristil mm, in yeah. terms of press conferences. He he spoke at one of our MGO blog events. Remember when we we would do like a spring event or something? Are we are we talking about the fifteen Northwestern game later? Or go is ahead. that no? no yeah, go now. Yeah. Well, that's the running power on kickoff, right? Yeah, or, that's him. Yeah, he's the yeah. he's the kick return guy, and then also that that's the third straight shutout in a row in, in 2015 where the first time I've ever heard a football stadium chant defense at the end of the game for the last 30 seconds. I mean, you hear it in <laughs> basketball all the time, sometimes even in hockey on a power play or penalty kill, but you actually had three straight shutouts in a row. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like when the game is competitive, like at the end of like 38 to nothing. Right. Like yeah. But everyone had, and that was kind of the cool thing about Michigan fans at the time was like, they recognize, Hey, we haven't given up a point in almost a month now. Yeah. I mean, this is Michigan fans coming out of the, Rich Rodden Hoke era. <laughs> yeah. and well, the, the Hoke era, they had defense. And like our first game home is like the, is the Oregon State game. We're like, yeah. okay, and then it's UNLV. Where, and where what happens in that game? Get, the the punt snap. Oh, the punt thing. It yeah. almost <laughs> hits Skycam and goes back 50 yards. Oh, yeah. Was wow. the, was the, yeah, the, the Northwestern punt. Yeah. With Pat Fitzgerald on the sideline. Oh, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's like chasing it down and, and then he like. The punt goes out of bounds without being touched by anyone after like four yards. And he like tosses his headset and throws down his clipboard <laughs> and does like the Charlie ba- Brown walk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was in the 15 game. I don't remember when it was. I think that was like that might have been the moon game. Was it at Northwestern? I feel like that one was at Northwestern. Was I don't think it was. I thought that was in the Harbaugh era, though. Then it would have been the, the 2018 probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, anyway, the, the 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 return that you were talking about, what was beautiful about that is both teams were like, okay, I don't know if my offense is going to work, and like it was, first, it was the opening kickoff of the game. Yeah, first first to seven wins the game, and like, okay, won the game. Yeah, but then they also scored a few more times after that. Well, they had a pick six in that game and stuff. And that was that, that was the 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 air the first era of good feeling where it's like, okay, we're actually really competitive. Well, because they lose the Utah game. And then they come back and they beat Oregon State and UNLV, UNLV and you're yeah, kind of like, okay. Yeah. And then they pummel BYU, which we mentioned. And then you start building that season and you're like, well, wait a minute. Maybe yeah. maybe yeah. this is a good team. The rudockening begins to happen mm-hmm. a little bit later, yeah. yeah. A couple of JJ things, the rollout laser versus Nebraska to Wilson in the touchdown. <laughs> I mean, just just one of those things where it's just like – We also have to that? pair that Wilson catch on the for the first touchdown where he – like oh, Tyrone Pro throws yes. it over the guy's yes, helmet. Absolutely. And then the Dalen Baldwin touchdown when he's a freshman. Yeah. Where you're like, I don't know, this, maybe this That's guy. That's the yeah. Denard moment for yeah. JJ. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I think the JJ moments are going to feel better when I'm not in this mode of like, oh no, who's going to be my quarterback in 2024? <laughs> oh, I still feel pretty good to me. Oh my god, because uh, <laughs> Karan Higdon phantom holding call. So oh, that <laughs> that's the, the other. That wasn't phantom. It's from the moon. That's the 2018 game where was, they're actually yeah. from Mars. From actually, Mars, you're right. Call, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's where they're actually losing. 
and have to come back in that game because that's on the drive where they finally take the lead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a crucial. Nico has like his only drop of the year in that game. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't I, like. But that's poor Nico Collins. Also, poor me. He's like the <laughs> best you. wide receiver in the NFL. And I was good. screaming. That's you. You uh, are everyone. He's the guy we got from the satellite camps. You talk about people was, we got from the satellite camps that we actually got to keep and it, use. It was unbelievable that whole year is that Nico Collins would be in single coverage. I couldn't see it because I had I didn't have the all 22, but I knew where the other safety was. And I was like, I don't care if I'm Shea Patterson. I'm like going to Johnny Manziel this one to Mike Evans. The first game of the season he does and he sits on he a guy sit. from MTSU yep. and you're like, yay, this is going to be Let's all Let's do season. this all year. And then they're playing Josh Job, who's the only weak spot on Alabama and they won't throw it to him. <sighs> Ah, this is supposed to be good stuff, but we we got to get our complaint that, again. That was Kalik Hudson's tackle for loss festival against Minnesota. Was it eight and a half? Set like, like seven or eight. Yeah. And so the thing is, I was thinking about that during the Rose Bowl <laughs> because of the defense. Because thing. what Michigan did in that game was similar yes. to what they were doing against Alabama, where it was when you motioned away from the nickel, he was coming. And that got Sainer still in a couple of times, like the sack yeah. at the end of the first half where Derek Moore actually gets it. I was like, man, Kalik Hudson making yeah. the national championship game, kind of, sort of, good enough. Well, while he, we're, he set the blueprint. Yeah. While we're doing Kalik Hudson off the edge, the punt blocks. Oh, my God. Yes. What do you have, like three or four in his career at least? It was him, and like it wasn't just him, though. Cornelius Johnson got to be the punt block guy. Didn't he block times? a punt with his foot or something? Like he was so far past he the just, punter, yeah. <laughs> it hit his leg. Yeah. Superman too far. Kolasar got one, too. Like Michigan figured out how to break spread punting. Right. Yeah. After we've been on this the entire Hoke era, like, why do we do Why are we punting right. like this? Why are we old man punting? And then Michigan figures out how to, like, defeat it. And I finally figured out what they were doing and drew it up and hailed the victors. And it still worked for another two years. Yeah. And Kalik Hudson really Well, got that was the whole of theory of so why they didn't go to spread punt, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I think when their thing got figured out, they're like, all right, we can go to spread punting now. Right. <laughs> so the rest of the world's caught up. Yeah. And speaking of great special teams moments, um, was it Jordan Glasgow who like beats two blocks? Oh my god, Ohio the State fake has... punt in the Ohio State game. Yeah, yes, it was Jordan Glasgow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad we got him in. Yeah. All the Glasgows. We got we got another one. We got <laughs> Did Graham play under Harbaugh? Was he there in fifteen? He was was there he 15. for one year? Yeah. And then obviously Ryan for fifteen and sixteen. Yeah. yeah. Uh the Martinez fumble. For Nebraska, late in that game, where it's really competitive, Michigan has <laughs> yeah. a slim lead. It's ripped out. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was um, Brad Hawkins. Was it Hawkins? Yeah, it was Brad okay. Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Who he also had a fourth down stop in that game too on the goal line. Yeah, the Brad Hawkins. Yeah, um, Mikey's pick six versus Rutgers this year, where he has to like <laughs> leap over Colson. We get hit. Yeah, as yeah. He's he catches it. it, and then Colson like, like hits him, like he's tackling him. Yeah, and then he he makes it through. He like. Somersaults over Colson, comes back down on his feet, starts running, and then Kenneth Grant comes out of nowhere and Wimsad is like the last guy, a running quarterback. Yeah. Is the last guy he's gotta beat, and <laughs> Kenneth Grant catches up to him and knocks him over. Speaking of Kenneth Grant in the open field, the tackle <laughs> against Penn State this year, where if he doesn't get him, uh-huh. he's gone and uh more slows him up. There's actually some Tennessee coaches from Tennessee, high school guys, who made a twenty a 30-minute video about Kenneth Grant with two plays. And one of those plays made the top 25. And another, this is the other one. Where he runs down Katron Allen? He runs down Katron Allen, and you're just like, what planet is this guy from? And how was he a three-star? 
he also catches an interception over his head oh, against yeah, Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Minter's post-Ohio State wave. <laughs> he's like, bye-bye, guys. You tried real hard. See ya. That wasn't the only time Michigan waved to their bye bye to their opponents. No. no, but that comes later. I think. Yeah. Right? Jake Moody being money in the Illinois game. Uh, how nervous were you going into that kick? <laughs> Not that nervous. <laughs> I was but a little nervous. But it was so cold. That was one of the coldest games in the Harbaugh era. You're just freezing, and you're like, "That's what can go wrong here." Is like it, you just you slip or you have. Like just his muscles tighten. Something. It was a type of gray cold that only happens in Michigan, where That's like the humidity true. is a hundred percent and it's still cold. And it's still like. And I was not nervous at all because that by that point Jake Moody had destroyed my capacity to worry about my field goal. That, they had a fourth down throw from McCarthy to. Uh, oh my God, Isaiah Gash. Isaiah Gash. I forgot they had run out of all their running backs. They lost Quorum. They didn't have Edwards. Mm-hmm. C.J. Stokes. Mullings was still playing linebacker. Yeah. Even Leon Franklin was banged up. Yes. They are, they're down to their second walk-on. And Andrew yeah. Anthony drops the touchdown in the end zone. Oh, God, mm. yes. Um, on Jake Moody, that little draw he had on all of his field goals yeah. was the yeah. best feeling. Because <laughs> you're just like, all right, this is going to go to the lift just a little bit, so it goes right down the middle. And I love this. I love that I know this is going to happen. Didn't he also set the record for longest field goal in Michigan history in that TCU game? He had like 59 Something or 58. Like yeah. 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 Uh, Rod Moore's pass breakups versus Ohio State, uh, particularly in the 2022 game where he jumps a dig and a slant. And yeah. just, I mean, while we're here, the the PBU against Alabama and the Rose Bowl, mm-hmm. where it's like yeah, they, over the middle. Yeah, they yeah. Get, well, this it was a corner or route. the over route. Yeah. yeah. So they Alabama's down and they're trying to make something happen before the half, and Milro lays in this beautiful ball to Isaiah Bond, mm-hmm. and then the next two plays, well, not the next two plays, but the ne- next two deep shots are Will Johnson absolutely dominating um, Burton. Yep. And then Rod Moore playing uh, one of their third third or fourth receivers absolutely perfectly yeah. on, on that PBU. And like it was clear that Alabama was just like, oh, we're a deep passing team. We got to block some guys up and take some shots. And the first one works. And then the second two oh. don't. And then they don't go back to it for the rest Will of the Will Johnson game. gets like two targets that Something game. like that, yeah. Uh, the I want to mention, too, Rod Moore had a PBU in the 2021 Ohio State game, too, that was just as beautiful as the 2021. As a true freshman. As a true freshman. He started as a true freshman against Ohio State. Did he start Ohio that game? State he started that game. And playing C.J. Stroud, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. And it was fine. It was fine. It didn't cost Michigan anything. Like, is this the best safety in Michigan history? I, I'm, yeah, sure. I mean, deep There's, safety. Nickels are a different species. I no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm there for deep safety. The guys to compete with. There's like you know Brown, something like that in the seventies. Trip well born. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's the conversation right there. Yeah. Uh the post sign gate game against Michigan State, <laughs> where they're like, <laughs> all right, we're gonna. We're going to, like, go to the sideline and get the play call so that our players don't get injured, which they quit doing after two drives. And Michigan is furious. They put the hammer down on Michigan State, 49 to nothing. Beautiful. State doesn't get inside the 20, I don't no, think. they don't. And to me, like, the things that really jumped out from that game were, like, the, the two incredible lasers from J.J. McCarthy to Colson Loveland. <laughs> one of which goes, like, right by the helmet of Cal Halliday, and the other one um, is just a beautiful route from Loveland and a beautiful read from 
JJ to know that Angelo Gross is not going to be able to turn around in time. Yeah. I mean, the other things that stand out in that game for me are just the rivalry things. Like, I was at that stadium, and it's just all Michigan fans at the end. Wow. And they're they're flicking him off, flicking us off, and we start trying to sing for He's a Jolly Good Fellow back at them. Mm. Uh, well, and Nick Samick comes off the field and gives double birds. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To um, what appears to be his own fans, but it isn't. No, there, there none are, of his there own no, fans are in the there building. There are no at Michigan State fans. Well, that was you the gotta, joke. You got to give the double birds in your own home stadium. Yeah. Like... The only Michigan State fan in that stadium that day was Adolf Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're leaving that in. We shouldn't, but we're going <laughs> to. Oh, it's a memory. <laughs> uh, Gus Johnson's iconic Ojabo call after the sack in 21. Uh, you know, Gus and Klatt have sort of been Michigan's home announcers for this whole segment. And there's a couple more Gus calls that made it in, but uh, this one did not quite. Well, and that's like the like the pinnacle of Ojabo, right? Because he, mm-hmm. he do, he's not overly prominent throughout the first part of the season, but really comes on late. He has a great Penn State game yes. that we'll talk about in a little bit with Hutchinson, but that was just kind of the culmination for we him. Had, I mean, we, I want to go back to that 2018 Northwestern game, which ends because Uche just bends his Josh shoulder Uche, like yeah. an inch above the ground and then comes in for that sack. Josh and Uche. like and we didn't have another Uche and we were like every time I'd profile a recruit, I'd be like, hey, maybe this guy could be an yeah. Uche. Uh, and you know, you see that Ojabo comes out of nowhere that season. And then like the the he was the best meme guy because he we had all the North Korea stuff for uh-huh. him. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It was so well, and I had a whole running thing in the UFRs because he was from Scotland. So I had like any time I started talking Ojabo about him. Ojabo from Scotland. Ojabo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to Ojabo. So every time he started talking about him, I just bring the Scottish accent out in the UFRs. <laughs> Great. Uh, I, I want to give a shout out to the John O'Corn game plan in the Ohio State oh. game. <laughs> We have to. It was beautiful. I can see it why was this, wonderful. It, it's, it's good enough to make the honorable mention. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it was there. I mean, Metellus catches that pick six and you don't know. I uh, the uh, Mike Unwainu double pass block where he's got two guys and he's like, I can do this for a very brief moment of time, but it's going to be enough. There are some amazing Unwainu blocks that like in the 2019 uh, Alabama game yeah, where he just mauls a guy with that lined up on the play side of him. Yeah. The funniest subplot of Mike Unwainu's career is that I'm doing the UFRs and I'm like, this guy is good. Mm-hmm. Like this guy is kicking ass. And then Chris Ballas, who's in at Rivals, is constantly like just talking crap about him. And, and this is like, oh, he's got to lose a lot of weight and he's just out of shape and he's no good. And I'm like, you are so old and you talk to old people. Well, that was that was the narrative at the beginning because he was like rotating at guard in like 17. Yeah. And like, then long after he was an established good starter, yeah. this was still going on. Yeah. And yeah. it felt kind of personal at some point. But. And then he goes to the NFL, and he's like an immediate starter. Yeah. yeah. It was like not even on a, close. On a very good Patriots yeah. team. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oops number two in the 2022 Ohio State game. <laughs> the second Donovan Edwards touchdown. With the fist pumping in the end zone. And Lathan Ransom taking the quarterback when someone else has the quarterback. Uh-huh. Um, that one was the capper. We got some more from that that game in the top 25, obviously. The opening kickoff donk versus Maryland in 2022. <laughs> that, was, that ended up being very relevant to that yes, game. Yes, that yeah, was actually a close game. But you, you, were, uh, you see that and you're like, all right, here we go. Just another Maryland game where uh-huh. it's 58 to 2. So a game where JJ had to learn how to break down cover eight. Uh, the Patterson 81-yard run versus Wisconsin. I love that. That 
that was, was a the, fun game. That was the debut of the arc. Yes. Which was yep. like one of our favorite plays. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it was because that was the game where we started to believe that that year could be something again. Because the Notre Dame game, you're, everyone's just like, oh, we finally got the quarterback in Shea, and then we don't. And then you beat up on a couple of teams that aren't very good. And then you get that Wisconsin night game, and you're like, that was a lot of fun. They just like destroyed this team that beat them last year. And you look forward, and you're like, they can win some games. Yeah, and while we're talking about this team, we have to shout out John Runyon Jr., yeah, who <laughs> was pretty much the direct inspiration for the Black Pit of Negative Expectations column because that was <laughs> after Michigan lost to Notre Dame. He had, I remember, nine pass pro minuses in that game. I thought we were doomed. He was an all Big Ten player, and he's currently in the NFL. And he's playing on a good Packers team. Yeah, and I was like. I was doing the UFRs, and I'm always like, uh, John Runyon, well, John, is John Runyon good? Is John Runyon great? One of the best development stories of the Harbaugh era. Absolutely. All Big Ten that season. Yes. And you kind of wonder if he could have played guard yeah. and not tackle. I mean, And he ended up playing fine at tackle. Yeah. Yeah. Like Cole. Mason Cole's another guy who like holds his own, but if you allow him to play center, who could he have been? Because he's playing center in the league now, and he yeah. has for several different teams. Same thing with what looks like is going to be Runyon's career. Uh, Jabril Peppers fielding punts, not any specific punt, just the security of knowing that wherever the punt is going, Jabril Peppers is going to catch it, and it's not going to roll for another 15 yards. I'll give you one specific punt. There is the one specific punt, too. Against Colorado. Yes. Because they're down 17 to nothing in a game where you're expecting an absolute crushing, and you're wait. are we going to lose to Colorado at home again? Nope. Thanks. I'm, I'm at a wedding of a Spartan and a Colorado guy in Colorado while this is going on. Why? Because the Spartan was my sister-in-law. So I could not miss this wedding. So I have a bunch of Spartans and a bunch of Colorado people being like, oh, you guys are down 17 nothing, huh? All right, time to go to the wedding. <laughs> that sounds like a good time. I made everybody watch it at the – Well. In the, in the period between the ceremony and the, the party was me partying. You didn't have it on your phone? Uh, <laughs> He's just looking at me. Also in Jabril Peppers, there was the running subplot that year of like, so you tried to edge Jabril Peppers. Yes. That's right. How did that go for you? It went very, very badly. And that Colorado game was, I think, the epitome of it. Uh-huh. There's the event on the sidelines where there's like a, a staffer. Oh, yeah. Who gets, who gets like lit, lit up. up. Yeah. <laughs> and his hat goes flying. And you're just like. Well, you tried to edge your real peppers, and yeah, that's what happens. That's right. Yeah, that became a thing for a while. I kept on using it for, like, uh, Bush and then Dax Hill as well. Yeah. Uh, Rutgers gets a first down in the 78 to nothing game. Are we doing the whole game here? Because there's No, 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 no. But when they got a first down, like, Michigan and Rutgers fans were hugging in the crowd, and Patrick got some great shots of this. It was amazing. Uh, Scott Frost saying they out-hit Michigan after UCF lost, like, 35 to nothing. <laughs> really, like, presaging a, a, a wonderful Scott Frost era for Michigan football. The Samaj part return in the Iowa game. Uh, huh. Showing off Jake Rudock in the Florida Bowl game, where they're up big against a Florida team that's... Yeah. I mean, the rude docketing is something to really yeah. discuss because, I mean, I wrote that down for the Utah game because they had guys open in that game that if he hits them, Utah, or Michigan probably wins that game. And you can see his evolution over the course of the entire year probably starts to really kick into gear in that Rutgers into Indiana where he basically has to save Michigan's butt in the on that last drive. And then... Like what you were saying, like he gets knocked out of the Ohio State game, but then what he does in the Citrus Bowl against Florida. Well, and Harbaugh is having him do difficult things. He's like rolling him out 
opposite his throwing arm mm-hmm. and being like, go do this, Jake. Get drafted. And he gets drafted. Yeah. He Lions, plays for Lions for what, a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was just like, <laughs> this guy really can develop quarterbacks. And then it took him a real long time to get to another. And all the uh, way. Uh, the next year, like, Spate was well, it, coming what along. What happens to Wilton Spate if he doesn't get hurt is yeah. like a real. I mean, we could talk about that ridiculousness of I, that Purdue game. I, I, let's back up again real quick. Okay. I want to get into like some of the early Harbaugh. Because every week there was like another cool Harbaugh run trick. Yes. And like he, he brought back traps. He brought back duo. Duo was like out of football for a while. And now it's ubiquitous, right? And he brought back that draw play with like from split backs. <laughs> oh yeah, split backs. And he was using that in that Florida game a whole bunch. Where you know, you he turns around like the timing of it was just so perfect. And they finally figured it out. But well, and then there was like the double screen fake, and then you go BYU. With the screen up the uh, middle of the, the tight, tight end. end. I, I yep. love that play until John O'Corn. And then there was the angle yeah. screen. Yeah, where the, where the center would get out and the running back would run just a little angle route behind the line of scrimmage. That play ended double A gaps. Like the the Michigan State favorite blitz of the D'Antonio era was that double A gap blitz. And Michigan, the like, 2015 game is unfortunate, but like no. you know they they run that early in the game, and it's like you can't run that blitz anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was just the sheer diversity of stuff that Harbaugh brought early. Is I got like that Army game where they're just running inside zone and they have the arc, but they don't actually run splits on the whole. I was just like. Wow, Harbaugh really did get rid of this, did really hand it off to Josh Gaddis, and Josh Gaddis doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> I was flabbergasted, but like the early Harbaugh were yeah. just like, yeah, we're going to do everything. Yeah. They brought the T formation back. That's right. Uh, they, also brought, they also invented their own formation. What was that? Train. Oh, train. train. I think they stole that from a high school. Did they? They did, yeah. yeah. I had that on, on the list here for sure, though, because we made a t shirt out of it. Yeah, we made a lot of t shirts that nobody bought. <laughs> Taco, we thought, we thought they were good. Taco Charlton versus Michigan State just crushed that I one. Mean, Taco game. Uh-huh. Charlton against Ohio State. Taco yeah. Charlton against Florida State. Against Penn State. The last, the 15? end. Yeah, the one we went to. Yeah, the one time they threw a wheel route to Chris Evans. Yeah, <laughs> Brandon Peters to Chris Evans. This the Harbaugh era begins. That was uh, what Rutgers seventeen. I Rutgers think. fifteen. I thought that was in no. Indiana. Chris Evans was a freshman. It was, 16. I think it, it was, was the 17. Yeah. Okay. That was Peter Brandon Peters' first you're right, touchdown you're right, pass. You're right. 17, yeah. I wrote down the tunnel incident. Oh. Because. Which, which tunnel? There's a lot of tunnel the, stuff. The Michigan are you, State are you talking about the, 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 the peanut butter jelly sandwiches for Penn State? No. That's a good one, though. <laughs> but the, the tunnel incident versus Michigan State and everything that happened after that, I felt like. It, I don't, I'm not saying it's a positive, but I felt like it, it galvanized the team. And I think it showed where Michigan State thought they were as a program versus Michigan. Like that's it. That's where that leads directly into the forty-nine to nothing this year, right? Yeah. Because it's like this is where we are as a program. We're not going to beat you, but we're going to beat you. Yeah. Well, and I mean the forty-nine nothing starts with Michigan State's athletic director crying about players getting hurt, and what happens in that game? Yeah, we get a spear on uh, Braden McGregor from yeah. Spencer Brown. Yeah. So I I think you're. To justify having that be a moment, it was, first of all, we all knew. It's something we have to talk about. Yeah. But, I mean, everyone who covers Michigan by that point knew the Green Twins run at, like, race each other. Since they were little kids, have a race through the tunnel to hug their mom after football games. So they're like, what's Green doing in the tunnel? Everyone, people who'd cover the team, like, when they were recruits, knew this story. And it was just, like, that moment where, like, anyone who knows anything about Michigan knows that 
we're not in the same spot as Michigan State. Like they can try to, to Michigan State this up, and it's not going to fly because we are who we are already. And it wasn't like you know we have to tell people we are who we are. It wasn't like we have to like say, oh, like, our guys are good dudes. They would never get in a fight. It was just like, go watch the tape. Yeah. Uh, Will Johnson's performance against Purdue in the Big Ten championship game. With two interceptions. With two interceptions. Yeah. The second of them, close to unbelievable. Well, it was well, a predictive of another yeah. interception. He well, I was. I'm UFRing that game because he gave up a big catch and run earlier, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, he's getting the timing down. And it was like the arrival. Yeah. Like, that, like it was the Charles Woodson freshman game yep. for Will Johnson. Yep. Um, his pick six, 12 seconds into the Minnesota game. Nice throw. He's like, ah, I like the way <laughs> this, this year, is going. Yeah. The 23 game. Yeah, yeah, the 23 game. Devin Bush's squirrel intro versus Florida, the rabid squirrel with Noah Furbush acting as a lead blocker. Well, because they in 16, they lose their you know main linebacker in Gideon. And so you're bringing Bush in and you know that you're going to like just have a changing of the guard. And you're like, well, how good is Bush? And it turns out pretty freaking good. So for Devin Bush to go from like a backup at linebacker and mostly a special teams guy as a freshman to like instantly the best linebacker I've ever seen at Michigan. Sorry, David Harris. You're number two. <laughs> yeah. Well, you tried to edge, you know, Jabril Peppers. Jabril Peppers is a nickel. Then right. we went into you tried to edge Devin Bush. We were doing the same thing with our middle linebacker. Yeah, and I remember we were playing Georgia, and N'Kobe Dean like flags down a quorum Columbia. swing pass, and I'm like, oh, that must be what it felt like to play <laughs> Devin Bush. <laughs> Precisely. Well, going into the 2018 Ohio State game, I listened to an Ohio State podcast, and one of the guys on there who was not very positive about the game said that Devin Bush makes him want to drink bleach. <laughs> uh, Michigan State's defeat without dignity in 2019. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the uh, D'Antonio send-off game where uh, they run an RPO up like three or four scores at the end of the game. And Cornelius Johnson, true freshman, walks into the end zone. Funny because I was like, ah, now he's not going to redshirt. Turns out, ended up being around just long enough. Yeah. yeah. The 49-10 to obliteration of Penn State. That was fun. So that was the um, – the Drevno and Harbaugh are just incensed that James Franklin, A, calls a bad timeout, which – they should have been used to at that time. And also then kicks a field goal when they're down 28 to zero in the second half. The, the sad field goal. The, you, I mean, this I mean, is yeah. a sad field goal. Uh, yeah. well, my first sad field goal was earlier in the year, but yeah. Okay. All right, but this, but this is was the sad. This is another goal. sad field goal. This is the saddest, goal. Goal. Of, all saddest of all field goals. That was, uh, yeah. And you just, like, we screen capped it and it's, they're just glaring. That was and, like, <laughs> like, they're angry because why would you do that to the sport of football? Right. They, so the, they were angry because Penn State didn't go for it. Right. Yeah. They were disgusted. Yeah. Right. Because right. they're like, I mean, try to win the game, guy. Yeah. 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 This is not the point where you're trying to make it 29 to 3. And the dumb thing is, is they get a, they get a Chris Godwin deep touchdown pass later in the game. So they're going to score. Anyway, and yeah. so it's like, geez. Oh, I, they, that was also that game because Penn State was out of linebackers at that point in the season. So Michigan goes with duo as their main thing. And that was like the that was the first time I wrote up duo is like, here's Michigan's base play. Uh, passing the torch to J.J. So Michigan returns a quarterback who won the Big Ten with the team that he is on. Mm-hmm. But they have J.J. McCarthy, and they have this offseason competition. They say it's going to go into the season. Every sports talk radio guy is like, can't do that. Rawr, rawr, rawr. It's a brilliant move. It shows to everybody except Cade McNamara that J.J. McCarthy is the quarterback of this team. He wins the job on the field. He immediately becomes a leader. I think that's like a key turning point in the championship run. So when was that moment for you? What moment? That when is you, J.J.? When it, it had to be J.J. 
I think pretty much the instant he completed a pass against Hawaii. So for me, it was in the playoff game against Georgia when they're getting murdered. I remember and, that play, yeah. And the guy comes off the edge and McCarthy back heel spins away to the left, not normally to the right, which is where right-handed quarterbacks want to go, loses the edge rusher and chucks it downfield to, I can't remember if it was, I think it was Andrew Anthony. It might have been Roman Wilson, but I think it was Andrew Anthony for either the touchdown or they get down inside the five. And that's the moment where you're like, look, Cade did a good thing. He beat Ohio State, played really well. But if Michigan wants to compete at this level, which they will in the next couple of years, there's one guy that's taking him there, and it's JJ. Uh, Speaking of Andrew Anthony, the Andrew Anthony game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's kind of also a (sighs) sad game that Michigan probably actually won, but we can. There was a lot of those in this era. Harbaugh did not make friends with the refs and people in charge. That's he. uh, He 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 got his fair share of um, poor calls. We'll put it that way. Mo Hurst eating the tiny Maryland quarterback. We have a famous picture of this. I think it's from Paul Sherman, where Maryland enters. Ryan Brand. (laughs) That's the name of the tiny. There's this era where by the time Michigan plays Maryland, they're down to their fifth string quarterback, who is like a walk on at Air Force who transferred to Maryland. Um, And he just looked like an eighth grader out there. And we couldn't not mention Mo Hurst. So there's so many Mo Hurst plays. But the one that sticks in my memory is, is this photo of him like about to engulf the Maryland quarterback. You know what's cool about when you mentioned Mo Hurst is like we looked at him and said this might be the best defensive tackle Michigan had up to that point. Obviously now there's a couple other people that could challenge him yeah. for that. But he ends up having that heart condition. His draft stock drops. He kind of washes out with the Raiders. And then this past year, the Cleveland Browns have a great defense. And while they obviously have some players like Garrett and Denzel Ward, Mo Hurst had a nice year. Yes. And he played really well and probably earned himself another contract. So good for Mo. And we have reached the segment of the stuff I have listed that I cannot believe did not make the top 25, but did not. The Donovan Edwards touchdown pass versus Iowa in the Big Ten championship game <laughs> got beat out. By where him. where you started clamoring for they need to do this every game, every, every game. game. And then they do against Ohio State this yeah. past year, which was a big play. Yes, sir. Um the Will Johnson interception versus Ohio State this year jumps Marvin Harrison. Mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison's not really fighting for the ball. Sets Michigan up on the seven, really sets a tone for this past defense. It was huge because Michigan went three and out two times in yes, a row. Yes, they did. And you're kind of like, wait a minute, where's our offense from the past couple of years? Yes, sir. Um, the touchdown from J.J. McCarthy to Wilson in this year's Ohio State game, <laughs> the craziest seeing eyeball I've ever seen. I, I love that Ohio State fans kept on putting it on Twitter, thinking that it was not a catch. Oh, God, yes. So they, we could just keep on selling it. <laughs> see, hey, see this again. Hooray. <laughs> You're mad about the officials. Hooray. <laughs> My, the tables have turned. And the final thing, couldn't believe, uh, didn't make it, is the uh, Tyler Morris Rose Bowl touchdown, where he beats a safety to the corner yeah. on a play that is set up by what did Michigan do all year? They ran a bunch of digs. Mm-hmm. What is an Alabama safety covering on that play? He's covering the dig. A dig. Yeah. What is Michigan not running? A dig. So that's uh, that's the kind of stuff that, like, you know, we'll see which strong going forward. But like you mentioned, all these things that Harbaugh brought back, and like these little little nuanced stuff that, like, I don't know. It just feels like it feels like Michigan football in some ways. It's never been look the same, at the twenty twenty four schedule. They're not going to get to like sleepwalk their way and then like, hey, here's something. No, he's- I. I know. Set up in nine games but for just, Alabama. But recognizing all that yeah. stuff right. and then pulling it out at the right time. That's just, this was all the stuff I had. 
that did not make the top 25. What do you guys got? Do you want to go or do you want me to go? I kept on bringing mine up as, uh, as, as we ran through them. So, like, I, I think we pretty much got them except for, like, so personal things. Like, we, singing Mr. Brightside against we, Washington. We, okay. def- we like, definitely have to talk about the Snow Globe game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because that was the prettiest football game I've ever been to. Well, and so that's the last home game for, like the seniors who brought back Michigan, right? It's Jake Butt and Chaco Charlton who played against each other in high school, chasing each other around, throwing snowballs at each other after the game, doing snow angels. It's, you know, Devion Smith and Darbo and Chess and all these guys that are like still from the Hoke era. Mm -hmm. And this is their last game. And you know what? Shout out John O'Corn because Wilton Spate can't play in that game because of the shoulder and has like a 50-some yard run in a 10-10 game Mm -hmm. and changes the the outcome of that game. They're probably going to win that game, but... He makes the play in the late third quarter, and and it's just sort of this like fairyland. And you you're going into the Ohio State game thinking Michigan has a chance, and they definitely did. That's the first time where you were like, we're going toe to toe with a really good Ohio State team in a while, and we beat them. Kind we, of. we did, we, we did, did. But, and then beat them again. So we did. Have, we have to mention that. Again. Do you want to talk about the banana uniforms in the Florida game when no. the first time Michigan wears all yellow? Oh, no, they were I, so that was not a bad. great moment. We have to talk about. I mean, this is a somber moment, but like the that Purdue game in 17 where they don't have an x-ray machine. They also don't have AC in the Michigan locker room. Yeah. And the Michigan, ha- after their initial warm-ups, because it's 90 degrees, they have to go sit in the bus. So they all pack onto the bus in all their gear, in their cleats, because the, in the, the locker room, and I was in the locker room after that game, it was hot as everything. And at that point, it was 7 or 8 o'clock. Tariq Black is injured for that game and tweets out, because it's on Fox for one of the first times Fox is taking over says, ain't nobody want to watch baseball <laughs> because the, because the, the play, the playoff chase was leading up into the Michigan Purdue game. Well, he's right about that. <laughs> oh, I mean, my recollection of that game was thinking like, Oh, John O'Corn era has begun. Right. And he has it. That's, that's his he, game, right? He played yeah. well. That was the yeah. John O'Corn. The gen- game. To gen- and that was also one of Gentry's like well, coming and out and parties. Sean too. McCune yeah. had a couple of big catches. Yep. Too. Yeah. They were running a bunch of mesh. We were really good at mesh that. Um, and I mean, we haven't mentioned like the centers, like Caesar Ruiz. Well, we mentioned him in his recruiting video, our recruiting trip. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, he was the reason on Wayne had to like rotate in 2017 is because this true freshman was so good. Right. And so it turned out that that was not a bad sign. It was like, oh, these guys are both like NFL players. I mean, the, I, I, some of the best off so Michigan's run offense by the end of the 2019 season could have been oh, so amazing. Oh, my God. The tight ends this year. Yeah. A.J. Barner and Max Bredesen finished 1-2 in pro football focus as run blocking grades for tight ends this year. And it's not close. Like, Max Bredesen, God bless Ben Mason, but Max Bredesen is the best fullback I've ever charted. A.J. Barner is the best run blocking tight end I've ever charted. Like, just the, the transfers this year. I mean, you have you have Josh Wallace, yeah, who did nothing all year. Perfect. That is the perfect cornerback. <laughs> what happened to Josh Wallace that was bad this year? I don't remember. Because he transferred from UMass. Actually, no. There was there were bad moments against Bowling Green. Yeah, he got oh, he got okay. burned. And I was like, oh no, because like we're not going to face another receiver until Ohio State. Well, so and then have, they give him protection against Ohio State, and they don't against Alabama. You have Wallace. You have Ladarius Henderson. Who must have thought, what did I do? Yeah. A couple of games into the season when he wasn't playing at all. And I mean, you have Houseman who comes in and has a major role. Like Miles Hinton came along the Miles way Hinton, course of the yeah. season. But Turner I mean, was fine as a kicker. But like AJ Barner, 
and Josh Wallace are were just absolutely huge pickups. I was kind of hoping we might get Barner back this year because I was like, I want more. I would, I, I wanted, and then I would realize I saw the NFL like, like PFF has been talking about I mean, it. And I was yeah. just like, okay, like we're, he's, yeah, it's not gonna he's, happen. He's got the receiving chops that he's going to be in forever. Yeah. Um. I know we touched on Michael Barrett, but like doing the UFRs and just him, he'd see something and go and do it. And you know, you got to chart Devin Bush, and that was just a you know transcendent player like linebacker is something where if you get a zero i'm like okay good yeah good job yeah and and they were getting like colson was getting a zero but it'd be like plus 14 minus 14 yeah and bear was just slowly quietly getting plus fives at well, the end of these games and, and look, be like i remember game. like we were like oh, we don't have any linebackers what yeah. are we gonna do and i was like is michael barrett could michael barrett do it well that's the 21 rutgers game where Khalil mullings is playing there right yeah because yeah. colt or josh ross is a little bit dinged up and like they're just really short of guys and it's kind of cool to see mullings go from that to now like we throw the throw to schoonmaker to the catch on the rose bowl mm-hmm. and that kind of thing yeah mm-hmm. and then the other guy who kind of came along in the charting at least you know we talked about the 2019 notre dame game brad hawkins gets beat by a walk-on in the in the <laughs> end zone on that one well brad hawkins was also like the oldest player ever yeah because he took a, <laughs> he took a post-grad year and then I think he took a COVID year. He was supposed he's, to. He was supposed to be in the seventeen. He class? is in that video with like Caesar Ruiz and everybody walking down with like the the mean mug, the, walking down the streets of Ann Arbor. Oh yeah, he's in the back of that video because he's one of those New Jersey recruits in twenty seventeen, <laughs> and and he's still on the team in twenty twenty one. Well, he, yeah. he was going to be a wide receiver. Yes. Yeah, and then took the gr- year and came in as a corner safety, safety. DB safety, something. Yeah. Yeah, well, they had like nineteen wide receivers by yeah. that point. Yeah. So I, you know, it was just the development late, even late into the careers of guys. We always had this idea, like, okay, freshman, sophomore year, you get the leap. Sophomore, junior year, then you become who you're going to be, and then you're kind of the same player after you, you know, you, you get a little bit better. The development of Michigan's players into their senior year, their fifth year, and sixth year sometimes was just a constant. And the development of this program, I, there's no like moment that you can point to in the Harbaugh program. But like nobody developed players in Michigan history as well as Jim Harbaugh. Well, and you could see that in his first year with A.J. Williams because he's a tight end who wow. you hated. <laughs> that is a deep cut. You hated him I under Hoke. And then, in, <laughs> and then in fifth – I mean, probably for good reason. But then in 15 – you didn't hate Harbaugh, the player. Harbaugh. You hated no, but the, like the you're like, oh, like this guy frustrates. It was me, blah, like blah, blah. Taylor Lewan does not need tight end help. So then he they use him because they don't have a ton of ready tight ends in 15, well, he and was, he becomes he was a blocking tight end. And, he couldn't block, and yeah. then he could. Then he did yeah. in 15 because yeah. he was taught how to play football. <laughs> yeah, and then one time they throw the ball to him, and then we're like, ah, uh, exactly. <laughs> we never thought it could happen, but now it has. Uh, we haven't mentioned Levert Hill. And or David, Long. David Long. Now, yeah. Jordan Lewis is in the top 25. But yeah. we, those guys were cornerstones of Michigan's defense for a long time. I, I did bring up one of uh, Lerbert Hill's pick sixes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, he had the one against Wisconsin. And, mm-hmm. and Brandon Watson, who, God bless him, did not have the physical talent to stay with Ohio State receivers, but disguised that for <laughs> a really long time. Right. Well, and I mean, I remember watching him in the Colorado game in 2016. And you're like, okay, when this guy's like, gets his fourth year and give him his handshake and go. And like he played 
pretty good. He committed the most uncalled pass interference I've ever seen a Michigan cornerback do. And I, but he, I say that out of all respect. He yeah. also he also was rotating with Hill and Long in 17 and like locking down those Indiana big wide receivers. Yeah. And like pushing and them out of bounds. Some dudes that year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that, that I, I kind of, you know, it's a bummer to me a little bit about Hill and Long because they they kind they didn't play really on that 16 that was Lewis and Stribling mm-hmm. and then they are really really good for the next 2 years and Hill being the next 3 years and those are kind of teams that we have like a we don't have a, as many fond memories about like that 17 was tough mm-hmm. that defense was awesome it was. like if they have any sort of an O-line or a quarterback or Spate doesn't get hurt yeah. you don't know what that team can do they probably win that Ohio State game Absolutely. and then in 18 you know, they have such a good defense and then it kind of falls apart at the end. And then they have the bowl game where everyone's kind of like checked out. And well, so, but those two players were, you know, Long's still in the NFL and Hill never really made it. But, no. you know, David Long's put together a nice little career. Do you know who's still in the NFL? Ambry Thomas. Ambry Thomas. <laughs> he's going to play later tonight. <laughs> Who had a, yeah. Really? Yeah. He's yeah. from San Francisco. Wow. Yep. Yeah. But, um, I mean, he had a couple of nice plays too. I mean, kick return against Notre Dame. Yeah, we we 18. named one of the podcasts. Everybody get colitis. That's right. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, because like poor guy. He it was he got colitis and then he played out of his mind. Yeah, yeah. That was eight going into the eighteen year. I think. I think right? It was, no, it was nineteen. It was a nineteen. Was still Hill and Long, and then Long graduated. And we we're like, oh, Ambry Thomas is the next guy. Yeah, you're right. And then it was Ambry Thomas and nobody. After Laverne Hill was done. Well, it was like, right. I mean, they, they had guys like Vincent Gray and Jamon Green, and you're just trying to, like, fit these people. Vincent Gray stood up and played against Ohio State in 2021. In 21, Vincent Gray. I mean, he did not against Georgia, but he did against yeah. Ohio State. I mean, Georgia was a step too far. That's true. Yeah. That, that was, like, a real – that was, like, unbelievable in a way that not even Joshua Wallace yeah. right. playing as well as he did was unbelievable because <laughs> – We'd seen Vincent Gray for much of his career. Yeah. And for him to have kind of that send off was excellent. Yeah. I mean, he was like a signing day flip or something late. Yeah. From the yeah. zoo, I believe. Somewhere. He's from like what? Rochester Adams yeah. or one of the mm-hmm. local um, Detroit suburb schools and had his moment. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach. And it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss. And honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash blog today. Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders. 
first-time customers save 25% as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or app application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, the video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable community. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's I didn't know this, but if you take someone there on your birthday, you get a free dessert. I was chided for not taking advantage of this, but I don't. I don't like making a big deal of it. My uh, my son did enjoy the ice cream brownie very much. He said, "Venue has outdone itself." So well done, Chef Dad. We have reached the top twenty-five moments of the Harbaugh era, sort of. So, <laughs> like, we had to compress. A couple of things in, like, mobile... Anyway. It's a, it's a vibe. The top 25 plus. We... we uh, this, is, this is not the end of the Hoke era. We are actually... The, <laughs> so when we did the Beeline podcast, we decided that it had to be one thing only from every game. We did not follow that rule because it was impossible. So there are a couple of games that have multiple appearances. There are a couple of numbers on the list that are kind of two things compressed into one. We had to do it. You can't complain. I don't think anyone's going to be upset about us talking about more good football stuff. <clears throat> Number 25, Bobby Henderson scoring a 19-yard fullback trap touchdown against Rutgers to go up 78 to nothing. 
every one of us has a different thing that we loved best about this game. That was yours. Well, I mean, it like the most heinous ass kicking I've ever seen of a team, and I watched Michigan play Delaware State. Yes, where they stopped rushing the punter because their long snapper was out, and they didn't have anyone who could get the ball back there. That this was worse, and also that was Delaware State. Yeah, and first of all, we had to get a fullback on the list. Yeah, because like fullbacks and Harbaugh go together like tight ends and Harbaugh, and. They weren't trying to score. They're just like, oh, we'll run a fullback trap. Whoops. 19 yards later. Uh, I don't know that they weren't trying to score. <laughs> Mr. Henderson. That's true. Mr. Henderson, Mr. Henderson did not get the memo. To score. Yeah. I, I also think that that was right after the Chris Ash, like, fence the garden incident. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. And the, the so, order of bulls blood. The, the, yeah, right. So Michigan's <laughs> they like. They got us with magnets. We're going to embarrass you. And they, they had every recruit from the state of New Jersey at that game. Yes. And we're like, hey. Coming to Michigan. And, it, and and Michigan got them to fire the cannon. Yeah. That was my favorite part. That I think it was O'Corn who threw that the, the pass. And like it's it's obviously skipped off the ground. It's not an interception, but they think it's a pick six. And they're like, eh, okay, fire the cannon, let's call it. And they fire the cannon because, like, the Michigan fans are sitting back there the whole time. Fire the cannon, fire the cannon, we want cannon. And uh, so this, was, the cannon. this was the origin of the Rutger. Yes. So this game. Because the stats from this game are wild. <laughs> yes. And so the Rutger was when you had fewer yards than the other person had points in a particular category. And I believe this was a total Rutger, a very rare occurrence. It was the, the ultimate Rutgering. The ultimate Rutgering. Th- this Rutger was so hard that it almost put a Ann Arbor uh, steak establishment out of business. That's right. <laughs> Because you got some some percent off by however many so, points Michigan scored. Right, it is the Ruth Chris, yeah, which is owned by the uh, grandson of a former Michigan great. But um, they said, yeah, whatever points Michigan wins by, figuring okay, Michigan will beat Rutgers by thirty, maybe fifty five if we're unlucky. <laughs> they win by seventy eight, nothing. So it's seventy eight. So you could get a stake there for only fifty dollars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So my fa- my favorite part was when they scored to go up twenty seven nothing, and they line up to kick the extra point, and Garrett Moore's receives the snap and then pulls it down and runs behind center and scores, and they're up twenty nine to nothing because they go for two, <laughs> and it's still like I don't know it's the first quarter, second quarter, but I remember because we were watching that game together and we just all started laughing because no one expected. I mean, because yeah. it's not like they lined up to go for two, right? So they used like. A trick play of like a essentially like a holder sneak yeah. from eight yards back. I think that was the origin of one of the t-shirts that nobody bought because it was like a Harbaugh afterwards they asked him about why do you go for two and then he was like it was on the sheet. <laughs> I can't imagine why none of our, t- our t-shirts ever sold. <laughs> yeah, ever sold. Right. Uh also, this was like the the epitome of the win with character, win with cruelty. Yes. Games, yes. yes. Where so so it felt like a good placeholder for all the times that Michigan actually caved someone's head in. Number twenty four is Devin Bush losing his mind at the the Spartan S. Where is it? The helmet the, on the turf. The, the helmet walk. The helmet. Because they yeah. all come out and do their walk. Fine, but then they all did it in helmets. Yes. Yeah. And they're and. They were out there early, so Devin Bush was early, and they're like, oh, you got to get off the field, Devin Bush. And Devin Bush is like, no, I am not getting off this field. And there's a great, completely fake story from Jim Comparoni, who's like the Spartan Michigan State guy, who's like, and then 
Devin Bush tried to kill a grandma. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, I don't think so. I well, don't think yeah. that happened. There's a good photo of him from the back of where you see them all marching at him, and he's just standing there with his headphones on ready to take on the line. Yeah. I mean, the, the the story was Michigan State always does this little walk thing. They normally don't do it with helmets, but they do normally carry this green bone that they had. Yeah. Spartan dogs. Yeah. So they so they line up. They're doing the walk early, knowing that they're going to do it during Michigan's warmups. Yeah, and then they start shoving a couple of the guys out of the way. And the idea is to be in you know Mark D'Antonio style intimidation. And I mean that's the context. And then afterwards he goes and starts kicking up the dirt and just like ruining the logo. I, yeah. I, well, keep in mind that that logo is not actually what the Spartan Hellots wore. It's completely. Uh, it's more kind of like a Trojan era. I see. So, I mean, th- he was probably just, you know, he's got a Michigan education by this point. He's, <laughs> he's like, this is wrong. <laughs> he's just trying to fix it, right? Like, yeah. this, there's th- these are segmented helmets at this era that you're talking about. You guys should get this right. Uh, the next... Uh, are we talking about other moments in that game or no? Well, the next one is... Okay. So, number 23 is Shea Patterson... To Donovan Peoples-Jones for 79 yards to break open a 7-7 game that Michigan was absolutely dominating. Yep. But couldn't finish. But couldn't finish. And that's 14-7. It's essentially game over. And after that, Peoples-Jones hits the Paul Bunyan pose, which is the invention of hitting the Paul Bunyan pose in this rivalry. Yep. Yeah. I mean, what was so nice? That game was just a weird weather game, right? Where like it paused. Yeah, they had to have everybody. I was in the press box. They sent everyone to like the student rec areas. and emptied out the stadium. So you have this massive storm, and it's like a. Everyone at that point believes in like the weird Michigan State juju. Oh, because every year some weather thing got us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that whole game, I was just like, oh my god, we're gonna lose this somehow. We're gonna lose. Yeah. And their their punter had trouble with the snap, or their snapper had trouble. Like kicks it up in the air. Oh, and the punter 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 spears. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the air. He pulls the JJ McCarthy against Alabama. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, at that point, we're like, oh god. And then DPJ goes up against a guy literally named Person. That's true, and the and he he there's like the they're holding them because like Big Ten back at that point doesn't care about that's why Brandon Watson got to survive for so long right everyone Same gets here. to hold each other so he's grabbing on he's grabbing on and then he lets go and DPJ's distance grows by two yards mm. instantly yeah he just like he flings off and he and as that happens he walks into the sun which is like the first sunlight you got to see in that whole game because we just had this huge storm. It was just like a, a like. Guess what? This is over. Like this Michigan State thing is done. Yes, sir. Uh, and you're going to see a, a trend here because the first three are all Michigan State, and then we're done with Michigan State because they're not that important. Um, number twenty-two was Jabril Peppers returning a two-point conversion <laughs> with like four seconds left. The mental so that, message, so that Michigan wins by nine, because because. <laughs> D'Antonio goes for two. D'Antonio yeah. goes for two, down like six points. Well, it would have been seven. I yeah. mean, just the most meaningless. And then the next day, the Michigan State student newspaper, their front page says, defeat with dignity. Didn't we get like a bunch of those? Oh, yeah. Maybe Ace got like a huge yeah. stack Ace of them. And he got a stack for us. And 
There, I, I still have my copies, and I, I haven't found a way to frame it and put it up yet. But I have my copy. <laughs> well, the, the interesting thing about that is Michigan was—I mean, that was a three and nine season for Michigan State, and Michigan was clearly the better team going in. And they have their July drive, and it completely screws with Michigan's guys on defense and gets them in the wrong gaps, and they score an early touchdown. And then Michigan like dominates the game, right? Yes. And they yeah. start taking over, and they're up two, three scores, and you have that throwback that Spade is late for the interception and it gets a little bit closer than we wanted it to be and then like they end up holding on clearly and by two oh, scores they were holding. Yeah. but um it yeah, was, was also kind of like it was on the back of the the drop punt game so you're just like I I you have this game circle and you know that all these seniors and all these players have this game circled and then like Michigan State kind of well and then they're they're just mentally kinda, folds at the and end they're just desperate to make it look good yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so like the refs are like, ah, oh, this game's over, and so we're just gonna let you talk tackle Taco Charlton over and over and over, again. <laughs> right? And it's like, all right, well, this is lame, and then they and go for two and they return it. Brian Lewerke gets his leg broken in that game. <laughs> like the, his leg back? actually yeah. breaks, and they have to go to their qu- third quarterback. Yeah, I the and in the end of his return, Jabril like because the field was a little slippery too, so Jabril gets to the end zone and he can't stop. Well, he does the he does the breaking the tape like yeah. when you run the hundred yard yeah. dash and you stick your chest out. That's what he does when he hits the goal line. Well, he tries to, but then his feet come out from underneath him he and he slides, slides the yeah. rest of it on his yeah. butt. I did not remember because he runs at the because all of the Michigan fans were yeah. we were at that game and they we were in that that end. Yeah. So he's running back at us the yeah. whole time and hits the line yeah. and everyone's cheering us. I, I I don't know if that made the the TV. It was a memory of being in the stadium. It though. was pretty great. Yeah. So but the, together these three. Items are Michigan sort of shaking the yoke of the Michigan State yeah. oppression during the D'Antonio era. I know they won in 21, but that was like... 20. 20. Oh, sorry. 20. Well, they, oh, lo- they lost... Yeah. 21. 20 doesn't, doesn't yeah. really count. doesn't matter. That I don't season. think 21 should count either. <clears throat> well, that's the point. Well, but in any case, like, they, they picked Michigan off a couple of times, but the overall arc of the Michigan State-Michigan rivalry under Harbaugh ends with 49 to nothing. Yeah. And these were the key moments in that. And now... We are done talking about Michigan State. Number 21, probably the best core run of all time, just in terms of what he did on the field, not in terms of importance, but ghosting half the Indiana defense. <laughs> just half? <laughs> I mean, it looked like Mike Hart High School film. Yeah. But this was the, the best pivot turn you've ever seen probably. in the hole because he gets – I mean, you talk about Uche getting low and getting underneath the block. That was Corum. Yeah. He, he hits the hole, gets so low, gets underneath all the linebackers, and explodes out the other side. And he wasn't quite the same this year as he was in 2022. What he was the best running back I've ever seen at Michigan. Yeah. Just crushing it every single time out. I mean, the thing people don't remember is Indiana's defense was getting a little salty in that game, too. So Yeah. Were... I mean, they had Micah McFadden. They had like a couple yeah. of dudes on that defense. And, and like this was like the circle game, and Tom Allen was calling all these blitzes, and it's like – that run happens in the context of like, oh god, let's not get into a game with Indiana. Well, that was no, that was the first. That drive. was the first drive. Yeah, sets and up the touchdown. I get inside the five. It actually takes him like. I'm talking three runs from the perspective score. of someone who did a lot of previewing of this, Sorry. this game. All so right. I was like, please, let's not get into a game with Indiana, like we had earlier in the Harbaugh tenure. We've like we had quite a few of. Yeah. In, well, and then yeah. their offense kind of went in the tank for the rest of the half. Yeah. So. Yeah, they had a good. First, like, start. And J.J. has an interception in the end zone off a nice play by a linebacker. And then they have to kind of win it in the third and pull away in the fourth. But I feel like this um, almost said heart. Huh. Speaking of heart in that game. There you go. Yeah. He 
collapsed. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, in that particular game. And that probably had a little bit of something to do with the fact that like the players might have been a bit distracted at, at yeah. times. Mm-hmm. But that quorum run has to be tied to the run where the game was over in Iowa City, but it's really well blocked. You mentioned Schoonmaker. Oh, yeah. And then he gets one-on-one with Jack Campbell in the hole, who's, you know, arguably one of the best, if not the best linebackers in the country. Well, he's a first-round pick after this year, and he goes to the NFL Combine and, and tests out of his mind. And just, he is also playing tonight. And he and just shakes him. Doesn't even get D- a and hand he just, on him. No. And he doesn't fall over, but he just completely loses all of his momentum and quorum, just a little shimmy, and he's gone and walking into the end zone. And Michigan wins for the first time at Iowa City since 05? I mean, that's a long time. Like, that's some of the things that happen. Obviously, there's a lot. But there's some of the things that happen in this Harbaugh era where, like, you just – he overcame some of these demons that lasted for quite some time. Yeah. I mean, there were all those stats about Michigan hasn't done this. Michigan hasn't done this. Michigan – Michigan's done all of it now. Yep. There's literally nothing you can say Michigan hasn't done recently. (laughs) Very recently. (laughs) Right. Number 20 is Eric All's crossing route touchdown versus Penn State to pull that game out. That was absolutely crucial in Michigan's Big Ten Championship in 21 because if they lose that game, they had also lost to Michigan State. Yep. So the 21 victory over Ohio State would be nice, but they would not have won the Big Ten. And they wouldn't – well, they wouldn't even won that division. Yeah. Right. And because I think Oregon was the only team to beat Ohio State until Michigan did. Yes. Mm -hmm. And – just the way they, the way they coached the end of that game, because Michigan could not block the edges in that game. They were just getting. I mean, Ryan Hayes was just a turnstile. Right? I mean, that's how, that happens against Penn State sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and but Penn State has their chance to win, and Michigan drops their tackles right into their mesh, mm. so, and then Michigan runs the same play, mesh. Yeah, and that's what breaks them open, and then he just outruns everybody down the field, and it's just like this is. This is why we have Jim Harbaugh and you have James Franklin. That was also like a, a, a off the field topic, but that was also like an attempt. Or I think it was a whiteout. It was at noon, but I think I think it was a whiteout because Michigan wanted to wear their yellow jerseys again, and they wanted to go all maze to be the absolute opposite. But but Penn State wouldn't let them. Oh, right. So what they did, I remember that I was like, "Thank you, Penn State." So <laughs> no. So so what they did then is that was the first time they broke out all the all maze accessories. Right. So they had the socks and they had the long sleeves and everybody's in on this because they're not wearing white other yeah. than the jersey that they had to wear. And like that just – I mean there's a couple other things that we're going to talk about later that Michigan kind of breaks some trends and like isn't scared of the road environment the way previous teams had, like what Cade said after the Nebraska game. But like that's just the encapsulation to me of that 21 team of like – this was the national championship team, the 23 team, but the 21 team was the one that had to kind of like get over some of the bugaboos and the fears. And winning in Happy Valley was one of those. They hadn't won in Happy Valley since Harbaugh's first year. There's another one where it's like hasn't since. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. I mean because – you know, and, they, and the last two times they went to Happy Valley, they got blown out. Well, no, the 2019. They oh, wait, you're right. Drop the belt. The, yeah. the 17 uh, one. The you're seven, right. Yeah. And that was the one time where Penn State was definitively better. Yeah. But that's the other thing. You know, I'm glad you brought this this game up because, you know, Harbaugh and people were comparing Harbaugh and Franklin for a while. Like they're very similar coaches. They have similar records, blah, 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 blah. They went and then, the same recruits a lot back and then. And then the, the last three years, Harbaugh just beat so, him three times. And, separated. Right. Yeah. And. Like now, that record is clearly in one one sided. Quickly, I want to go back to our honorable mentions. That after Ronnie Bell had that drop, the next home game, all the fans yelled Ronnie Bell. Yeah, Ronnie oh Bell. yeah, like yeah. that was the 
fan interactions with under Harbaugh shifted. It was a lot. We we weren't a good fan base, maybe. <laughs> no comment. Yeah. <laughs> Number nineteen is the Jordan Lewis interception against Wisconsin. One of the most flabbergasting catches I've ever seen. I remember at the time Adam Schnepp and Ace Anbender were in the press box. Yeah. And there's actually video of them reacting to this, and they're in the press box. Yeah. You... So they can't do anything. They can't make a sound. So they just laugh. Well, they're right. Just... <laughs> There's like the video is like uh, so you've got everybody's profile and so it's all the way down you can like see Sam Webb in the background yeah, yeah, too yeah. and everyone's face just makes this expression like I can't make a sound right but if I could it would be the loudest sound you've ever heard come from me and that that game was pretty much over already but just the most well, no it was a, it was a defensive well uh, that was fourth down yeah, yeah. So and actually and the funny thing is Wisconsin got the ball back afterwards but yeah but yeah. You know. But it's also one of those like, oh, you should knock it down. Like, no, shut up. <laughs> That's stupid. There's, You're stupid. There was, there was more awesome. Because, well, if you want to talk about football, like the awesomeness of it got the crowd totally into it. And after that, Wisconsin was dead. There was no way to shut us well, up. Well, and there's like one interception in my Michigan remembrances that compares to that interception. And it's the Woodson on the, the sideline. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was yeah. just – it was a, the only difference was is that – Lewis was like parallel to the ground when he got that one yeah. instead of being perpendicular. And while we're talking about Jordan Lewis, uh, this was the trouble with the snap game, but the one on one matchup with Aaron Burbridge where yeah. he was targeted like 17 times. Yeah. And like fought Burbridge to a standstill is like stands out in my memory as like other than Marlon Jackson versus the Washington receiver, Reggie Williams. Reggie Williams I have never seen like a game that was just so mano a mano. It was it was it was really fun to watch. Well, that was one yeah. of the better like wide receiver, cornerback, back and forth because yeah. it's not like one guy shutting the other guy down. It's one guy makes a catch, the other guy makes a pass break, and the other guy makes a catch. He's tackled on the spot, and yeah. it's just like like I think I think he had something like eighty five yards on nine catches or something. I think he got over a hundred yards, but it was like you know saying you got ten you you got double digit points in a basketball game by taking forty three. Yeah, and the guy was, was yeah. like oh, yeah like. It was a volume thing. If you had to give the edge to someone, I think it was Jordan Lewis. Yeah. But it was it was very close. I mean the in Detroit circles that was just a big matchup too, because you know, Burbridge went to Farmington Hills, Lewis was uh was went a cast guy. Yeah. And I mean those are the two schools you'd go to, right? And every they played against each other in seven on sevens. Burbage wanted to go to Michigan, couldn't get his grades up to get in and Michigan. He had went to, to Tennessee, like, right? And transferred up back. I don't, th- I don't like, think he started at MSU like that, because yeah. there were rumors like a year or two earlier of he's leaving Tennessee and we're kind of like, you know, well, you know, can Michigan get him? They kind of need a wide receiver and turns out they couldn't. All right. Number 18 is the Ryan Glasgow led goal line stand against Minnesota. Um, Build a wall. It was like Michigan had one had that game one mm-hmm. and then Minnesota goes on this drive. They get down to the one yard line. They have 15 seconds left. They spend most of it motioning their guys around. That was weird. Well, that, the, well the whole game, I mean, they it's throw, the Halloween special. They they miss the throw. 
to an open guy on first down, and then there ends up being like a few seconds left. So they have they only have one play. And Mitch Leitner is their quarterback, yeah. Who also Who's invented like the back billion pounds. Yeah. Who, who who invented the back shoulder, back shoulder corner, corner yeah. route in that game? <laughs> yeah, people are like yelling at Demonte Thomas, like, "How come you're not intercepting that?" And like, he's not expecting the ball to be on the completely wrong <sighs> side of the receiver. So Wilton Spate has to win that game, and that's the year before he takes over mm-hmm. because. Rudock has to leave the game. Well, they targeted him. And, like, Spate throws a, a dime to use either Darbo or Cheston on a post route in the end zone. And, like, Michigan gets the lead late because they were losing and he had to lead them back down. And that's when Minnesota comes back down and gets down to the one. Yeah. And they, on these ridiculous throws, and you're like, we're, we're going to lose this Minnesota game. This is, you know, and that's when they waste all that time, overthrow the tight end, and then try to sneak it. And Ryan Glasgow. It was right after no. Michigan State, but it was the so it was it was October thirty first. It, yeah. it was a night game because people are dressed yeah. up as Blake O'Neill. Yeah. So this was the brief period where Adam was working for us and had gotten so in with the athletic department that they were giving him one on ones. So this is twenty fifteen. We have a great piece from Adam where he's asking Glasgow about that play, and he says, "You can kind of tell by an offensive lineman's demeanor what kind of play to expect. They were all in loaded stances the whole game when they were coming off a run, and they were sitting back." I was kind of confused at first when they were in their tight bunch set. This is the play before. Uh, On the, pa- the, the pass. pass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like really close splits. It didn't look like they were ready to fire out. So the center I was going against was a pretty good guy, so I could barely see the quarterback. So I hear him say something, and he moves back, and I'm like, what is going on? So I'm trying to peek around and see what set he's in. What is he? Is he an empty? I believe he was. Was he in an empty set? Yes. Eventually. Eventually, yeah. <clears throat> So this is his thought process <laughs> about everything, and that that for was, a nose tackle, for, and yeah. this is Ryan Glasgow, like yeah. a walk on. His brothers are, are well, both walk ons at Michigan. Kind of one of the stories of Michigan over the past is that they had three guys from the same family who were all walk ons and were all drafted by the NFL, and were and all filled a critical, critical position for Michigan. Imagine oh, Michigan God. without a defensive tackle I mean, in those periods. Walk on with an asterisk, and this is also a Mo Hurst line. This is Mo Hurst and Ryan Glasgow. Yeah, um, I mean. Yep, Wormley. This is a you young Moe Hurst. Moe Hurst was not Charlton. The at this point. I mean, they had a lot, there was a lot. Of There's guys. a lot of talent on this, but Wormley is, is a good shout out too. We haven't mentioned him yet. But back to Ryan Glasgow. So this is what he's talking about on the last play. The way Minnesota likes to run QB sneaks. Who knows this? <laughs> is they like to run to a particular side. So Moe's job was to stand up the guard who he likes to run behind. My job was to slant into the A gap and try to get in between the center and the guard. Oh, Willie Henry's on this line. Willie too. Henry, mm-hmm. yep. Willie's job was to slant into the other A gap and try to get between the center and the guard and just knock it back, create a wedge, and push them back. And then, I mean, but when something comes down to that, everyone's coming off the ball so hard, you can't really get a good stab. It's just all about explosion and pad level and just trying to keep your feet moving. We practiced it half speed a couple of times to get our steps through, and it ended up paying off. Hashtag Harbaugh. Yeah. I mean, so Coda to that game. Afterwards, Minnesota like bails, and so and they just leave the jug on the sideline. So Michigan gets over the sideline; they can't find the jug, and Patrick Barron is the one who finds it. Really? Yeah, because he's over there with his camera, and he's like he's pointing and like he gets like he flags down Demario Jones, I think. Demario Jones. Wow, not a name I expected to see here. And and so that so Demario Jones is the first guy to touch the jug. (laughs) Because Patrick found it, and he's like, it's over here. I think they had it hidden behind the bench or something, because they were just getting out of there. Speaking of finding Easter eggs. (laughs) (laughs) Number 17 is the Khalid Hill double block versus Colorado. 
a plus four in my charting. Uh-huh. How many plus fours have you given out? One. <laughs> I only give a block. I only give out one as well because what he does on that play, and this is a game where Michigan is in deep trouble. Mm-hmm. What he does on that play is it's a sweep out to to Devion Smith, and he plows a guy, and he just immediately knows he's done, and then he goes and gets a safety. Two guys, one play, plus two blocks, plus four, baby. And, you know, he was the hammering panda. Mm-hmm. He was touchdown like, vulture. Yeah. And, like, yeah. There, I remember the, the JT was short game. There's that fourth and goal from, like, the inch line. Mm-hmm. And they give it to. Well, well Devian got stuffed, I think, yeah. on the previous mm-hmm. play. And they give it to Khalid Hill. And he meets a massive humanity right at the goal line. And he ends up on the right side of it by an inch, maybe six inches. And, like,. Uh, we already had a, f- a fullback take here, but he Bobby Henderson was not a major player. Not no, uh, he's, uh, a, he's a backup. Uh, you know, from Khalid Hill to Ben Mason to Max Bredesen, we need a fullback thing on here, mm-hmm. and this is it. That I mean, it's still it it's still the genesis of having a block of the game in the yes. uh, in the UFRs, and like you know, this is a thing that. I don't know. We felt like this was the kind of the way that we see the game versus the way that a lot of other people talk about the game, yeah, right? Who, what other but, fan base are like, oh, yeah, I remember that block. Yeah. <laughs> that's not really a thing. Well, those two blocks. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> that wasn't even one block. Yeah. But, I mean, that is a, a distillation of kind of where the program had gone because, like, we were mad about man ball. When Hope brought it, well, in. it was a little yeah. it felt yeah. a little different. It felt a little different, but like, well, they they did it a little bit better. <laughs> turns yeah. out. Well, and also we part of why you wanted to go to Jim Harbaugh was like he ran this weird offense that doesn't have fullbacks, and like people are not used to fullbacks anymore. They don't. This doesn't happen to them. But this is what happens if you don't have if you're not practicing against fullbacks. You don't have a neck rolly guy who can take on that kind of contact. And it was just no, like you a, just practice against stuffing quarterback sneaks. Well, and going back to the fullback stuff, like. That is the genesis of the last three years where Michigan is often winning against Ohio State because of what happens on third and short. Yeah. Because Michigan goes – on fourth and short too. Michigan goes into these games expecting that any third and fourth and short is an auto conversion and they play like it. And Ohio State is playing like they need to run a jet sweep on third and two. If I mean if Michigan is in third and three, you know they're getting the first down. Because they're right. just going to go for it if they don't get the first time. Which was not the case under Brady Hoke, is why it felt a little different. Yeah. But there's sort of like a service academy vibe to these recent Michigan teams. Yeah. Where it's like, we can do this. Yeah, because if you get six yards on first down and it's second and four, you're like, well, it's going to be a first down. Yeah. So you can take your shot because you get to third and four, you yeah. get your three yards with quorum, and then you have an option of yeah. things to this do. This is a very good segue to another one on our top 25 list, but I don't know if it's the next one. Number 16 is the 2022 Penn State game where Michigan absolutely defenestrated Manny Diaz's defense <laughs> with quarterback runs. So yeah, <laughs> there should have been two J.J. McCarthy touchdowns in the first half. Uh-huh. They delivered blockers to the final guy once they delivered two blockers to the final guy. Yeah, that was just a good play by that safety. You turned out to be a really good safety. Yeah, great, but just someone's tact- got to get him. <laughs> tactically, <laughs> yeah. Manny Diaz was doomed yeah. in that game. They make their adjustments. They're like, all right, we got to Cover J.J. McCarthy with his legs, and there are – were they back-to-back plays? No, they no. weren't back-to-back okay, plays. But sure. there are two Probably. huge touchdown runs in the second half, one from Corum, one from Edwards, one subtly about J.J.'s legs. Yeah. One obviously about J.J.'s legs. And – The cornerback is flying outside. It was like yeah. it was like Nirvana. 
<laughs> for MGO blog people who chart games. I was like, so like you guys, this is the happiest <laughs> I have ever been about an offensive game plan. They're using JJ's legs to hit home runs. Yeah. And then when you're adapting to what the quarterback is doing, they are using JJ's legs to hit home runs when he doesn't have the ball. It was it was glorious. Well, and it was like a, a relief in some senses, too, because Michigan owns the first half but doesn't finish all their drives. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I think they're actually down early Penn in the State third. gets their two touchdowns Penn, Penn on State a Clifford was run. At halftime. Because they, so they get, were they, down one at halftime and they got a field goal. They're hooting. Penn State fans, yeah. the, the Penn State players were like, "We got you, got you know, we're, we're, and but it's off and of that's, a, and that's off the of peanut a, butter jelly sandwiches halftime. Yeah, it's a it's a Clifford run on a bust. Yeah, yeah. and then it's the double doink yeah. pass that is returned for a touchdown at, on two plays after Michigan has just owned Penn State, but just hadn't finished their drives. And so then, like, enter what you're talking about, where now they have to take account for JJ's legs, and all of a sudden you get those big hits from. Corum from Edwards, and that's like the payoff of all of that. Well, storyline, especially in 2022 and 2023, was Michigan's schedule was like, okay, we can use three games to figure out who our quarterback is because these are nothing opponents. And that went into the Big Ten season. I think they knew, but that's just my opinion. And for 2022, Penn State was the the circled game. It was like the first, okay. Yeah, because Penn State, were they both undefeated? I know obviously Michigan was, but Penn State was that was a big game. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was a a circle game in the Big Ten circles, not just like for Michigan or for Penn State, but it was one of those big national games where at, where you get the really good teams that are starting to play each other. Yeah, I, but I mean there was it was one of those things where like we had to imagine what Michigan's real offense was going to be like when mm-hmm. they face a real team because you know Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, Maryland, Iowa, Indiana, they didn't have to show anything. Not much. Right. And then, yeah, so Penn State was number 10 going into that game, and Michigan, I think, is number five. They're both undefeated, and it's like, okay, what do we really have? And Brian's talking about Nirvana because it's like, hey, this is what we have. We actually have JJ's legs built into the offense, used in a way that is going to completely unbalance you or just you know, make you weak every time because you're going to have to waste a guy on him. Every and it kind of shows you what they could do against Ohio State. Yes. And that's like the first viewing of that. And it's the transition out of the Cade previous year where you couldn't really do that. That's a great point, mm-hmm. too, because like, that was a definition of why J.J. was the guy. Yes. Because he was capable of doing that in a way Cade McNamara was not. But – Speaking of Michigan running when it felt very difficult to run, the 2019 first half against Notre Dame. This is a night game in the middle of the season, and Michigan is kind of moribund. Doesn't really mm-hmm. feel – it's not a game I was real well, they excited lost, to go they, to. They just lost that Ronnie Bell yeah. Penn State yeah. game. And their ground game just didn't really feel like it was doing a whole lot, and it's pouring. It was yeah. oh my goodness. You, it was warm rain at least. It wasn't like yeah. miserable uh, cold Michigan State rain, but it was I wouldn't say it was warm rain. It well, might have been not cold rain. Sure. But it was it was not comfortable. And they come out and they hit a big play with Charbonnet right away. Mm-hmm. Where they're, Charbonnet. They they're using uh Sane still as yeah. a, as a decoy on a screen and Notre Dame just looking at it. 
Uh, Shea Patterson has a big run. Hassan Haskins has a couple of big runs. And they're up 17 to nothing at halftime against Notre Dame, having completed like a pass. Yeah. It was like, and it felt completely out of nowhere. In the aftermath, I wrote this really weird column about bathtubs and K-pop songs. (laughs) (laughs) As one does. As one does. But just, it felt completely out of nowhere. And that's the last time Michigan has played Notre Dame. Yeah. And was going to, I think we've scheduled one since then. But like, I did the math at the time. And I was like, the next time we play Notre Dame, my kids will probably be in the student section. It's like in the 30s or like... 29 or 30 something like that yeah and, a five and who and knows if that and honestly who knows if those games stick around right sure. i mean like yeah. that's just how it goes these yeah days. but i mean the things that michigan was running there they, they brought back the trap like it was all yes, these the hard, the haskins one was a trap yeah and then at the end of the game they go back to that look where samer still freaked them out right mm-hmm. and they actually throw to samer still and he dodges and weaves through everybody yeah that's and, like his signature play on offense yeah yeah, there was a catch against Michigan State in twenty one too. Yeah, he had, a, he had yeah. a catch against MTSU from Joe Milton for his first touchdown. Uh huh. <laughs> oh, well, we could do a podcast on Mike Samer still alone, man. We <laughs> were well, he's we been are here, stands. Been here long enough. Number fourteen is the Edwards touchdown this year against Penn State on third and eleven in the red zone, which was the most Manny gonna Manny play. <laughs> In the history of Manny Diaz versus Michigan. But he's not expecting a run. I feel a little bad for Manny Diaz because he's he's basing this all again. Michigan's like, okay, we're just going to add another tight. We're going to make Trent A. Jones a tight end and just keep on adding more more line. And you just gotta, the way they play is not designed at all to face this kind of thing. No, and after the first series, I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to lose this. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking that, too. Yeah. <laughs> because Carson Barnhart gets teleported around three times in the first two drives. I think he came in with the PFF pass block grade of zero. Uh-huh. And that high. <laughs> and you're just like, how are we going to do offense? It turns out that if you just run it all the time against Manny Diaz, he will get bored. <laughs> and Chop Robinson will get bored. And he'll be like, rush pass now. He's like, well, yo, surely this time they're not. <laughs> uh, my favorite thing is that like, it felt like. The second one in the red zone on like third and ten mm-hmm. that almost scored would have scored if uh, Michigan if Johnson had just crack blocked instead of running the route. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and if if you could if 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 I could have just felt that if I could have felt two third and ten Renzo touchdowns on the ground <laughs> from Donovan Edwards in one game against Manny Diaz, well, I I could have died. I would have been so happy, but then I wouldn't have gotten to see the rest of the season. So maybe it's better. Yeah, it's better. It didn't quite happen. You got to see two Donovan Edwards touchdowns against Washington. Same thing. But but then like Blake gets him again later on in that game for a twenty-one yard run when the game is not quite over, but like he more or less ends it. That was the opposite. So that was the swing to like okay. Do you want to keep on adding guys to the line of scrimmage? We're going to keep adding guys to the line of scrimmage. And finally, it gets down to Michigan has two tight ends on the field, an extra offensive lineman. We're moving the uh, – before the snap, they move uh, where the gaps are, and then they move them back again. So it's just a completely hardball, like, try to fit these. It's the Stanfording. Yeah. And then – and what happens – like, they spike every single gap, and then the, the last gap, the safety doesn't fit it, and quarms out the edge. Yeah, and also all the context of this game. So Jim Harbaugh is suspended while literally on the plane. Yes. And and it's not 100% official till the next day, right? Because there's like that whole thing about, it yeah. will, will the thing get signed at midnight or not? Yeah. And will he be? Yeah. 
And so the whole team is just t- tweeting out bet. Yeah. Bring everyone together. <laughs> That's not what they, that was not the sentiment they were trying to express. Um, and after the game, you have like the tearful Sharon Moore, I just love you so much interview, uh-huh. which is probably going to be the new uh, known friends and trusted agent yeah. section. <laughs> it's going to be Sharon Moore weeping, and it's going to be titled something like, I just love these guys so much, man. Anyway, the whole context of this game was like, are we for real? Mm-hmm. And it felt in the first quarter, the answer was like, our defense is for real, and we're going to lose this game. And then Michigan is just like, we're going to go ultra Harbaugh. We're going to load it up, and we're going to see if Manny is going to Manny. And Manny mannied, and now he's a head coach at Duke. Congratulations, Manny. Well, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have that many tight ends in the ACC. No. JJ was so fired up after that game, bouncing through the end zone, high-fiving everybody. And- Eight attempts. <laughs> Eight attempts. And that's that. And I mean, we've talked about is. this, but then, that's J.J. McCarthy. I mean, even going into the end of the 22 season where he's like saying, we're just going to run the ball. And you know what? I want to run the ball. When one of the crucial plays in this game was that third and 10 where they call a J.J. sweep, a crack, yep. QB crack sweep. Yep. Michigan converts. And then it's like, now we get to have a, a football game. Yeah. Yep. And like just everything about that, like if there was one game that like defined the Harbaugh offensive philosophy at Michigan, it was that game. And it was also the comp between J.J. and Aller, because people are building up Aller in the offseason of like, this is the five-star quarterback. This is the, the guy that we've been waiting for. Not this everybody. Is... <laughs> sure. Nationally. We got some heat preseason because we were like, ah, I don't know about replacing Sean Clifford. Brian Mack was rating it. Uh-huh. And there were Penn State fans like, oh, the MGO blog blog boys are not uh-huh. with a Z yeah. are we the boys so then you get like okay their quarterback clearly didn't play well and JJ didn't have obviously his best passing day but he certainly did on the ground a couple of times and is just has the maturity level to understand what this team needs to succeed in terms of this is where we can win schematically he just didn't care he doesn't care because he he's about winning care. football games Oh, he was he he was putting crowns on people afterwards. <laughs> yeah, just running around. Just the like, I'm writing the Denard piece for the, uh-huh. for the book, and I, like, like the conclusion is basically like to win the national championship. It turned out like everybody had to be Denard. <laughs> yeah, and like, like eight of them, and like JJ is like the most Denard of all the Denards. <laughs> but I'm, uh, the Denardening of JJ. Yeah. All right. Number 13, oh, wide open. <laughs> Gus Johnson's most iconic call during this run, because as he's saying this, it sounds like he is losing his mind. It sounds like he is seeing Lovecraftian horrors coming through the fabric of reality, because Cornelius Johnson has just toasted Cam Martinez so badly, he's not even on the screen. And we're going to play that right now. McCarthy to throw it. McCarthy looking. Throws deep. Got a wide open receiver. Cornelius Johnson splitting. Touchdown, Michigan. 75 yards. They said the kid couldn't throw a deep ball. Uh, And this stood out as the moment in the 2022 Ohio State game when Jim Knowles refusing to let happen what happened in 2021 where they got run over was conclusively backfiring yeah. because Michigan gets the touchdown for Cornelius Johnson 
on the third and ten where they go zero blitz and the guy blows a tackle on a play where Roman Wilson had put his guy in the turf. <laughs> yeah. And he was so mad. <laughs> he was so angry. He's like, I am there's nobody within <laughs> ten yards of me and there is no safe me throw me the ball. That was the origin of his V Log. He's got like a uh, a YouTube channel and like the the first episode was like, Hey look, look at look at this guy. Look how wide open this guy is. I right. wonder why they get to throw him the Yeah. Yeah. But And there's no Blake. He tried to go. Tried to go, couldn't go. Mm-hmm. We have CJ Stokes. Like try to fill the shoes, can't. He's a true freshman. Blows a couple runs. We're like, where is where? Where are we gonna get the offense from? And and it was getting late. Like you're starting to creep into the second quarter. They had three points. The defense is just hanging on. It feels like. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you're like, when is the dam gonna burst? And it turns out the dam that burst was Ohio State's dam. <laughs> and the route that CJ put on. I know Cornelius Johnson never really became what I was telling everybody he was gonna become, but. You have to appreciate the guy because who is the guy on the receiving end of every single one of J.J. McCarthy's incredible late rollout? Like, ah, uh, I'm reaching the sideline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was Cornelius Johnson. Yeah, and that is a that takes an incredible amount of body control and hand control. Like, that's not an easy play to make. No. And we're going to be in the Rose Bowl where they reviewed it and overturned it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a little worried about next time. We have a, a pass like that, and it's not caught. I'm going to be like, oh, I should have appreciated Cornelius Johnson a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, the story of that game was just they, the safeties weren't around, and that was the most the safeties weren't around play. I, it, I mean, it was just an insane game plan. Who goes cover zero all game? Well, but that's what but, that's but what they said. You can beat us running the ball, and at that point, Michigan hadn't won games with JJ's arm. Yeah. It was they said the kid couldn't throw the deep ball. Right. right. Exactly. Because remember, for the first half of that season, he missed his shots. He missed Roman in in Kinnick. Mm-hmm, he true. missed a couple guys deep, maybe CJ. Indiana. Yeah, Andrew yeah. Anthony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he didn't in this game. He hit CJ, and then he hits Loveland, and you're like, you know, put your safeties wherever the hell you want, because right. <laughs> we'll do whatever you and don't. And then when they do dial plays. it back, Michigan goes on that like 13 play drive. Yeah, which includes JJ's legs with JJ's legs, and then on they're like a third and 15, and there's nothing there. And JJ hurls it up, and it's so accurate that Ronnie Bell gets a hand on it, and he's being interfered with, and they got to call it, even though the ball is not going to be caught. Mm-hmm. But like that pass interference sets Michigan up with first and goal, I believe. Well, and they score on third and goal because he like cuts in front of his leading block. Or well, he he sees the gap in the line, and he he hurries everybody to the line. Like we're going, we're going, we're going. Mm-hmm. And it's just QB stretched. To the gap and a game over. And he just beats Keegan to the hole. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was also the the all season Michigan had issues with their uh, red zone offense. And they were like, okay, let's try this. And let's try that. And then they were bashing our heads into Rutgers yeah. four times and stuff. And finally, like, okay, let's just let's just run a play with the quarterback as the running back and add a blocker. And that, that was what did it. Um, but the CJ play was also like – for me, the rod, the covering Rod Moore from the beginning, and they're like they missed on that guy, and they went after all these five star safeties, and now they're putting Cam Martinez out there as a converted quarterback from Grand Rapids, Michigan, converted to wide receiver first, and then yes. converted to safety. Yes, because none of those five stars worked out. Yeah, and that's the guy that they have, and they're putting him in cover one. They're putting him in a two way go. Well, I think that might have been his only snap of the game. 
And the JJ touchdown this year was yeah. in the safety. Who that was his only snap of the game. <laughs> so they have been ruthless. Yeah. At at finding the backup safeties and exploiting them for incredible touchdowns. How much do you think they have to pay to get downs from Alabama? <laughs> they also, I mean, we'll get into another one of these maybe, but the. Uh, the starting safety that Martinez was replacing had probably the worst game I've ever seen a player have yeah. in a football game. I still remember, like, Pro Football Focus put out a tweet about, like, top returning safeties in the Big Ten and their grades. And, like, you know, Rod Moore, mm -hmm. some guy from Northwestern, and then Lathan Ransom at 77. And one of the comments was, he must have had 100 going into the Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's about right. Yep. All right. Number 12 is Rowan Wilson's Rose Bowl catch. Where it's tipped at the line of scrimmage, the alt the trajectory is altered, and everybody's lives flash before their eyes. The uh -huh. stone skipping pass because it we've seen this all before, and it's going to be intercepted, and Michigan is going to lose the ball game. Roman Wilson adjusts to the flight of the ball, reaches up, makes a very difficult catch, and then very crucially keeps his feet, mm -hmm. runs past a safety who thinks he's going to intercept the ball, runs past a second safety who's like, "What? What's happened?" And Michigan is down at the five, and at that point, you're like, this is happening. Michigan has first and goal at the five. They are scoring a touchdown, and they are going to overtime, and Michigan's overtime record is like 16-3. and three. It's the one indisputably great thing that has persisted across the generations. Yeah. I quickly want to point out we missed another thing in the um, honorable mentions was Leno Hill knocking the pass out against Indiana in one of those overtime stupid games against Indiana. Okay. That was a great play. 15. That was a great play. A, 15. Yeah, 15. That deserves In the Chessening game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that deserves a shout out. But let's go back to the Ohio State. Or no, sorry. Let's go the back Rose to the Rose Bowl. Catch. Well, and the cool thing about that is like he, I mean, obviously JJ throws the pass, but Wilson makes the play. And I think they run on first down and then on second down, they run Wilson underneath. Yes. And he's the guy that gets to score the touchdown. And it's Wide an easy open. touchdown yeah. because... Could have thrown to either one of them. Right, but like he's the guy that made that play, and so it's always nice. Like when you see a running back go eighty yards and tackled at the one, you don't give it to somebody else; you let him finish it. And Michigan kind of not that they tried to do it, but it's nice when he got to get the capping touchdown too. And that yeah, drive. and to me, that the touchdown there that was a game plan game for Michigan. Like I, I've completed the charting. I haven't got the UFR up. The kids have there have been a ton of snow days, and the kids have all been really sick, so it's coming. But I've done the charting, and I was just continually impressed with what Michigan was doing that was exploiting what Alabama does. So the Quorum touchdown to start, they don't use Quorum as a receiver out of the backfield intentionally, ever. Mm -hmm. Ever. And I've had been watching this play on Twitter because uh, Dan Casey, who I follow on Twitter, is like, hey – RB mesh traffic in the red zone. And I, I, I saw the place. I was like, RB mesh traffic. I was <laughs> I was Leonardo DiCaprio pointing <laughs> at that play. And you see the Alabama linebacker just being like, he's over there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. Someone help me. Uh -huh. And then on the fourth and two that really kicks Michigan's final drive off, it's the same thing. They motion in. They run mesh. What is Alabama's linebacker doing? He's cutting off mesh. Yeah. Like the guy who's supposed to be in man coverage on Blake Corm doesn't even think about him going out to that route. He's like, I got a crosser. I got to chuck him. We're not going to let this happen. And then Blake Corm is in the flat completely wide open. And the play after that is a JJ run for 16 yards. And then the play after that is the Wilson uh, catch that 
symbolizes this drive. This wallet drive is this number. That quorum catch was fourth down, fourth in the season. Fourth in the season. And they pull something out that is like the RPS plus three play of all time, (laughs) (laughs) where it's a a dump in the flat where if uh, Roman Wilson doesn't block a guy in the back, it's a free 40 yards. Yeah. And they went back to it at the right time after exploiting it earlier in the game in a critical juncture. They didn't go back to the well. They their issues in the second half were a lot of the Alabama anchor being out of his mind. He mm-hmm. like one of the best players I've ever charted from an opposing defense. And then just missing opportunities, like the throw that's behind Morris, the throw that goes right between Samaj's hands. Like game plan wise, they killed it. And that gives me a lot of faith in Sharon Moore because the way they killed it was not like, okay, we're going to run a trap or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, here are the ways we can exploit Alabama's coverages which they did at, at crucial points. And the uh, the tip pass here that we were talking about was the same thing. So they, they had it because there was a, a post route that was being run, and Malachi Moore had to run around three different guys because it was being bracketed. Mm-hmm. And Wilson was going to have an easy catch to be down to the 15 before fate intervened. So I – like that drive is hopefully Sharon Moore in a nutshell. Because everything about it was tactically excellent. Even the plays that were like five and three yards um, or, or didn't work were more player breakdowns than bad ideas. There were a couple things I didn't like in that game. But overall, I thought, you know, I, going into that game, I in the preview, I said, I choose to believe this will be a game plan to remember on both sides of the ball. And by God, it was. Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't even have to talk about the other side of the ball. I mean, I'm sure was, we'll get to the other side. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, same thing, where it was like both teams were playing at such a high level. Like Alabama was coming, was was pulling out things that they hadn't shown all year. They basically pulled things out of the single wing, and they're like, or the go go offense. Like they they went through the tape and everything that possibly worked against Michigan, they had ready to play. And Michigan, a couple times they got got, but I mean most most of it they figured it out on the fly. It was yep. when when yeah. it came down to the crucial moments, Michigan always had a play call. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked about the Tyler Morris one. Like, that was a play call. Yeah. They ran it again, and Bama covered it that time, but you're going to take that every time is you get a 38-yard touchdown on third and 10, and then they, you get an unsuccessful pass a second time. It's That's like a huge th- win. Yeah. Third or fourth wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, this was a Harbaugh thing. I mean, how many fourth downs just kind of went by the wayside because on fourth and three, Michigan had a pass to the tight end that was open, or well, and also, Isaiah Gash is going to be open on a, you know, like they had these things. They chose the perfect moment to... Go off script, yeah. Yeah. So the the Roman Wilson touchdown that caps this drive, they hadn't run that inside the five all year because they hadn't had to. It wasn't something that they put on tape, and it was clear that whenever they actually did pull it out, it was going to be a walk-in touchdown, and they did it at a pretty good time. Mm -hmm. All right, number 11, the final one in this segment, is the Will Johnson interception in the national championship game. So this gets us two things this gets us will johnson yeah it gets it well it gets us three things it gets us a national championship game defense yeah and it gets us mason graham forcing this pass so mason graham on this play goes through two different offensive linemen he gets chucked by one into the other and it just doesn't matter he just keeps coming and by the time Penix is throwing the ball that guy is being bowled back into Penix. so graham doesn't even get to the quarterback he uses the guy who's blocking him to get to the quarterback. Yes. And just a just a monster play. An absolutely incredible play. And then the ball's a duck to Will Johnson. He intercepts it. It gets punched out. And he intercepts it again. And 
in the context of this game, this was absolutely massive because Michigan dominates the first half. But just like the Alabama game, they don't pull away. They give up a score late, and Washington gets the ball coming out of halftime. In the Rose Bowl, Alabama starts moving down the field, and then the new Ohio State Center decides he's just going to snap it to no one. Right. Like twice. And so they kind of got let off the hook here. Here, Michigan, against Mike Penix and one of the best offenses in America, avoids getting middle-aided with an incredible play from Will Johnson and an incredible play from Mason Grant. And that was really the story. I mean, if we can pause for a second and talk, because I we haven't been able to do a podcast after I UFR'd that game. I same thing. I've charted most yeah. of it, but the kids have been home. So, um, but the story of that game, or the way that Michigan knew what Washington's problems were going to be with their pressures, and it starts with the defensive tackles. You cannot single block Mason Graham. You cannot single block Kenneth Grant. Speaking of, we are going to uh, sneak the Kenneth Grant sack in. Yes. <laughs> Speaking wow, of defensive tackles eating people. Okay, so, I mean, that's the other plus three event in this game. That was only three? <laughs> kidding, kidding. I mean, we, got, I, I just, we have a system, people. We have a, I have a system, and, you know, in, with pass rushes, like the most you, if you get like an insta sack, it's a plus three pressure plus yes, three. Yes, that's correct. And this is an insta sack plus three because he, because Penix gets to look at his first look, and then he looks around, and the left guard has just been deposited on the yeah. ground, and the speed with which he goes from I'm knocking this guy over to I am now going to come and kill you, is like. Linebackers don't move that fast. No, and so that pay like so we talk about the Catron Allen run. We talk about the block on the Saner still touchdown. Yeah, and that pays it off in a way that Cam Good didn't pay it off against Alabama. Right, he got a great pass rush, didn't have any help, and then Milrose able to scramble and pick up fifteen or yards. Against Penn State. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a theme where yep. he was- would get a great pass rush and wouldn't be able to finish it off. Yep. Kenneth Grant finished this off and ended a Washington drive before it started. Yeah. I mean, and deep in their zone too, which sets Michigan up in a in a game of where it's becoming like a, a rock fight at that point in the game. Every time you could just knock those guys off the field because Penix is such a great quarterback, and they have a great pass offense. So like that, or they have a, a great pass protection. And the one issue they had was their guards have been a little iffy this year. And to turn that from they're a little iffy to now you have a problem. No one else Washington faced all year was able to say, okay, you have to handle this guy. You're going to have to keep your running back in. You're going going to have to keep a tight end, and you're going to have to have an answer for him other than letting one guy block him. You can't cite the protection away from where he goes. And then the rest of the game, Michigan is playing games with that. They're like, Kenneth Grant's over here. What are you going to do? Oh, wait, we're going to put him over here. Now what are you going to do? And the the way that Minter – Gorgeous game by Minter. They turned them into a one-read quarterback in the end because he all he could do was figure out pre-snap where I'm going with the ball and go there. Mm. That's good because uh, this one stands in for the Michigan defensive performance yes. in the national championship game. Um, Which can I just make a point on that? Like the meta story about winning national championships for most of the Harbaugh era was you need a quarterback. <laughs> And we were always like, okay, when's Harbaugh going to get his quarterback? Is Brandon Peters going to be the one, right? And then it turns out having an NFL pass defense <laughs> helps is just as good as having 
and and Georgia proved this too. They had yes, in the, NFL the last deep, two years, they, basically. So Georgia also contributed to the meta story, but Michigan's contribution was if your pass defense can stop an NFL quarterback, and that's what Michael Penix is, then you can win a national championship. And I think when you look at in the end, what did this team have in twenty three? It was a lot, but an NFL passing defense was a thing that nobody else has come up with before without just having ungodly talent. Yeah. It's just kind of funny that that's how Michigan would win a national championship is by running game and defense. How we won the last <laughs> four national championships. Uh, that's the DNA of the program. All right. We're ready for the top ten, but first, a small commercial break. Jake Butt here, guys, live down from the National Championship Convention Center down in Houston, and we got some big-time news for you guys, Michigan faithful. We need your help to keep our team. Last year, Champion Circle launched the One More Year Fund to support key players coming back, like Blake Corum, Trevor Keegan, and Zach Sinner, who elected to return to Michigan for one more year. Now we're launching the Those Who Stay NIL campaign. Our rivals are coming after many of our key players trying to induce them to leave Michigan. It's time for the Michigan family to show our players how much we appreciate them and want them back in the maze in blue. To keep the momentum going, head over to thosewhostayuofm.com. Again, that is thosewhostayuofm.com to support. Go Blue. It can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced, co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. Thousands of products? No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage them with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Element show you the way. Special offers available for return lessees. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. Here's the thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924-9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. Maze and Blue Nation, it's Tom Brady. I co-founded Autograph with one mission in mind. Change the fan experience for the better. That's why I'm excited to announce the release of a new app that recognizes the biggest Michigan fans. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to the best Michigan content, fan challenges, and exclusive rewards for diehard Wolverines. All for doing the things you already do, like listening to this podcast. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Rewarding Fans and download today.
awesome in the eye And then I'll take the punks out Feeling funkin' Amps in the trunk And I got more rhymes And this cop's got a junkie Donut shop Sure enough, I got props From the kids on the hill With my mom and my pops I came to get down I came to get down So get out your seat and jump around Jump around have reached the top 10 and you're probably thinking if all these things we've already talked about didn't make the top 10 what did well well people probably figure it out <laughs> you're gonna well people know a few of them i'm sure but number they're 10, not gonna mind hearing about them again number 10 is jumping around at wisconsin this is a vibes related one um because 2021 was the year when they picked up the chairs mm-hmm and they said, the black pit of negative expectations has no power over me. And when they went to Wisconsin, and it was the end of the third quarter, and they're doing their thing, Michigan went and did it with them. They went and stole valor. No, they outjumped them. Yeah. Sure. Because <laughs> they went on in the field. So the, you have to set the context here is Michigan hadn't won at Camp Randall yes. since 2001. And their 2019 visit and 2019 was, eight, was maybe the worst. That that was like that was one of the moments when people were like, "I'm done with Harbaugh." Yeah, we were. It that was yes, and that and you know, and I want to shout out Aiden Hutchinson in 2019 because he came into the press conference and it was just another like destruction on the road, and he said, "This is not what this program is. This is not who we're going to be, and we're going to come back and we're going to win the Big Ten." Obviously, they didn't do it that year. But he held through on his promise, stayed through his injury mm-hmm. in 20, came back when he didn't have to. And this game was sort of like – this was the first road game. So Michigan – you know, that was that Washington game. But Washington had lost to Montana the week before. So you're kind of like, yeah. I think we can probably get them. They had a couple of other cream puffs that they beat. And then you go to Wisconsin, one of the bugaboos that we talked about, places Harbaugh ended horrors. And – how are they going to play in this environment? And Cade actually played decently well. Better throw, than, better than yeah, their quarterback. Throw it, throw, well, <laughs> and that was like the coming out on the field and doing that was like, we're not scared. Your environment doesn't scare us. The history doesn't scare us. We're a new team. Yes. And, and that's that's kind of what Cade said. I think it was after the Nebraska game was yes. the same thing. As you- other teams were going to fail where we succeeded. And, and I mean, I after the Ohio State win this year, I mean, that year, my column was all about the chairs in the air. The chairs. Mm-hmm. And um, that felt like the genesis of when that really became important to the program. And I love the chairs. <laughs> there's so many of them now. Yeah. And then there's the guy with the hat. I don't know what the deal is with that, but it seemed like from the instant some crazy walk-on was like, ah, I'm going to wave this chair in the air. Michigan was different, and it culminated in this year of every Denard going fifteen and zero and winning the national championship. So this was the oh, this is one of two vibes ones in the top. I 10. mean, the vibes are important because we got, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast that we go from like the program that says there will be no hugs to the program that has lots and lots of hugs. This is a and the ability to take something that is like you know. Jump around is Wisconsin's thing. Yes. Right? And it's supposed to scare you. The stadium's up, hopping up and down. They're all excited. And the whole about place goes – I mean, I don't know if you've been there for that. I, d- but I have. It is, it is yeah. nuts. Yeah. They go nuts and they are doing it not to make you feel happy. <laughs> right? <laughs> and for Michigan to turn it around into a joyful thing, like we're going to jump around with you. This is yes. great. It's a 
a counter to the direction I think football has been going for 80 years, where just like football is to be the negativity sport. Football is a sport where like your coach has to break you down yeah. and turn you into an automaton in order for you to be good. And this is the counterpoint. And as a history guy, as someone who especially looked at a lot of history from like old Michigan stuff, yo stuff, and how coaches used to coach, that was a big part of the game. It was a big part of why people fell in love with why America fell in love with this game is because the players were so joyful and singing your stupid songs on the sideline, even if they were just songs put to marches, became a thing in college football because there was just so much joy in the game. And to recapture that and bring your that, champions, there are meat. Yes. Yes. Which, uh, for the uninformed, is the best line from a fight song in history that Northwestern used to use, and they don't use it anymore, mm -hmm. but it's also the best college football block ever. Yeah. <laughs> we're two. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're I, number two. Fair enough. Um, but, like, to, to make that your program vibe and to bring the joy back into football, they tapped into something, I think, with this team that football had lost and found power in it. And that's the game where I think that that it's, narrative – really be, kind of becomes the program. It's Kevin McAllister getting out from under the bed and running down the front walk yelling, I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that's a good wrap up for that segment. Number nine is J.J. McCarthy coming from off the screen to throw a block for Blake Corum <laughs> in the Big Ten championship game where... <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, we score a touchdown against Iowa. That's very good. That's good. We, we're going to win this game. And I'm like, how fast is J.J. McCarthy? Well, and that uh -huh. was 21. Yes. Yeah. Blake Corum. Not 22 or 23 right. Blake Corum. That was 21 Blake Corum where he hits a hole and you don't see a safety and he's gone. And McCarthy just blows right by him. <laughs> and, <you're> like, <laughs> and actually gets a block. Yeah. It a very relevant block. Yeah. And, and Michigan is playing in Iowa. This, I mean – this wasn't the 2023 championship game where it's just like, can we please get this over with? Yeah. You know, Iowa was not quite as dire on offense. They, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no comparison to this year. Um, they're they not they weren't as, great. But uh, you're a Michigan fan. You've just seen the breakthrough against Ohio State. You expect to win this game. But you're also like, oh, man, I've been in this place before. Mm -hmm. And Michigan has lost these games or turned them into. But to get the quorum run and then to immediately afterwards get the Donovan Edwards double pass, which we're also jamming in here. The best double pass in the history of football to Roman Wilson to break open a 14-point lead. And then the second half was just Michigan leaning on Iowa, scoring touchdown after touchdown, turning it into a blowout. And I wish I had gone. I didn't go. People who have gone to the mm -hmm. game just describe the atmosphere as like the biggest party it was a party had. it was it, and they scored like right in, they scored their first two or three touchdowns you probably are the person who told me that <laughs> <laughs> right in front of like we're in the corner where the band and the fans were and the students and it was not really like we we, we talked about in prep about i said we have to get that play in this game that play wasn't like anything specific, but it was, we had to talk about this game because it was Michigan's first Big Ten championship since 04, I believe. And it was such a, just a, a relief. It was, you know, you beat Ohio State, but then you had to win this game. The playoffs are on the table. Mm -hmm. And it was just a party is the best way to say it because you kind of knew what was going to happen. And in the end, it was 42 to three. And you're just elated for a lot of people who, you know, weren't going to be around for the championship game. There's a lot or the, the national championship. There are guys that were clearly there's a lot of the core, but there's guys that 
weren't because they were going to go to the NFL or they're out of eligibility. And like they got to be there when Michigan started winning Big Tens again. And that was something that this program built itself on through Bo and Lloyd and all those teams and had gotten away. And they got that part back because that's part of winning a national title. You got to beat Ohio State, got to win the Big Ten. Then you can go for your national title. And that was a step. And it was a, it was a, a coronation sort of of that season. I, I couldn't go because my wife got COVID the day before Thanksgiving. And so I missed the, the game. Yeah. And I missed that. Um, and then like the Saturday was the day we could, we, he'd come out. Uh, and so I went and watched at my brother's house. And he has a cat that like you would not know that the cat exists unless you're there for, you know, a day and a half before the cat will come near you. But this cat finally was sitting on my lap for that game. And like I was, you know, it was a very easy cat on your lap game because it wasn't anything going on. And the cat's There's a still, lot going on. <laughs> cats, cats still won't come near me because <laughs> I jumped up. And if remember that um, Donovan Edwards throw, it's a DO plus, not a, yeah. just a DO in our charting. Because it gets pressure, he gets lit it get, up. He yeah. gets lit up. He actually probably could have gotten a penalty for it. Yeah, because uh, I don't think you have protection unless it's targeting. I figure the second person to touch the ball on the play. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So no penalty, but he still gets. So he gets lit up and still makes that pinpoint pass. Mm. And that cat flew across the entire <laughs> room. <laughs> Like like Donovan Edwards' football throws. <laughs> I, I just I have this uh, my recollection of it is is jumping up for joy and then out of the corner of my eye wondering where the cat went because I think I saw it still like arcing in the air. <laughs> <laughs> but Eric All gets a touchdown in that game and Luke Schoonmaker gets a touchdown in that game and you just start seeing Haskins obviously and you just start seeing the wealth kind of get spread around and everybody just gets a piece of this sort of return to glory and Harbaugh gets to host the hoist the trophy and you know Charles Woodson is there on um, at the desk with his Michigan Big Ten Champions flag and it was just a big iconic step in what the 23 team was going to become number eight is Rod Moore intercepting Kyle McCord at the end of the 23 Ohio State game with the assist from Jalen Harrell mm-hmm. I kind of feel like we accidentally put this too low uh, cause you have to remember the context, mm-hmm. which is sign gate. Yes. Which is like everything about this team that nobody cares about anymore, except like Ohio state bloggers, basically. And Michigan state bloggers. Nobody cares about that. The president of the NCAA after Michigan won the title was like, yeah, they want it fair and square. And that's true. And it was always going to be true. Mm-hmm. Whatever Michigan got this year. Connor Stallions had less than nothing to do with it. But Ohio State felt that they could make it the narrative. And that was the thing. They're like, you know, they lose that game. They're like, oh, our favorite narrative. <laughs> and and they were devastated by this because they put everything onto Cause it. Because they, they wanted to invalidate the previous two years. Yes. I saw countless people online being like, well, I don't even blame Ron, R- Ryan Day anymore. They cheated. Like, Michigan won the 21 game because of sign-stealing instead of Aiden Hutchinson and Hassan Haskins. Like, and the offensive line just Zach eating. And Trevor Keegan. I, yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't just your crazy online Ohio State fans who are always doing some crazy. I mean, it was like Ramsey. It was like. Yeah. They, like, it, Ramsey is crazy now. Yeah. He is out of his mind crazy. And, and, and we got to do that to them, and I'm very yeah. happy about that. Yeah. So the other part of this is that's the capper for Jalen Harrell. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm. that ball is floating in the air because Jalen Harrell is hitting McCord as he throws the ball, 
And, you know, we took a lot of heat for being like, Jalen Harrell just can't roast a passer. He's great at everything I, else about being a defensive end. I, I mean, when you chart a guy that long. I, I'm not saying you're wrong. No, no. But, like, you keep on trying to find ways of not being mean about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you say, like, okay, every time Jalen Harrell's in, we cannot get a pass rush. Please put Josiah and, Stewart and in. And here he flips inside and puts five-star, all-Big Ten, all-American Donovan Jackson on his ass. And then goes and wins the football game. I, I'm actually curious to what would happen if Jalen Harrell didn't do that. I think it's still interesting. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. I was like, I kind of think that Rod Morris got this. but um, Well, I mean, it gets into the – we talked about the um, – with the number 11, how Michigan won a national championship with a pro pass defense. And this was like the crowning moment of that pro pass defense because what are they running? A poach coverage, which is not something you ever run with college kids. It's like you have to make that, you have to make these checks ahead of time, then you have to bring a safety from the other side, which means your linebacker has to turn to a safety in the middle of the play. It's insane. And college quarterbacks are not looking for this thing. And Ohio State had to adjust because Michigan was running multiple. We're going to convert this linebacker into a safety. We're going to turn this cornerback into a, into a nickelback. We're going to put these guys in places you have no idea they're going to come. And then we're going to put pressure in a spot that is going to completely turn your head from where you need to be looking to figure out where we left the hole. And they figured it out and they kind of adjusted. And Michigan didn't go back to it for a long time. And that play, they went back to it. So you have Rod Moore coming out of the zone that you would expect him to be in when you look at the pre-snap, unless Michigan's running some insane coverage. So, yeah, I mean, maybe he sees him and pulls the ball down and runs around with it or finds a check down. There are other options that they could have found, and there wasn't a whole lot of seconds left. But he didn't have time. He didn't have time. And I think that was always coming because they had four plays on that drive. And on two of the three before the interception, McCord was under siege. Mm -hmm. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, we're going to get after this guy. And it kind of felt like the Alabama game grit small, where it's like, like, they were going to be at like the 40 or something. And like, at that play, they had like 40 seconds or something, and they had, you know, 50 yards to go or something. I still didn't think that they had a pretty particularly high chance of of winning that game, Ohio State, but to, to close the door like that. And I was going to say, like, the capper on Rod Moore's career, but he came back. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I think the context is important here, too, because Michigan has their run drive on the previous drive, and they get to third and six, and then fourth and four or five or whatever it is. And, you know, we debated on the podcast afterwards, and obviously in the stands and after the game of, you know, are we going to give them, you know, they have, Rod, they have Marvin Harrison and we don't have Will Johnson. And so are we going to give them the ball back or do you go and you win the game on offense? And Michigan decided to kick the field goal and not be aggressive on third down, not be aggressive on fourth down, kick the field goal, keep the field goal off the board for Ohio State and say, can you take your Maserati Marv and drive him into the end zone? And I think that like we all sort of were like, yeah, they might have gotten away with it instead of made the right decision. But maybe they knew like what you're talking about. They're running these exquisite coverages and stuff. And so they're sitting there thinking we can turn this into a touchdown instead of a field goal game. They're not going the whole way on us. No, no question here. And that's not something that we're going to know, obviously. And it's not playing into the analytics or whatever. But it's something that they knew what they had on the field and what they could do. And it was going to take some level of a miracle for them to not only block Jalen Harrell for the entire drive in Mason Graham, et cetera, and also be able to pick up the coverages and not have one of the stellar DBs make a play. I'd still argue it was a little Lloyd Carr's to not 
try to go for it in the end. I, like, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, I, I thought the value of going up six was not great, mm-hmm. um, especially when I, I just wanted something a little bit more high variance on third down. Yeah. Because if you lose six yards there, you just kick the field goal. It's okay. Right. So, but that's not really the time or place for that critique. No, but, but I mean, <sighs> but well, to your point earlier, the pass rush was just incredible on that drive. And Ohio State was making plays that game. I, Kyle McCord played well in that game. That's, he did. Yeah. He, he entered that game with like a terrible like record of completing passes under pressure. Yeah. And he was outstanding against it. Yeah. And so they got. I mean, we said this before. But they got what they needed, and it wasn't enough. Well, yeah. and and I mean, they got really lucky on the play before then because it could have been a fumble that Michigan recovered. And it oh up, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and it ended up being a fumble that they recover and then called a fumble because it could have been an incomplete pass. Yep. I, I, I believe it was. He didn't make a football move. I, yeah, I. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it was. It's too close for me to like care about that that particular call unless it actually mattered. <laughs> but a lot, Michigan but, leaned yeah. on their defense yeah. in the end, and it came up big. Yeah. Number seven is Jim Knowles has to have the best series of his career right here. How'd that go, Brian? It did not go well. This is uh, you know, Zach Zinner has not featured yet. This is our Zach Zinner. Uh-huh. This is our Olu Oluwatimi. Yes. The 2021-2022 uh, Ohio State game. Michigan has a lead. Ohio State is going to sell out. They're putting a three-man front out there. They don't have anyone in the playside B-gap. And they're like, we're going to fool Olu Oluwatimi and Zach Zinner. <laughs> and they're not going to have any idea they're, what's coming. They're not expecting our linebackers to switch gaps from where they are initially. And no so they, they see it coming. Mm-hmm. So Zach Zinner, there's a great end zone shot of this. I think from Brad Galley. I forget exactly. Chips, Taron Vincent. So hard. You see him hop over a whole gap. Mm-hmm. And he's a senior. He knows where he needs to be. He's desperately fighting to get over there. And Zach Zinner peels off that. Rex a linebacker. Donovan Edwards through the gap. Lathan Ransom can't get him. Poor guy. And Michigan's off the races. Ball game. Just uh, the offensive line for Michigan won two Joe Moore awards, probably. Um, I mean, I don't know how accurate those are, right? But the offensive line has been the identity of this team for this this run. And that was the most Zach Center play of his career. And it's deeply unfortunate that he hurt his hand, I mean, his leg in the this year's Ohio State game and wasn't able to participate in Michigan winning the national championship. But when it came down to it in 2022 and Michigan needed something from their interior OL, they got it. I mean, he's part of the story because of that. Like that moment, once people, I mean, at least Michigan fans who know that Zach Zinner was the key to that moment, right? Knew that at the moment that he gets hurt against Ohio State in 23. And Quorum runs and, you know. We'll, we'll... Stop. Spoilers. <laughs> oh, oh, geez. Michigan fans don't know that this is coming. Spoilers. They don't know that this play is is, is one of, okay. But, like, the you had to be that good for people to know that much was missing. And, and understand how much had to be filled later. And so, I mean, that sets up what comes on. Zach Zinner, he was a true freshman in 2020 in plays because Michigan and Michigan had offensive linemen, but they throw him out there in 2020 in that season when, like, you had no practice. It's not like yeah. – uh, he's not like a true freshman who got to come in, play, play a whole year, spring, <laughs> yeah. play a year during, like, during fall, and then, like, okay, finally by game 10 he gets to come in, right? And then, I mean, he was incredible already by 21 and – now 22 I mean he could have gone to the NFL after that. I mean it's just like we talked about this a little bit. It's like 
a clear recruiting airball. Yeah. Analyst airball, because that guy was a five-star. Yeah. His trajectory at Michigan was that as of a five-star, and he played like a five-star, and I was probably – well, if he hadn't got hurt, he was going to get drafted in the first round like a five-star ship. Well, and the thing about that run that I also want to talk about is, like, we talked about it earlier of, like, Michigan killed Ohio State through the air, and that was not how Michigan, like, had set up their season, right? Like, they'd, they'd been a running team – Quorum and Edwards, and then they bring out JJ, and like that was their identity. And then Ohio State says, We're going to take it away. Okay, fine. And so then they throw the ball to CJ and to Loveland. But in the end, it's Michigan's run blocking and running backs that seal and win their first game in Columbus. And yeah. that's the thing to me that's like, Okay, they made their adjustment, so we adjusted. And in the end, we're still going to win our way. Number six is Aiden Hutchinson is coming for you. <laughs> The story of the 21 game is that Aiden Hutchinson was the best player in America and should have won the Heisman. Uh-huh. Three sacks and absolutely crushing Dewan Jones onto his ass after pointing at him pre-snap and <laughs> telling him he was going to do it. Steal that side. <laughs> so Aiden Hutchinson is the best defensive end in the history of Michigan football. And we mentioned this earlier in this podcast. He didn't have to come back. He would have been a first rounder after mm-hmm. the COVID year. But – he wanted to leave a legacy, and he did that in that game. It's not who he is. He, I mean, for years, you're just like, who's going to, how are we possibly going to beat them? Yeah. I always I always thought about the scene from Lord of the Rings where Theoden is like, what can we do against such so much hate? And I just, there were long periods of time where I couldn't see Michigan ever beating this. And the number one reason in 2021 that they beat C.J. Stroud and those three crazy receivers was Aiden Hutchins. Yeah. And they even got ridiculous plays from all those guys. Oh, God. I threw for 400 yards. Well, we have, a, we have a metric in UFR now called hat, which is like a hat tip to the other team, right? Yeah. Like, okay, you just made a good play. And it started uh, as in like, you know, uh, some acronym I can't remember now, but it was basically Ohio State receivers doing incredible crap. And it was – I mean, they they made some plays. Like there was that fourth down uh, catch by – JSN, where yeah. it's like pro throwing it. I'm just like, like there are a hundred different ways that Ohio State doesn't even get to the 23 points they actually got. Yeah, to. because and you look at those plays. What was going on? Hutchinson is getting to Stroud before he can get into his throws, before he can really get into his reads, and he just has to like lob it up to a guy, and then it becomes the game plan for the second half. Where you know Ryan Day is like, I don't, I don't, I can't do what I normally do, which is those meshes that took forever. Um, which worked so well against Michigan in 2018, 2019, and you don't have time to run a mesh against Aiden Hutchinson. You're not going to get the ball off unless it goes to your running back and he gets lit up. And it was like, we're taking away... I, I We talk about Michigan won a national championship because of their pass defense, but pass rush has to be part of that. And in order to have that against the first round tackles well, we put shields on both those guys in the faux in the faux film thing i mean it was a we've got the better player we've got the bosa now like, do you remember his grade for that game in ufr I, look it up i bet it's high i bet it's pretty good so it was plus 40.5 minus one for a plus 39 <laughs> what was the minus four yeah, i was about to say what was what did you ding him for in that? <laughs> did he, he he did something? Is it not tipping the pass to Travion Henderson? It not was the play action bubble on the yeah on their um they try to edge Dax Hill who fakes the blitz. So now the numbers force it back inside where Hutchinson is the guy covering the flat and took two steps in to pass rush before rerouting. I mean, the other thing about Aiden Hutchinson is that 
as soon as he went to the Lions, the Lions are in the NFC Championship game. Mm -hmm. This guy is just the Johnny Appleseed of rescuing lost things. <laughs> and, and, by the way, the Lions run a whole lot of uh, pressures where he drops into coverage. He has, like, several interceptions. Yes. In brief in So, the other thing about Hutchinson I want to cap this part with is, you know, obviously after the game, everybody rushes the field and there's the pictures and you're in the, you're in the snow and it's just sort of, like, glorious and you've been waiting for this for years. But he was being interviewed in throngs of people just trying to get fingers on him, touch him, anything. And he's absolutely loving it. And it's, you know, you see players that like want to have their interview and then they get off the field because it's dangerous and you got a lot of people and it's all that. I, I understand that completely. But he's just looking around and taking it all in like this is why I came back. And he probably even said that. I'm pretty sure he said that in the interview. I mean, but he, like he was doing the same thing after the Lions playoff wins. Well, and that, he's he's a different cat. Right. Like yeah. and that's and that's the thing is like that's what you talked about. How is what is it going to take to beat Ohio State to switch these narratives? And it's people like that. I mean, that's the Harbaugh thing of, you know, the Mikeys and the people that come back and all that stuff. But it's it's Aiden Hutchinson's. And that's like the one thing is like, you know, there's always, you know, when they were cutting down the, when Beeline was cutting down the nets when they were going to the final four, they had Zach Novak on the phone. And that's like the Hutchinson thing where, you know, he didn't get to be a part of the national championship game, didn't get to win the Rose Bowl or whatever, but he was like the guy that took the first step that broke through mm -hmm. that got everybody else to get there. And that was, that was his moment. Number five is Corum's 65 run immediately after the Zinter injury in this year's Ohio state game. Uh, brilliant play call uh, that, I charted it a few times earlier in the year, and I was like, why is Donovan Edwards not going in the ISO gap? Oh, he wasn't supposed to. <laughs> the problem was is that nobody was selling the ISO enough, but everyone in the in the stadium is like, what are we going to do now? Mm -hmm. The air just went out of the stadium after that. We, that's the worst thing I've ever seen in person on a football field, and Zach Zinner is the best guard in America. God bless Trent A. Jones because, like, there's not a better six lineman in America either. Mm -hmm. I mean, he came in and it was it was seamless, but you don't know that's going to happen. Yeah, you have no idea. And the thing is, this play call, Michigan had just run it early. No, they had actually just run the ISO earlier. Yeah, and they, they had a successful play on that. And the linebacker is like, oh man, I got to get over to this ISO gap. And Blake Corum, I don't know if this is the best thing in his career, but what he knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He takes one decisive step right, and then he. Bursts back out the left. Sonny Styles has taken a step that he can't recover from. Steel Chambers is looking for the ISO. And bam, touchdown. And I remember Spencer was tweeting during the national championship game that his money was on a back-breaking Blake Corum touchdown to close the game <laughs> out. And he did that over and over this year. He did mm -hmm. it against Penn State. He did it against Ohio State. He did it against Alabama. And he did it against Washington. And... You know, immediately after that run, he puts up Zinter's number. Yeah. And, like, he's not thinking about himself. He's not thinking about, ooh, I scored a touchdown. He's thinking about Zach Zinter. That to me is this, this team. I, well, another piece of context to that is, you know, he wasn't himself. He has that knee injury. And he didn't really – He didn't feel like 2022 Blake Corm. He didn't feel like 2022 Blake after, And he – part of the reason was he just was not cutting – as explosively. Explosively, yeah. right? The lateral cuts. The, those lateral cuts, which puts – and I, I think I mentioned this on a podcast before, but like there was a sports science with Denard Robinson that shows how much pressure gets put on your knee when you make that cut. And, every, and it's exponential. So the further you cut, 
right? The more of an angle you do, the more pressure you're putting on a smaller piece. Mm-hmm. So in order to trust his leg that, I mean, he, you're talking about not thinking about himself, literally not thinking about himself. Because, you know, how much thought whenever he made a cut had to go into that knee injury that he suffered and to go and put that much force into his leg to hop out that far, hops out just a little bit less. Sonny Styles is a pretty athletic guy. He might be able to recover, recover and actually make the tackle. I mean, the it it, it it was like Quorum's shining moment. And Quorum has been such an important part of this return, right? Like in 2020, he was on the team, but like we used him to show Donovan Edwards that we'll throw to the running back and then kind of didn't really use him anymore because we had Charbonnet and whatnot. 2021, Quorum becomes the rushing offense. We're going to run duo all the time, which is going to be the running back is going to beat your linebacker, is going to put your linebacker in a gap, and he's not going to be able to take the other one. And he's going to just be able to hop over. So, And that was Quorum's thing. So we design our offense for these three years around what Quorum does best. And, I mean, we lost him for the end of 2022, and the rest of the team had to step up. But in the end, there had to be a Quorum moment to get over Ohio State again. It had to be Quorum. And that we all have our different moments of like when, when the what is the greatest moment of the Harbaugh era. But I mean, if you want to talk about one that probably encapsulates the 2021-2023 period, it's that. We had a huge fight over everything in the top six. Yeah. <laughs> like, this order is not everybody's order. <laughs> it's one, one A, one B, one C, yes. one D. Yeah. <laughs> one yeah. Yes. So, please, like... Don't yell at us. Nobody's going to yell at us for this project. Please don't yell at us. I've been yelled at so much. Um, But yeah, so these could really be in absolutely any order, which Mm -hmm. is one of the greatest things about this whole run is that you have to fight about what the best moment is (laughs) really hard. Sometimes people get angry, but we're we're, we're Go back and tell uh, our 2019 selves that. Yeah. Number four is Edwards, Donovan Edwards. Two Thunderbolt runs in the first half against Washington wins the game. We didn't know it by then, but we won the game in, I think, the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And Alabama was a game plan game, mm-hmm. right? They they had to come out and they had to figure out what Alabama was doing and specifically counteract it. This game against Washington was like, all right, we're going to run a duo. <laughs> yeah. This is the players game. This was the we yeah. got better players than you have and – Donovan Edwards makes a mistake. One of them. <laughs> I mean, okay, no, we gotta talk. Just, <laughs> we gotta talk about this. All right, he presses that inside gap. That's what he's got to do. Uh-huh. And the reason that he scores a touchdown is he pressed the inside gap. Maybe you want him to see it a little bit earlier, but he's got to try. Yeah. And then when it's a change of direction contest, Donovan Edwards wins every time. Uh huh. So people said the same thing about his chunk run in the Penn State game, mm-hmm. where he's like, he's got a huge hole to his left. And it's like, well, he doesn't see it because he's just baiting the safety. He's finding the friendly butts. And then mm-hmm. he's like, well, this isn't working. Let's go do something else. I think he's doing what he should do. As long as it's a friendly butt, you press the gap. And then Donovan Edwards, I don't care what you do as long as you change direction. Yeah. Very fast. Once a run. I, Quorum probably changes direction faster. And therefore, the defense reacts faster. So you don't get the explosive. Well, and the safety isn't sucked in. Yeah. But I, I mean, I... I broke down the I mean, you know, four not, duos not, in this game yeah. and, like, how they were run differently and whatnot. And, like, yes, you're right. You have to press the gap to get the guy to go to the wrong gap. Um, Maybe not Washington. as much. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you're you're in the context of what Washington was doing, which was, you know, their linebackers were insane in this game. Yeah. Like, they were just doing some dumb things. And so, it's it the whole thing convalesces. But, like, this is a we've got the guys. And, like, 
you know, Michigan could not recruit a five-star for years. And, you know, this is a hometown guy that Ohio State wanted and Georgia wanted and Michigan had to pull out. And like, and his season had been nothing. Yeah. Well, that's... He had a fight for his one first touchdown. That's, that's the capper is that, like, you know, everybody kind of has... Roman Wilson has that awesome start to the season and CJ has his moments and Mikey and all, you go down the list of the plays and, and Donovan Edwards had the nice run against Penn State and he's had... You know, remember they kept him in the game in a blowout game. I don't remember what it was in the middle of the season, so he'd get his first touchdown. Yeah. You know, I mean, he just he came after they took it from him because he, he wanted to go out there. He wanted well, to run the play, and, and so he 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 didn't really have his part of the storyline. And this was like his piece to contribute because it could have been Quorum and it could have been it could have been Khalil Mullings who had two good runs earlier yeah. in those drives. So this was his. I don't want to say contribution, but it's his memory. And he got to be the one, like you said, Brian, that scored the points that actually won the game in the end. And um, for someone who's kind of never completely fit statistically into this offense and stylistically in some ways, it was just cool to see it as a guy who also can, coming back, but is those who stay. Yeah. And while we're talking about duos against Washington, mm-hmm. The huge Blake Corum run, another duo against Washington. We've mentioned Trent A. Jones sort of in passing, but huge chip. Yeah. Climbs to a linebacker, erases him, and that's the lane that Corum uses to get through the initial yeah. uh, defense. And I mean, for I, I wanted to come back this year because I wanted to see him be a starter for a full year. But last year, at the beginning of last year, I'm like, man, Trent A. Jones is really doing pretty well. He gets hurt, and he gets Wally Pip by Carson Barnhart. Mm-hmm. We'll get to his play and spoiler. I'm sorry, people aren't going to figure this out, Brian. Yeah. They have no idea what's coming. <laughs> so he gets he gets Wally Pipped, and I, I can't imagine how that felt to him. But at least publicly, he was like, "I'm going to be the best bonus tight end in America." I'm going to, and he he was. He played so well, and when an All American went out against Ohio State, there was no drop off. Yeah, because he played that well down the stretch. I mean, he was. He was crushing dudes against Ohio. I mean, maybe Ohio State's tackles are a little tired, but I mean, to stand up against the pass rush right. of Alabama. I mean, he comes in in that Ohio State game, and what does Michigan immediately do? They go on that eight-minute drill. Yeah. And then he's got Dallas Turner going at him, and sometimes it's both of those incredible defensive ends. I mean, I don't think I had him for a pressure in that game. Yeah. Maybe one. And that is incredible. It is absolutely incredible that a guy Michigan wasn't even playing, maybe one of the best tackles in America, is a draftable player. Well, and I will be fascinated to see where he goes. I mean, the thing you said to Sam is you, you don't hear this from – there was a long period of time where you would never hear a comment like this from a Michigan player where he doesn't win the job. He has to be the sixth tight end. And what does he say to him? I, he says, I'm going to be the best sixth tight end. I'm a bit – Six OL. Six OL in, the, in America. I'm going to be the best – at this job that no one has in most of their teams. That is just, a, you know, no one's putting 6 OL on their starting depth chart except for maybe except, Jim Harbaugh. Except one team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, they're, the 6 OL on a Jim Harbaugh team is a position. And he and this is the thing that he did from, from the time he got here is that he has positions that have names that we can't figure out because we're just watching the film. And it's like, okay, they have this package and this thing. Right, like those, where he's got 16 starters on defense every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's because these packages have names. And when you look at his whiteboard and where everybody's on, you know, th- there's a position that belongs to that. And Trente Jones says, I'm going to be the best 6 well in America. 
and they don't win the Penn State game if he if he's not that either because that was how Michigan was able to keep on upping the ante in the you know, how many guys can you put on the line of scrimmage versus how many can we yeah and Miles Hinton deserves a shout out there as well well and it was talked mm-hmm. about about how he was having some you know off the field issues and yeah he posted some through stuff on and, Instagram and it wasn't like... articulated down to the T but you know there's things going on in his mind and it probably played in a little bit of like hey yeah. you know I thought this was going to be my job maybe or I was banking on it or whatever and it's just another thing of like you know, sometimes things don't go your way in life. Sometimes some guy beats you out. Sometimes it just the ball doesn't bounce your way. But he stuck around. He stayed with it. And his time came. And then he rose to the challenge. And he's got a ring to prove it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the that that run, I remember turning to um, one of the Sklars who was sitting next to me. And I'm just like, what? Michigan's going to win the national championship on this run. Right before, like on this play. Like before it even happens. Because you could feel the corn backbreaker happening. And, you know, we talked about Trent A. Jones in that play. We talked, uh, you know, Carson Barnhart gets a good block on that play. Like, there's a lot of guys who are involved in each of these things. And just setting that up, um, there were duos earlier in this game where, like, they brought the tight end around as a rapper, and then he adds himself to a second duo block. So, like, that 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 play, duo being yeah. the play that we win the national championship on was just like a Well, there's a one more capper. we got to get to. Uh-huh. It's not actually. Michigan gets the Colson Loveland catch and run. They get in the red zone and they put three tight ends on the field and flip them around and do all their stuff. Yeah. They've gotten chunks on duo on this all game long. They run a duo for three yards. Same formation. This time they're going to run a counter off of it. This is my game column after the Washington. So Trevor Keegan is pulling and the Washington defensive end is shooting inside. Keegan blocks him because he's playing to spill. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. And then he leaves. Because he's like, he can't get to court. And he doesn't actually get to the linebacker. But if you look at it from the end zone cam, you can tell that Keegan's presence widens that linebacker out. Right. He's got he's to prepare for the fact that he's got a blocker. Right. So he, he's clearing that, and he's never he never really gets square to Quorum. He tries to tackle him around the shoulder pads. Quorum breaks the tackle, and Quorum breaks, uh, brings us home. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about Zinter. We've talked about Olu. Uh, Drake Nugent. Sorry, we haven't talked about you. <laughs> but... Trevor Keegan was just as much a part of this whole experience as anyone else. And to me, the the put-away touchdown in, in the national championship game is just as much a Trevor Keegan play as yeah. it was a Blake Warren play. And and what was Trevor Keegan's thing? I, when I started seeing him pop in 2021, he starts you know becoming the All-American that he would become. He doesn't have – Zach Zinner was a five-star they just missed on. Yeah. Trevor Keegan was an offensive tackle who was too stiff to play tackle. So they move him into guard. He's a big guard. He can move guys. But really, his thing is he's intelligent. And he makes plays. And, I mean, talk about a guy who can – Graham Glasgow is the same kind of thing where he sees it happening and can play a little off script because he's done it so many times he just knows what's in front of him. And so, like, okay, you got to put a guy inside. That's your job. To put a guy inside, know that he's not going to make the tackle and then get out as well. That is – you don't see that from guard. You see that in the NFL sometimes. Yeah. And then you see the guys on Twitter after the OL guys are like, oh, look at this smart play by this offensive lineman. That's why the smartest guys in the world are offensive linemen. Sharon Moore was an offensive lineman, by the way. Um, But, yeah, that was Keegan's thing. He was the smartest guy in the field. And, you know, I have this thing. I watch watch every game again before the new season begins from the last season to kind of like, what did I miss? I want to remember things beforehand. And then whichever player gets me, like, the most hype. For the next season is the one whose jersey I'll order at that point. It's not a new. I've got you know I got 
the Haskins jersey and I got the Trevor Geegan jersey because this is what he was doing. And like there were a lot of runs that Michigan telegraphs sometimes that they're gonna what they're gonna do. Hey, we're gonna run duo again. Hey, we're gonna run counter. We don't have you know there. It's a complex offense, but like the the play calls themselves get wrote sometimes, and they get into a, a, a let's let's run the same thing and then do a little bit different. And the guy doing things a little bit differently to make those things work. The reason why they can run the same play again and again is Keegan can run the same play in a thousand different ways and react the same way every and react correctly every single time. All right, number three is the Rose Bowl overtime. Mm-hmm. We couldn't. Get any more specific than that. <laughs> so Michigan starts off with the eight-yard run to Corum, and then uh, Corum regaps. He regaps over two gaps. Colson Loveland is giving ground. Mm-hmm. He's going to get a minus for that. Uh, <laughs> and then Carson Barnhart, who our site has never been particularly high on, um, and in this game he was getting dump-trucked by the Alabama anchor. But he has a particular set of skills. And one of those skills is he's uh, in that mold of a Mason uh, Cole, mm-hmm. where he is just super mobile at um, a, a very large size. And so he is able to clear the Loveland block and then get vertical. And he's the guy who's the key block, who blocks the safety. And then Corum is just a forest of arm tackles, and that's never going to bring him down. The combination of a capping play for a guy who's been a cornerstone player here. And then Blake Corum making one of the cuts of his career to take a lead. Michigan will never relinquish in the fucking Rose Bowl. One of the greatest football games of all time. Yes. And that's because the, of the stakes, because yeah. of the teams, because of the place. Yeah. I mean, and and that's the play of the game, really. I mean, there's there's the last play of the game. Well, there are there's a lot of in the plays game. of the game. But this there's was... a lot of ones that you can fine but like i mean you know, there's there's been a lot of great rose bowls played too and when you want to decide which yeah. ones you're splitting fine hairs and well that we we talked about some of the rose bowl plays on the tying drive it's like yeah. okay we're gonna go to overtime when quorum scores it's like we're gonna win this game yeah well and like when you're looking for the play of the game you can usually look to number two <laughs> well and then on the defensive series mm-hmm. they get a first down at the 10 and then michigan Gets a huge play for Mason Graham. Yeah. yeah. So uh, supported by a St. Ristol corner blitz where he just eats up a second down run in the backfield. They're on like the 15 and they decide that they're just going to try to get closer. And uh, Josh Wallace is there to make a tackle on Burton before he can get Josh Wallace, who the scouting report at the beginning of the year, which was right at the beginning of the year, was that he's not a great tackler in space. He can push guys back to his help. But if you put him in one-on-one situation, he's going to get it run over. That's what they said about Josh Wallace. He makes two humongous tackles in this game that prevent Alabama from getting into, we can just mill-row you for two yards and get the first down or yeah. get the touchdown. Those are humongous yards that Speaking he fights for. of mill-rowing you for two yards, actually three in this case, the fourth down, Josiah Stewart, who we have not yet mentioned uh-huh. on this podcast, bulls back Michigan's, not Michigan, Alabama's, so are you caving from your previous position on this? I, I think that he di- he made a play, and I think that if uh, Alabama had run the play right, nobody would have noticed. Uh-huh. But he does put J.C. Latham on a hinge block two steps back, and mm-hmm. that is really important. I do think that the low snap helps out, and I do think that there's a pretty good chance that Michigan gets it done even if they run the play because I think Sainer still and Rod Moore are going to be able to collapse. Rod Moore – Makes a I I don't know if he's doing it on purpose, but he hides 
from yeah. the guy looking for him to block. Yeah, the guy the guy <laughs> runs right by him. Yeah. And so I think Moore's probably going to pop up in that, that gap and widen him out, and then St. Russell is going to be there to finish it. I think Michigan had that done, even if the low snap didn't appear to panic Milrow yeah. into the middle of the line. So, I mean, you can – whatever you want to say about Stewart on that play, Stewart deserves plaudits for that game. He had a incredible end of the season. Well, I, I remember early in the season when he transfers in, he's got these shiny PFF grades and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. he's like, he's not doing anything, no. except he's not holding the edge. Yeah. Well, and he wasn't the starter, right? I mean, it was McGregor yeah. and it was Harold. But he was rotating in quite a bit. Correct. He was playing ECU, UNLV. He wasn't yeah. doing the kind of things he was doing at Coastal Carolina against that level of competition. Right? Yeah. And then he just, like, blew up yeah. in the back half of the season. And he became a decent run defender as well. Like, it wasn't just his pass rush, which is what he was noted for, but, I mean, this was a run stop, yeah, and that's and that's kind of what... And he was out there for it. Right. They he, could have had somebody else. It's not like they didn't have DEs. Yeah. And then, at the end of that play, you just like, we, run, we won the Rose Bowl. We won the, uh, the Rose Bowl against Alabama. We won a real Rose Bowl. You know, it's different when you're playing, you know, Utah, and it's because you guys didn't make the playoff. Yeah. It's like... It's a consolation prize. Yeah. Like Penn State's Rose Bowl last year, pretty hollow. And it was against Alabama. Like and you they couldn't were, yeah. hired Nick Saban. You, you <laughs> couldn't. This is the end of Nick. As you, I predicted, apparently. <laughs> I, you, you I forgot you made that prediction. You couldn't pick a better opponent. Like, I mean, there's an argument that that, that Texas game in, in 04 or 05 or whatever, that was like, oh, this is a circleable Rose Bowl. Yeah. For, especially for if Michigan's picking another opponent. I mean, they, they've played SC a number of times, and, you know, now that goes away because they're in the same conference. But if you're going to pick, if you're going to circle a team to beat in a playoff game in the last 20 years, it's hard for it not to be Alabama. I, I mean, it could have been Georgia too, but it. No, Alabama's different. I mean, Georgia's yeah. been good the last couple of years. Alabama has been the king yeah. for 15 years. Yeah. And, I mean, to some extent, the Washington game felt like Finland after the Miracle on Ice, after mm-hmm. being, you know, Alabama, where it was just like, we really can't screw this one up. Like, we got the matchup we wanted. Yeah. We were absolutely right about the matchup. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's in Texas, but Texas lost. We have to win this game. That's the only thing that probably could have, like, Maybe if you're going to like write a script for everything is you flip Washington, Alabama. No, you you beat Alabama and then you go to Texas and beat Texas. Oh, like that would have been a different sort of level. But I mean, I'm I'm perfectly fine with. I'm content. Yeah, I'm. You know what? Because going to I'm talking hypothetically. Whatever going to Houston was much more enjoyable. Being around the few Washington fans who made it versus Texas fans. No, but I'm. But I'm. I'm not. I'm talking about in terms of like a difficult. Like you're talking about playing Finland for the gold medal. Yeah. Like you're. If you play Texas in Texas for the national championship, it's not playing fair. Also, if you play the U.S. versus Russia game 100 times, Russia wins 99 of them. I mean, that yeah, was probably true. Mi- Michigan was yeah. a good, as good a team, if not better, yeah, than Alabama. That's not what and I'm that's saying. Not, right. yeah. But like Alabama felt like the, the hurdle. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like beating Ohio State in the big t- – in, in the in, game. In the game and then yeah. playing and the big championship Iowa. game. It's like, all right, well, one of these kind of felt more than the other, which is why <laughs> – the Rose Bowl pips uh, the Washington game in our ranking here. Because number two is Mike Sane still's pass breakup against Cade Stover in the 2022 Ohio State game. I mean, you, you go. I wanted this to be number one. You did. And my reasoning is because everyone's got their moment when they think that they thought Michigan could win the national championship, that we're really good enough. And 
I mean, I remember covering Sam still. I remember he he committed silently and then was a silent commit. Like, and we were waiting like oh for eight months for him to commit. So I had to keep on rewriting his hello post, and it was a hello post for a guy from Massachusetts. Who you didn't, they didn't even know what position he would play because he was a wide receiver or cornerback. A Don Brown special. Don Brown special. So like, there, I I went hard to try to find. Like I subscribed to some guy who only covers Massachusetts. Right. There was football. nothing out there. There was yeah. nothing on him. Yeah. And, and he was an okay slot receiver here for a couple of years. Showed some promise, but slot receivers don't get a lot of glory in Michigan's offense. Right. And then Dax Hill graduates. Michigan flips him to defense and. Sam Webb has told us that he was talking to Clink Scale, and he's like, "We're not going to have a drop off at nickel." And Sam was like, "We're we're talking privately. Yeah. You don't have to say that." <laughs> and he was absolutely right. Yeah. And Mike Sainer still goes from being you know a slot receiver to one of the faces of the Michigan program now and forever. Not just because he was everywhere on the field intercepting everything, because of who he is off the field, mm-hmm. like. Every time you had an interview with him and you're like, this guy is a future senator, as long as being a good person makes you a senator. Oh, yeah, I, would, I, would, <laughs> I would explore that premise too far. But, 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 but he was the guy in that Ohio State game standing on the bench yelling, we're going to beat these Yes. In- he recognized the narrative. He recognized that Ohio State wasn't ready and that Michigan was. Mm-hmm. And that pass breakup was just the, the greatest no, 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 yes moment of my life where I, yeah. I saw it happening. Yeah. I saw the tight end come across the formation. I saw Mike Sainer still a thousand yards behind him. And mm, I think Michigan got some pass rush on that play, which caused the ball to be lofted a little bit more than it had. But it's a perfect pass. Yeah. And the Stover has it. And then all of a sudden, Mike's. I remember I teared up about this trying to talk about it on the <laughs> Ohio State podcast. I like a like a, a nobody recruit nowhere Massachusetts. And breaks the pass up. And that's like, oh. And the iconic photo. Mm-hmm. That Patrick got that was on the cover of Hail to the Victors. Like it just it, it has everything. Yeah, it has like the reason that Michigan was beating Ohio State is that they were developing people better and putting them in better spots. It has the photo. It has one of like it's easy because he's zero. Yeah, but I mean, he was one of the numbers. He was guys. a he was a bunch of numbers, and it's funny that yeah. he's nineteen. Nineteen, five? then he was five. He was nineteen, but every yeah. zero from now on is going to be trying to live up to Marcel. The the thing about that play is that, you know, when you're a, a cornerback or a DB, a lot of times, like when we think of Charles Woodson, we think of the interceptions, right? But when you play cornerback, your job is not to intercept the ball. It can be, but it's to not let the receiver catch it. And you're not always in position to intercept the ball. And that's why technique and being in the right spot are a big deal, because you're not always going to be able to get two hands on it or pull it down or, you know change possession or whatever but he's in the right spot he's trailing the play he lets stover go get it and then he rips it out and that's i mean down to a t how you play cornerback what I mean, was- the craziest thing is that he was a wide receiver for two years and then he was instantly the most polished nickel corner i've ever seen yeah like dax was a crazy athlete but like like, Same was still graded out higher than Dax did in my charting. Yeah, and Pro Football Focus too. Like, like he, he was a great run defender. Yeah, he's not big, he's not undersized, but he's just smart, relentless, hardworking, eloquent. Like, <laughs> he should be writing the blog. Yeah, don't don't give him ideas. <laughs> don't take my job. well, no, because some NFL team's going to draft that yeah. guy. But I'm but the moment itself. 
I mean, you said you mentioned a ray that encapsulates what this program is and what Ohio State's program is, and and how Michigan was literally catching up to Ohio State and having to take it away from them. Oh, I like that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and, but and in in that context, the way that I felt, did I, you know, did we all believe? I guaranteed it because I was being, you know, you were being you. Yeah, you know, yeah. You thought they'd win the Ohio State game in twenty two. In twenty two, I wanted to grab the vibe. Of the program. I mean, when I guaranteed the national championship win this year, I was serious about it. I was like, this team is the best team in the country. I guarantee they're going to win the national championship. Well, I was capturing the vibes. I was capturing capturing what Samer still was tearing the program into, where we're going to believe in ourselves and then we're going to go do it. And get on board because it's going to be so much more joyful when you believe in good things. Was I being honest about it? Absolutely not. <laughs> I believed... When Stover was open in the end zone, that that ball was going into his hands, that when it fell into his hands, that he was going to hold on to it. Well, that's the other thing about how it symbolizes what Michigan State. Because mm-hmm. what did they do on that drive? They kicked a field goal. Right. Yeah. So C.J. Stroud is going up and down the field against this Michigan defense, and he's in the NFL now. And you know what it's easier to do in the NFL with C.J. Stroud? Score touchdowns. <laughs> so he He's went, really mad Harbaugh's going back to the NFL. He was like 350 yards, 400 yards, 23 points. Yeah. Well, he makes a great throw. That's the other thing. This isn't like an, an okay throw. This is a great throw. It that nestles still, gently mm-hmm. into the hands of his wide receiver without him having to break stride. Right. When you're in the right spot and you have strong hands, you can rip the ball out. And that's exactly what he did. I, it's just the the feeling of... Oh God, they got us to no, we can do this. I am invincible. <laughs> we can do it. We got them. Yeah. We got we're gonna take this away from them. And it's like that was the moment after that, because I I because I'd fake believed and then I let myself believe and then, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah. we're, we're better than these guys. The, okay, you you win the twenty twenty one. It's like, oh, you don't expect to win the twenty twenty two. Yeah, we got you guys. Ha ha. And then the way that the 2022 game is playing out feels like Michigan is not in the same league as this guy. And it's only when you go over it in the cold light of day afterwards yeah. that you realize that, oh, the reason Michigan can't run the ball is because the defensive coordinator is out of his mind with aggression and that the things that were happening in Michigan's favor were natural consequences right. of how the game was being played. It wasn't just five plays live. It feels like Ohio State is vastly superior and Michigan is hanging on by a thread. And the same or still play is when I think we're winning. Yeah. And, and that's what leads to the Donovan Edwards plays. Yes. And, you know, when we're putting the book together, we were doing 21 and 22 along with this year. And I know that 21 is the breakthrough and 22 is the statement. Mm-hmm. And Mikey made the statement. Yeah. All and, right. Number one. I mean, I just want to dis- preface. We disagreed. On this. I want to preface this quickly. That the way we were, dis- the way we came to an agreement on this, we didn't. I just arbitrarily we did not, made a decision. We, yeah, we didn't come to an agreement. Okay, the way we finally, we finally the way talked about this, Brian, that, is that the we went number three was the moment Michigan won the national championship, which I didn't get to talk about yet. Number two was the moment that fans believed we could win a national championship. When was the moment the team? believe that they could win a national championship. So this is my favorite Kirk Herbstreit tweet of all time. There is no competition, but I've embedded it on the site many, many times. And I feel like the number one thing that happened over the past three years is going into the locker room at halftime, up one point against Ohio State, and hooting at them, (laughs) making them afraid. You see Jim Harbaugh wandering by. like he, He doesn't know what's going on. But that team 
is up one point and they're winning that fucking game. Mm-hmm. Like it goes back to the chairs because they're like that stuff that happened before is in the past. And I didn't believe, but they believed. And to come out after that first half and do what they were able to do in the second half to upset 15, 16 years of absolute misery. I felt like that was where all this didn't begin, but it was the tipping point, the belief. Well, and part of it you have to go back to is like, what did you think going into that game? Like Michigan was a good team. They played pretty well. They won at Penn State. Penn State was a little bit down. They lost some games. You know, they had that nice Maryland game the week before. We talked about what they did on the road at Wisconsin and Nebraska, but Ohio State was still Ohio State. And Michigan had had good years where they'd gone 10 and 2, 10 and 3, year after year after year under Harbaugh and everybody. And so you're going to that game and you're walking up to it and you're like, well, maybe if some things go right. And you hopefully, and if, you know, but no one was sitting there being like, oh, this is it. Like you, you were, you were talking about, you know, you, you thought they could win in 2022. 22 is when I made the guarantee. Right. And in, in 23, I think yeah. we were all thinking, they should win this game. They hopefully will win this game, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a surprise that they won that game. That's a different game. Yes. But twenty-one was not like that. I mean, Michigan was a really good team. They had Hutchinson. They had all those things. And I just remember walking up to it, and I was with my buddy who I went to the O three game with and the eleven game with when we did win. And we and it was funny because a guy cut in front of me, and he had a Super Bowl jacket on, and it was from two thousand three. And it just like popped in my mind of like, oh, I remember when we beat Ohio State in that game and that Jack walked in front of me and disappeared or whatever. And the fact that they overcame everything, the snow played into it, the the going back to running the ball, the just, I mean, Cade played well. Like he hadn't really had a great, he played well against Michigan State and he made some throws against different teams, but he played really well in that game. He hits the deep shot to, to cj to yeah. cj who lays out and makes that catch he throws an interception on a heat check right huh. there's that like tussle in the end zone was it burke and oh, yeah. going at it with i can't i think it was maybe roman wilson something like that and then like the o-line come over and like that's the thing you're talking about in the tunnel is like it's just not scared and it was probably started in the off season you saw it for the first time at camp randall and then again in memorial stadium in lincoln and you saw it again with all the all the maze stuff in in Happy Valley, and then they bring it, and it's like this is the this is the end boss that they could just never beat. You can get all the other levels, but something always happens. Whether you do it, they do it, luck does it, anything, and they really did believe. I think that you could look back at that nineteen game, and you might say, you know, I don't know, guys just kind of made mistakes, and you wonder. The 17 game, the same thing kind of happened. Mm. But the 20 game, 21 game was different. We do this thing before Ohio State. We did this thing before all, all these Ohio State games where we'd like come up with a way that Michigan win. And we'd talk ourselves into it because we'd watch the whole season. I mean, we'd watch the whole season of Ohio State. We knew that they got beat up by Oregon. And then they, they had, had the Kerry Coombs stuff going yeah. on. And they had to replace a midseason. The defense was kind of simple. Right. So they were just playing very simple cover, too. And they didn't ha- they didn't know what to do if, you know, if you ran counter with a with an extra lineman on the field. Like, they, they didn't know what to do. They didn't have an answer for that. And Michigan was able to run that for an entire drive in that game. And we talked about those things. It's not like we went in oblivious and saying, oh, Michigan's going to get their asses kicked. We went in saying, Michigan should be able to move the ball in this defense because our offensive line is for real and we've been charting it all year and that's for real. And we said Ohio State's going to be able to throw the ball because our past defense has been kind of 
living on the edge. And when it goes against those receivers and that quarterback and the pass protection, and you know, if they can nerf Aiden Hutchinson, because that's been our secret weapon all season. Yeah. It was like, you cannot throw the ball because you're going to just get Aiden Hutchinson in your face. Not that secret. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, and then once David Ojabo was online, it was yeah. like, okay, now you Now really, there's two of them. Now there's two. Right, right. Now you're, you're dead. Um, but Ohio State had two NFL-bound tackles. tackles. And, and they also had a, had a really explosive running back. And we'd all been through 2018 when we kind of talked ourselves into it as well. Yep. And we said, okay, Michigan's finally got the team to do it. We got the number one defense in the country. And, you know, Ohio State found the hole and they exploited it all day. And then everything cascadedly wrong went, went, went wrong for us. And ever since then, I think Michigan fans and the program itself, I think that there was a time after the 2018 game where we had coaches leave and go to Ohio State. I mean, we had people giving up on the program. Yeah. And the players themselves, the players who were on that team, Hutchinson being one of them, um, and like those, the guys who said, we're going to go and turn this around. We're good enough to be these guys. And then they, they did it. They went and turned themselves into the program that can beat Ohio State. They found things that were available to them that we didn't even think of that people hadn't done since the 1900s. And they did some things that hadn't been done since the 1960s. They did some things that like they were just unique to them. Um, and that breakthrough was just so incredible. I, mean, I, I didn't get to be at the game, but I got to send my brother and his uh, stepson. Um, and it's still my favorite picture of all time. It's on the desktop of every computer and phone and device and in my proximity. So I can access any time. It's just a picture of my brother and stepson at that game with the snow coming down and Ohio State going into the locker room. And that's... Ryan, you made this the, the moment. But I didn't know at the time they were hooting, but like that team believed in themselves and they made the rest of us believe well that's it that's everything that was in the top 25 in the harbaugh era now dave we were talking before that you wanted to talk about the culmination of all this kind of what it meant well i mean it's no secret that michigan football has meant a lot to all of us for years going back a long time and you know so when that happens you live through a lot of different eras and so like i got to school and it was sort of the back half of the Lloyd Carr era. And so then I didn't even know you could go to a road game until like 2006. <laughs> like I didn't know you could even get tickets. Okay. So finally I did. And it was a good year. I mean, aside from the Ohio State game. Yeah. But so then like after that, it kind of builds and like I go in 07 and 08 and 09 and like these are not, I mean, I remember being stand on the sideline in the 09, the Continental Divide game, the 09 Illinois game. And like that was like the first four or five years. And then you know, the Hoke era and all that stuff. And, you know, we talk about the national championship is not just for Mikey and for Blake, but it's for Devin Gardner and Denard and Mike Hart, I mean, ironically on the team, Chad Henney, Lamar Woodley, those kinds of guys that have been there the whole time. And I just remember standing there in Houston and like the confetti's coming down and I'm around some people that I really care about. And like, it's not the moment that you talk about in the tunnel and it's not the play that, Mikey breaks up, but it's like, that's why everybody was there. That's what they came back for. Yeah, they wanted to win a Rose Bowl and they wanted to beat Ohio State, but what was the mantra at the beginning of the year? Beat Georgia, because they thought they'd have to beat Georgia to mm -hmm. get there. They Georgia didn't make it, so they had to beat Washington, but like being able to set a goal like that from a, a long time in advance, buying in not just the program, but all the different people 
and then having them return and then seeing arguably one of the best players on the team go down with an injury and not get to do it and bring him along. I mean, they brought him on stage in, in Indy. He hobbled up there and then he didn't have crutches in Houston mm-hmm. when he's like walking around on the field. And to know that like college football's changing, you know, there's going to be a big playoff. There's no Pac-12 anymore. We're going to have conference games in the Rose Bowl against UCLA, USC, Washington, whatever. And this was like sort of the end of college football as we knew it. It's going to become more NFL, free agencies hitting and all that stuff. And it's just kind of like, you know, hopefully the more hire goes well. Hopefully Michigan doesn't skip a beat and everything continues on and they keep hanging banners and titles. But all those guys that took us from the dregs of the end of 19 and 20 and stuck around, because there's a lot of guys from the 19 team mm-hmm. that went through all of this. Yeah, there's people that didn't, you know, that that aged out and all of that. But just them being able to do it, being there and watching like you check that box on your to-do list of this is why I'm here. And Blake gets up and says, business is finished. Mm-hmm. And it's just like... I just never forget that. You, and you can't take that. I mean, you can't take that away. And it's not It's not as much. It's why I had trouble making this list. Because it's not this moment or that moment. It's all of the moments that made it so enjoyable that when you put them together, it like creates this whole story. Yeah. And that that's why this is this is the best championship I will ever experience in sports. It's untoppable. I, I think that's true because Michigan could win it next year. Maybe they win three in a row and they're the first team to do it. But it won't be like this. No. And, I mean, they had to do it. Harbaugh had to do it with – a. I mean, we started this about Harbaugh. He had to do it by being suspended for six games for mm-hmm. BS. Yeah. And the whole team was like, okay, fine. We'll win anyway. We'll go and win in Happy Valley. We'll beat Ohio State. Sharon Moore beat Ohio State. Jim Harbaugh was yeah. – I'm guessing he had a little to do with the game plan. But, like w- – that's not precedented. Who can you tell me another team that like went through it without their head coach no. in games on the sideline? And I mean, this is part of what the Harbaugh era was about: is that he took the heat. Yeah. I mean, you talk about you. You can go online and easily find people who have vicious hatred towards Jim Harbaugh yeah. for completely bogus reasons. Yeah. Right? Like the he's not the. Um, I know everyone falls in love with their head coach, right? And he's all, but like, there's a lot of real to Jim Harbaugh that came out in this team that you cannot fake, right? Nope. And it's because from the beginning he was himself at maximum volume. I think he grew a lot. Oh sure. Um, as I, did these different players as he, you watch them. Well, and I think all of us. I, you mentioned some of the guys around for the championship. You know, um, they had a lot of guys from previous Michigans on this team, hanging around, right? John Falk is around. Mm-hmm. John Falk is, you know, Bo's right-hand guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. Bo's equipment manager is still, is still there. They had um, Denard Robinson. They had Mike He's Hart. on the staff. On staff. Mike Hart was on staff. Mike Hart is there from the beginning of when we couldn't beat Ohio State, when this, <laughs> when this thing started, right? Um, oh, for Ohio State was the headline. Yeah. After 07. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, You know, they... They Bellamy. Bellamy's on there. Bellamy's from like the late car era, right? Where like we're we're not living up to the expectations that were set after 1997. You know, they have Chris Bryant there, who's you know he's was an offensive lineman under like during the period when we hated all of the offensive linemen. So like everyone was there for this, um, and that I think you're absolutely right that that make 
that moment. Even Courtney Morgan <laughs> on the other opposite sideline, but he comes over and <laughs> he was technically there. Was, I mean, they made him take his jacket off, but yeah, then he yeah, could hang yeah. again, right? Um, but also, like how much we all had to grow to get there. And I know that, like the person I was at the beginning of that, is a very different person than I am today. The things that I had to learn along the way, and a lot of them I learned from these college players, like the I, you know, I was we were talking about the guarantee thing that was an emotional psychological breakthrough that i had to make is that if you expect good things you're going to open yourself to a lot more damage but you're also going to be able to experience life again and you know that was this meta narrative we had from the beginning like the black pit of negative expectation was like when do you close yourself off emotionally from this team yeah i mean i could not fully enjoy the 2021 ohio state game i mean i was going through a lot of turmoil in my personal life i had you know just felt like exp- i couldn't do it mm-hmm. i couldn't just sit down and we'd and, been through you'd been through personally a lot not just off the job uh, but on the job i yeah. mean you were i mean when you do yeah. a ufr that's why you guys split it now because one person can't do this if you do you're probably a football coach well well that's optimistic but <laughs> you know one thing that i'm grateful for this whole like kind of three-year process is that, you know, by the Ohio State game this year, the Alabama game, the Houston game, I was not holding back. You know, I'm these days I'm I'm very static and I don't I don't really do a lot of shouting or something cuz like my emotions are at a fever pitch, so I'm just trying to keep it all together. But there was a difference between how I felt after the 21 Ohio State and how I felt during this run cuz I was in and they did it. Nothing will ever feel better in the realm of sports. So when we were doing prep, I said that, like, because, you know, we kind of talked about how we were going to do this podcast. And so I just started going back through all the schedules since 2015 and writing down all the notes for all the games of the things that I remember. And I kind of broke it down into three three-year segments because guess what? That's what it is. But it plays out like a movie script because you get the hero comes back to save his program and probably exceeds expectations in 15 has a chance but isn't quite good enough. And then 16, they look like they're good enough. Maybe they win it, but they kind of get jobbed. 17, kind of the bottom falls out because he doesn't have the quarterback. And you have the O-line. It starts to fade. 18, you are in the starting to enter the black pit of negative expectations after that Notre Dame game. But then, 19, 19 Notre Dame game the, was the was the write up. Eighteen Ohio State. Well, leading was into the year leading into game. leading into you have those Ohio State games where the Don Brown defense is like the top defense. But yeah. leading into eighteen, yeah. you were, or I should say, after that Notre Dame loss, yeah. you were pretty down, and that was the first time you told me to be on the podcast, and you almost didn't want to talk about the game. No, and I you're just kind of like whatever. This season is whatever. Well, there's that and then Penn State game where we got hammered, and I just wrote about mattresses well, was, afterwards. Like, and so then you get through 18, and but we kind of get the buy-in back, and so you're kind of the story is starting to arc before it drops one more time after 18, and then 19, and then 20 when everybody is out on Harbaugh and most people, and like the program and what are we even doing, and is there even, we're even playing football again, and so then you kind and then it kind of. He has to go to another place and figure out what went wrong and like decide who he wants to be. And the players have to follow along and you get this then rise that comes up out of it. It wasn't what went wrong. It was what do we have that we're not using? 
you go back to some of those games, you know, after 2017 loss, we're like, ah, we was on a great team. We lost to Michigan State in the rain. Like, okay, whatever. Now we're a 7-5 team. Like, this, the, the only thing that sucked about 2017 is nothing fun came out of it, right? Um, well, there's a lot but, that sucked, but yeah. <laughs> but, 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 like, you know, we, we were all the – everyone was a sophomore in that, that – or a freshman in that year. It wasn't – but – Rashawn Gary is crying at the end game. In the Michigan State game? Because it's on the Amazon thing. No, no, the Ohio State game. Oh, okay. He's got, he's at the end of the bench and he's got tears in his eyes. And it's like his, that meant so much to him. Now that 2017 team, no fan went into that game thinking we were going to be in the game. Yeah. We got upset at the end because we got so close, but like, we were like, okay, we almost upset you. But Rashawn Gary, a five star who everyone kind of thinks as somebody who didn't quite make it was grading out really well in, yeah. our, in our grading and had some games were, which were amazing. That meant a lot to him in that moment. Well, and then you explode through that into the 21 and 22 and 23. And to me, that's kind of like the end of the story book ending is where you have now all of a sudden you're figuring it out. You're putting it together. You start conquering your demons one after another, after another, after another, after another. And that's why sitting there in you know, to go back to Brian's point about 21 and even to your point about 22, Seth, is that sitting there at the end of 23, you're like, all of that fit together. Everything has been hurdled, whatever has been put in front of it. And I probably, you know, I remember going through this season and thinking, man, now there's going to be this black mark on this season because, you you know, of the, the hamburger thing and then the sign stealing and then all that stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Looking back, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, take any shot. Take anything <laughs> away. You can bring out everything, the NCAA, the Big Ten, yes. Ohio State, and Michigan's overcoming it all. The, the way everything played out only heightens the enjoyment when thing works out in the late presidents. We're not big. Yeah. So, I mean, I, mean, I think it's time I, I would to like, wrap it up. I, I have a great way to wrap this okay. up. Okay. Because you mentioned something, and I, I think that I, I can play off of that. Speaking of things being hurdled, Alohi Gilman, Notre Dame 2019. All of a sudden, we've got this this rain game. Brian Kelly is miserable, and Hassan Haskins hurdles a guy. Yeah. And here we are. We're believing in this team. Trey Person, Michigan State, 2020. We thought this that season was the end. We thought we were going to fire the guy up the end. We oh. thought it was over. Yeah. Right? And uh. and I was going back and watching. I did the UFR for that game in the offseason because uh-huh. I'm an idiot. And I that was the first jersey I bought. It was because of that game for Hassan Haskins and it's because like this guy is playing his ass off Mm -hmm. and he believes even even in this stupid season that shouldn't matter in this you know what 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 mattered that 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 thing mattered Bryson Garner against Western Michigan in 21 who the fuck are these people these are people that got hurdled come on Brian oh god these are Hassan Haskins is hurdled fools fast 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 all right I mean that Ronnie Bell gets hurt at the beginning of the season, and like, oh God, the season's over. And guess what happens, man? Markel Dismuke, that season almost, and Markel Dismuke from Nebraska, that game's almost over, and all of a sudden he leaps over. They that needed guy. that to win that game. Another game they had to win on the road, or else they're not eligible at yeah. twenty-one. Yeah, and we and we take Angelo Gross in twenty twenty-one. Michigan State is done. You're dead. You're dead. Devin Matthews, Indiana, and then finally Cameron Brown against Ohio State, and that was the run that just ended that game. In the snow. And, like, that was that was it. We get the ball for six minutes and it's over. I mean, they, they hurdled all the fools, Brian. Last thing I have to say is go Chargers. Wait. We have one more thing we need to do. Thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. <laughs>
Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning and love our timely ad reads. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at their three-star locations in Ann Arbor or learn about their custom apparel business at undergroundshirts.com. We'd also like to thank all of our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demers, Realtor and Lender, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Winewood Organics, Human Elements, Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning, Venue by 4M, where we are still recording this an hour and a half after they close, The Nosebleeds, which is the Sklar Brothers reboot of Cheap Seats on UFC Fight Pass, and Autograph Fandom Rewarded, who just launched an app where you earn rewards for things like reading MGO blog and listening to the very end of this four-hour podcast. Guys, it's been real. Thank you, Jim Harbaugh. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Denard Robbins. Thank you for listening to the MGO Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook and David Nasimak. In life, hurdle all your fools. Jabril Pilber, uh, Jabil, God damn it. Cut. <laughs> that was cool. we, we cutting that one? Yes, Come on, that's a good definitely one. Definitely cutting that one. Cutting that one, but I'm saving it. All right. Uh-huh.